Support for Pop Culture Leftovers this week is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PCL20 at manscaped.com. Guys, can you imagine? Greg, we got Handy Greg, Handy Greg, Jake. Guys, you got yours in the mail. I got mine in the mail. Man, I'm telling you, like, Manscaped fucking hooked us up, dude. The box looks sleek as, it looks sleek as hell. And like, you open it up and I laughed when I saw it. It said, it's a whole new balls game. And I was like, that is clever. That is punny, Manscaped. No, I cracked up. Michelle was right there with me when we opened the box, and we were both just cracking up at the box and the logo and just how sleek and nice the box itself is before I know. seeing the razor. I felt like I was going to open a fucking Apple phone. You know what I, I mean? I was going to say the same thing. I was like, oh, my God, am I going to install a new iOS here? No, I'm going to install a fucking razor onto my ball sack. This is amazing. But it, yeah, thing about this package said quality. I'm actually wearing my Manscaped uh, boxer briefs right now. Dude, can you believe they, they hooked us up with boxer briefs? And you know what? It's the perfect boxers to go uh, with, you know, the after uh, effects of this razor. They, it just feels so good in those boxers. Um, guys, imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time for your favorite time in the bathroom. And we're one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship of the details of the 4.0 are next level. And I, Greg, I, tell me about a time when, <laughs> tell me about a time or times that <laughs> we heard about one last week, but tell me about a time where you've hurt your balls while trimming below the belt. Well, Brian, as you and the listeners know, I have a tremendously hairy set of balls. And, you know, growing up, I, I would, you know, look for a, a, a resource to trim my pubes. And, and, uh, this one terrible time, I did borrow a pair of my mom's, uh, sewing shears. These are really large scissors that, you know, and when you're learning how to trim your pubes, your first inclination is to really like to tug on the hair to get a nice, clean, clean trim. But if you tug too much, which is what I did, you can actually, you can cut yourself, which, you know, you don't want to cut yourself in the sack. And if you don't tug it enough, you're not accurately dealing with all the nooks and crannies of, of, of your ball sack. So... Look, this is just, it's a complicated business, shaving your balls, and it's something that you have to do because if you got hairy balls, it gets sweaty, it gets ugly, nobody nobody wants to deal with that. So, uh, you know, th this is, like, everything about this product is is absolute quality. This is a, a, a high-end trimmer, and I, I, I personally had a wonderful experience using it. Dude, I did too, man. I used it in the shower because it said it's waterproof. I'm like, I'm going to try this out, dude. And it's like my, you know, like when I pull the curtains back, it's not like the light in the bathroom's that bright for me. And this thing's got a fucking light on it, dude. And I was able to, like, look at all those nooks and crannies going on. You know, it, 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 seriously, sometimes your ball sack. If somebody had never seen one before, they thought they were looking at something like an H.R. Geiger film. You know what I mean? It's like a <laughs> It's like a it's like a hairy brain. Yeah, it's like a hairy brain. It looks like Michael Stipe's head. You know what I mean? It's so, 
<laughs> and I mean, that's, but after I used this razor, man, it did not look like Michael Stipe's head. This thing was beautiful. My balls were glistening, dude. I was so impressed. I, I love, and like the ease of use and the time that I saved in the shower. Like when I shave in the shower, typically it takes forever. This thing, like just fuck it. It took care of the pubic hair. Like it was nothing, dude. Like before this, my fucking ball sack looked like one of the fry guys from McDonald's or something or like a koosh ball or something, man. After this, it's, I'm telling you, this was like the easiest tool that I've ever used. And I do it. I usually just use a razor and this thing is so fucking cool. It's sleek. It's awesome. Jake, how did it work out for you, man? Yeah, I also used it in the shower and I also normally just use like a fucking big razor. And I mean, it's just so, it works, but it's so awkward and uncomfortable to use. It doesn't feel the best when you're done using it. And I, I thought that's where this really made the difference. It's, it's, really lightweight it's really easy to grip it doesn't feel awkward to hold it at all and yeah the light was amazing I, i've never seen anything like it i it's fucking awesome it was great it felt great afterwards yeah manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology I now feel confident shaving my balls. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard links with sizes 1 through 4. Did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which I don't even know what the fuck electromagnetic induction is, but the people at Manscaped do, and thank God they do, because this thing, I, I threw it on the charger and it was ready to go. It, this thing was incredible. It can help the battery last longer. That's what electromagnetic induction does. It helps the battery last longer. And if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants yeah. to end up with pubes in their mouth. This thing, it's made for your balls. It's made by people that know balls, man. These people, they've studied balls. They've studied nut sex. They know what they're doing. They've made this. This That's what you need, man. We've just been using, I've been using the same razor that I used on my face. I just switched the blade. And so this is just, this is made for your ball sack. This is incredible. Uh, it's time to get your own ball and hair body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth boys. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PCL20 at Manscaped.com. I went ahead, bought my mom one for Mother's Day. She's always complaining that there aren't enough things to do with dad. I said, how about you fucking shave dad's ball sack? And so I sent her one of these for Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. You and Dad can can uh <laughs> Plus it vibrate. My dad has a famously hairy penis. So <laughs> I think she started that that uh, that project on Tuesday. They're 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 on day three of this now. So but uh it, Manscaped is is definitely uh, it's, uh, it's an awesome product. I'm not gonna even lie. This thing is very cool. I'm so glad that they hooked us up with this, man. I will, I will never shave. I, th that's the truth. God's honest. I will never shave down there using anything else. 
yeah, I mean, we never show anything that we don't stand by. And when we do show something we don't stand by, we always shit on it plenty. And this this thing is not that. This thing is awesome. Our listeners, you deserve to pamper yourself. If you're using a shitty-ass Bic Razor, you need to throw that motherfucker away and get yourself a Manscaped. Yeah, now is the time to do it. Please do it now. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PCL20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. And use the code PCL20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Greg, what are you going out on? You know, there's nothing like having a nice, clean set of balls. It's, it's, you know, you, it's refreshing. That's the way I would describe it. It's refreshing. It makes you feel light. It makes you feel airy. You get a nice, clean draft down there. You're not sweaty. You're clean. You're ready for action. Clean up your balls. I'm rubbing mine in awe right this second. <laughs> TMI, Jake. <laughs> PCL20 at manscaped.com. Get yours today. Thanks a lot, everybody. Episode 380. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a walk rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It's a trap. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftover, uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftover, pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O on Thundercats, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats, ho! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're the Leftovers. Yeah, I'm not ready for this one, Jake. No, how come? I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> You'll get there. You'll warm up into it. <laughs> I need a little a little couch talk, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Lay on the couch. Let me know what's bothering yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need a little I need a scalp massage. <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm a bit far away from that. <laughs> that would be so weird you giving me a scalp massage. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe episode four hundred. <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll just have a episode 400 will just be a live stream in the people calling me and you as you're giving me a scalp massage it'll be all video that's huge we should save that for 500 <laughs> yes oh my god yeah yeah once we're at half a like a half a not century what do they call a thousand years a century yes yeah <laughs> Once we hit the half century mark, that's what we'll do. Years. That's the millennium. Oh, hi, Tristan. Haven't introduced you yet, but welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, what's going on? No, 500. I, was, I meant, yeah, so, so, like, like, what do you call 500 episodes then, dude? Five centuries? I don't know. Oh, God. All right. That was Tristan, everyone. Tristan, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, I have nothing to plug, so can I just give people my Venmo and Cash App? There you go. Yeah, give it a shot. 
Welcome, Tristan. Happy to have you back, man. Last time we had you on, probably one of the most fun times I've ever had podcasting, dude. Oh, was that the uh, the uh, Channing Tatum? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That was a lot of fun. We're we're also joined by uh, Billy Blinks from the Scene Invaders podcast. Welcome, Billy. Brian, my friend, thank you for having me on, Jake. It's always a pleasure to meet you. Um, I looked it up for you. It's a quincentenary, which is a really shitty name and not really enthusiastic or anything thought-provoking. So that's what it is. Quindicentary. So I don't like – yeah. <laughs> you don't you get that like on the Oregon Trail? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Uh, it's better than a Quinn scurvy though, Jake. <laughs> That's that. who, who gets scurvy in 2021? Is that a thing? Yeah, it's probably pretty rare these days. Yeah, vitamin C pills, people. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, you're, no, Scene Invaders, man. I listened to uh, Paul. You had, I love this. You had Paul Hart on, man. I love seeing, like, uh, you know, the community uh, getting together, man. It's awesome to hear Paul on the episode. Paul, um, we met. When we did the first time that we did an episode with you, Brian, and Paul's actually become a great friend. I actually, I probably talk to Paul almost every day about something, you know, movie or TV related. Have um, you moved into just, scalp massage territory though? Yeah, we're, 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 we're like skipping steps here. We're going to be in Vegas soon now that everything's opening back up. So, you know, we'll probably live stream that for you. No, but, um, it's been great. Like you said, it, it's awesome to have people that you met, you know, through a common friend or common show, obviously, like we did through PCL. And, um, like you said, it's, it's like we kind of talked about when you came on Scene Invaders. It's really the whole reason why we do what we do. Obviously, we love movies and film, but, it's about the family and it's about the community you can build and the fr- the genuine friendships you can build. So it's been, you know, Paul's just one great example of that. You say it's about family. I feel, Jake, like the Vin Diesel of the podcasting, of the podcasting world sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Who's that make me? Uh, Paul Walker. I'm, Jake, oh, no. I hate to break. Yeah, I, I was got, hoping for Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah. But. Got some bad news for you, Jake. <laughs> i'm gonna be cruddy cgi in a few episodes is that what's gonna happen? Uh, yeah that's what hey, hey, okay I, I did watch tokyo drift i'm gonna talk about it later but has vin diesel in any of these movies has he ever like have they ever had a scene where like he's he's running low on gas and they say you're running low on gas and he's like i don't need gas i got diesel no, no. They don't. Even, that's not his name in the movies. You know? <laughs> I know, but like, it's like a, it's a wink and a nod. <laughs> he winks at the camera. After he actually looks at the camera. <laughs> it would start. It would. <laughs> this episode's off. If he actually did say that in the movie, I wouldn't be surprised. It'd be like, great. It wouldn't shock me one bit. Yeah. It, it's like it's like the rock so diesel. far. I have not seen the rock play rock paper scissors in a movie yet, and just throw rock like that would be a cool little nod. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. He's kind. He's known for that playing rock paper scissors. Yeah, he actually does that in the Toots Fairy. Does he? No, I'm, I'm bullshitting. I don't know. <laughs> I, it sounds like a movie that you would fucking watch, Jake. <laughs> I was trying to be flawless. <laughs> So anyway, last uh, I want to thank I want to thank a couple people. Last episode, 
Uh, we had like uh, the little talk about the uh, archway cookies at the beginning of the episode. And uh, I come home, I think it was on Tuesday, and I've got a box uh, waiting at my doorstep. And Stephanie Haynes, listener Stephanie Haynes, good friend of the show, uh, sent me some uh, raspberry-filled archway cookies. And then in the days to come, I got four more boxes of archway cookies. And Holy so, shit. yeah, I got, <laughs> I got, awesome. I got soft, frosty lemon chocolate, these chocolate cookies. I got these windmill sugar cookies and then I got these amazing, uh, soft oatmeal cookies with icing. And so huge thank you to Stephanie. I laughed my ass off and then, but then I thought, oh my God, this is like so incredibly sweet that our listeners would do something that I don't know. Just, just, this that cool and that fun. I mean, it just makes me feel that much more connected to our listeners. It was really fucking cool. And then a few episodes ago, I was talking about how I hadn't seen Pump Up the Volume in years and how they don't have it, you know, available to stream anywhere. Robert Pangburn, listener Robert Pangburn, he's like, dude, shoot me your address. And he sent me, uh, sent me the DVD for Pump Up the Volume. So thank you, Robert. That's fucking awesome. That is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. You, you should next it? say that you should next say that you uh, never drove a Tesla before. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite cookies are the ones stuffed with hundred dollar bills in the middle. <laughs> I, I've never held a million dollars in my hands before. All right, I'm waiting. All right, guys, let's jump into uh, let's jump into this week's iTunes reviews. It's one Jake, real quick, uh, me and you, we're ball bros, man. Oh, it's true. It's true. I think it happened on the same day as well. Yeah, <laughs> we're ball bros. That's right. I don't know. I don't know if Tristan and uh, Billy are ball bros, but me and Jake, we got hooked up by Manscaped. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped, as you heard at the beginning. And, uh, man, I really want to thank them for sending that, man. And honestly, like, listeners, if it's something that you've been considering, like, I... They wanted us to talk about it last week, but I hadn't received the product yet. So I wanted to get the product first and use it before I even talked about it. And it is seriously impressive. And so if you've ever been thinking about getting Manscaped or buying Manscaped for somebody, definitely do it. Go to manscaped.com. Use the code PCL20 for 20% off. And I think it's free shipping. Didn't they say it's free shipping too? It's 20% off and free shipping, I believe. Oh, man. I hate paying shipping. No, it fucking sucks. Shipping blows. We're ball bros, dude. It's awesome. I've never felt closer to you. I know. We gave us, remember when we gave each other that ball high five where we slapped our balls together? <laughs> it was uncomfortable before. It, it was fucking weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This first uh, iTunes review comes from the dude 556. And uh, yeah, yeah, that movie, right? With the dude? The Big Lebowski. The Big Lebowski. Uh, it's uh, titled, Thanks for All You Do. It's a five-star. First iTunes review ever. So we got an iTunes review virgin here, Jake. Pop this cherry, dude. Ball bros. That's awesome. That's, a, that's like a Pornhub video. Ball bros pop the dude556's cherry. <laughs> How many fucking views do you think that one's got? 
<laughs> oh, at least 1,700. Dude, at the end of that one, when we slapped balls, gave each other the ball high five, that was so dope, man. <laughs> and it was like in slow motion, and we did it in the air, and like we did that thing where like we pause in the air. <laughs> There's like a little ting. Yeah. When they connect. <laughs> then we sword fight. <laughs> it's like a tether ball. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting sore just thinking about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they got caught together. <laughs> it was like that whole bad trip scene from Eric Andre's movie. Um, I was thinking space balls where their Schwartzes get tangled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, first iTunes review ever. Been a listener since Infinity War. Brian, Jake, and guests deliver honest opinions and hilarity to new shows and movie releases. I look forward weekly to listening to you all. Thanks for all you do. Dan West for guest of the year. I don't, is that a, is that a, uh, is that a Tupperware's category there, Jake? Tuppy's category? Guest of the year? Guest of the year? I'd be down for it. I don't like it. Now we're p- making favorites and shit. I don't like that. Even though Neil's my number one, because it, it would hurt if he didn't win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know Greg would not would not even make nominations. <laughs> I don't know. Even if, when the motherfuckers' internet's not working, people still love that guy. It's it's insane. It's oh, insane. Yeah. I mean, I'm Greg's fantastic, but you gotta you gotta come with the audio quality. <laughs> the uh let's see here thank you the dude five five six <laughs> what what are you giggling at the numbers always kill me come yeah. up with a better name if you got to be 556 then maybe dude that. maybe that's a special number to him yeah maybe but i doubt it maybe like he lost his virginity at that time 556 <laughs> That's when he, yeah, he first AM or PM. He's is like, that that's what a, he, is that what it started or what it finished? Who's losing his virginity in the morning? <laughs> I mean, it could have been a long night, man. Bars close at 4 a.m. <laughs> wow. What? You're 21. You're finally losing it. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. <laughs> okay. All right, dude. If you lost your virginity at 556 in the morning, dude, what the fuck? Come on, that's some that's some PM shit there, Jake. I mean, PM seems too early. PM right? stands for pussy magnet, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you do it in the. I don't like. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. I'm not. <laughs> I, went all dude, bro. I went. I went so dude, bro. That was so douchey. Uh, guard that pussy, everybody. Um, <laughs> next one is titled. We get. <laughs> next one is. It's five fifty six. Guard that pussy. <laughs> You're right. That is kind of early. Yeah, it's way way too early. It's way too early to lose your virginity. Like after you've been fucking, you know, banging for a while, five fifty six is perfect. That's fine. But to like to lose your virginity that early in the morning? No, I want to. I want to grab my bearings. I want to be up. No, for the I mean day. even the, the PM is too early. No, the the morning's more believable. I mean, you're out all night drinking. Probably I, the five fifty six is like you. Have you're losing your virginity day. as you're going out <laughs> drinking all night. All right. Okay. You got a fake ID. You're out at the bars drinking all night with your fake ID and you lose your virginity at 556 in the morning. You guys fucking happy now? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It took me and Billy lots of alcohol to make it happen that first time. (laughs) A lot of bravery. (laughs) (laughs) Next one comes uh, from uh, E. Johnson photo. Jake, do you think the E. Johnson, do you think the Johnson photo is a photo he sent the Manscaped after he shaved his nutsack? 
<laughs> I, I hadn't thought that, but now it's it's definitely a possibility. I think you're right. It's titled "We Can Have Lots of Fun," and uh, <laughs> it's a five star. And it says, "Been listening since 2016." This is. Do you say 2016 or do you say 2016, Jake? I say 2016. Billy, it's less syllables. Whatever, whatever's less syllables is what I say. Okay. Billy, you say 2016 or 2016? 2016, definitely. Tristan. At, at what point do we just start saying like 21, 22, like we used to do in the 90s and 80s? Yeah, dude. When do you, yeah, when do we start that. doing that? Because everybody's, it's just like 2021, 2020, 2021. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. saying like, you know, it's like 92, 93. Yeah, when do right. we do that? When do we start like, like throwing out 20s there? Do we have to like jump into like the next decade before we start doing that? I think Tristan just started it, actually. Okay, it's 21, y'all. You did it, Tristan. You did it. You did it, Tristan. I don't know. Rise up that guest of the year rankings. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna, I we're gonna get a toss it. That's it. We're gonna have those, uh, those graphs with like the, uh, green arrows pointing up and the red ones pointing down for guest of the year. I'll send those out weekly. <laughs> Power <laughs> rankings. Uh, e. Johnson photo, the guy that took a picture of his dick sent to Manscaped. Uh, <laughs> 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 they, they've got some rabid fans there, Jake, over at Manscaped. Yeah, I'm sure they, they love us sponsoring them after all these Johnson photos. What, what if we, like, followed up with them with just pictures of our dicks? <laughs> <laughs> a big, like, thank you. And we said, we said it with, like, this attachment of just pictures of our dicks. <laughs> it's not the worst idea. It's, it's a proof-of-life video. <laughs> fucking, yeah, fucking Karen and Human Resources is going to have her work cut out for her that day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ah, been listening since 2016. This is my personal fave. I like longer podcasts like PCL's typical three to five hour episodes. The hosts, Jake and Brian, have cultivated camaraderie and the community. It's a lot of C words. Cultivated camaraderie. Yeah. Have cultivated camaraderie and community with great visiting guests regularly. Man, this guy's punctuation and his, his, dude, this guy's killing it. He's like, have cultivated camaraderie and a community with great visiting guests, comma, regularly. Like, man, some of our fucking people, like, write in. It's just, like, run-on sentences for days. No punctuations. This guy, E. Johnson photo, I bet he fucking, he cropped that picture of his dick. I bet it was, like, immaculate, that fucking picture that he sent <laughs> Manscaped. <laughs> he fucking cropped yeah, this it. This guy's way too smart to be listening to us. <laughs> he sent, like, it was, like, one of those... Like it was like landscape. He had it in landscape. Maybe he even took it like with one of those 360 degree cameras. So you could just like turn from one ball to the next ball as you're looking at this photo. (laughs) You're doing, you're doing like a, you're doing like a ball rotation, like a full axis rotation. Oh, I like it. I, I, the 3D photo, you like tilt it up and they're saggy. Yeah. Down and they're taut. Right. Saggy, taut, (laughs) saggy, taut. All right. No, it goes on, goes on to say no politics here. Come for the insight on TV and film and games, banter, and even other great podcasts to check out. That comes from E. Johnson Photo, the guy that took a picture of his penis, sent it to Manscaped. 
hope that works out well for him. <clears throat> yeah. Remember to head over to manscaped.com. Use the code PCL20. 20% off and free shipping. Dude, the 4.0 is really nice. Yeah, I still want to know what, what, what upgrades happened. Like, I want to see the 3. I, I'm going to Google the 3.0 on our break. There you go. I got the 3.0. Oh, yeah, you fucking loser. It keeps me from having a Sherman Hemsley down there. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Tristan, you're moving on up. That's all I'm saying. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's see here. Oh, we got to go over it. Last week we had the uh, contest for that damn Michael Shea. I've got to select the winners now that are going to be winning uh, hand signed posters, five hand signed posters, as well as five uh, American Express gift cards for twenty five dollars each. So let's go over who our winners are going to be for that damn Michael Che. First winner. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's not Stark, is it? No, 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 no. It's Monica Garola. No, that's a good one, too. Uh, next one. Next one. Who do we got here? Joe Ruhak. Joe Ruhak. I got scared for a second. <laughs> Let's see here. Number three. Number three. Geraldo Vega wins again. Oh, All right. Shit. And number four. Sam Leote. Sam Leote, you win. And the final winner for that damn Michael Che. $25 gift cards. And signed that damn Michael Che poster from Michael Che himself. The final winner is Aubrey Oates. So, Aubrey, guys, I've got the gift cards. They're digital. I'll send them to you in an email, but uh, I'll be asking for your addresses for the posters. But uh, we'll get those. Uh, we'll get the prizes out to the winners here soon, Jake. Yeah, cold hard cash. And you know what they can do with that cold hard cash, Jake? They can take it over to manscaped.com and use the code PCL20 at checkout for 20% off the 4.0 with free shipping. Nice. We'll have their email addresses, too. Maybe they can get some of the nice pictures we're going to send out. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, let's see. We've got a new contest. Now on digital, Mina Suvari. I, you know, I get the names confused. I don't get the ladies confused, but Mina Suvari and Myra Savino. Oh, easy confusion. Yeah. Yeah. Now on digital, Mina Suvari and Costas Mandalore star in the heart shape. Heart, heart shape. I was gonna say heart shaped box. <laughs> I'm thinking, I don't know why I'm thinking of that Nirvana song right now. It's one of their best. It is. Oh, I love that song. Uh, star in the heart stopping thriller Locked In. Kidnapped and locked in a high tech storage facility. A hostage must stay one step ahead of her captors in their hunt for stolen diamonds. If she has any chance to escape alive, secure your copy of Locked In, new to buy or rent tonight. It's rated R from Paramount Pictures. Stars Mina Suvari from American Beauty. She was also in the American Pie movies. Uh, Jeff Fahey from Lost and Costas Mandalore from Virtuosity and the Saw franchise. This is for fans of thrillers and action movies. It's a tense action thriller that uh, will keep you on the edge of your seat. So, yes, uh, then uh, just send me a... Yeah, I'm losing my mind here. What I need to to do to enter the contest is I'm going to be putting out a Facebook message and then a uh, tweet. 
and all you do is screenshot the tweet and the Facebook message, show me that you shared it and you tweet retweeted it and uh, title the uh, email locked in and uh, I will pick five and then send it to comments at popcultureleftovers.com and I'll be picking out five winners for the contest next week. I feel like we've already done this one, Jake. Yeah, they all start to kind of sound familiar. So. <laughs> I love how they credit Jeff Fahey. He's in like six episodes of Lost, like, and that's that's his biggest credit. That's what I, that's, that's what hilarious. they said. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's got to be right. Has he, yeah, what else has he done? Man. What else has he done, man? Lawnmower Man. I can't even think of anything mm. else. Oh, Lawnmower Man. That was a good movie, man. When it came out. Yeah, yeah. It was like the first like big time cgi yeah right we hadn't really seen anything like that that and like free jack and it got us talking about uh, like um, it got more people talking about virtual reality you know back then yeah 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 so yeah uh enter the contest for locked in i'll go over the winners next week got an email here from listener jason feld and he says i just want to thank you guys for the gem that was the thank you track I think he's talking about last week's uh, Polite Remix. Uh, who's doing dishes over there? Yeah, I think that's on my end. <laughs> Michelle doing dishes over there, Jake? I think she's just slamming stuff around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right somebody had an angry dinner tonight, didn't they? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some things Manscaped can't fix, man. It's, those angry dinners. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for the gem. That was the thank you track. I'm at a brewery and the song just came on. And in my head, all I hear is Brian saying, you're welcome. Uh, in fact, I almost blurted out, you're welcome myself. Keep up the great work. And that comes from Jason Feld. Thank you, Jason, for the email. That's great. <laughs> <sighs> of all the things to email about. Yeah. No, it's nice, man. It's nice. I, I just like, I like hearing from people every once in a while. You know what I mean? It, it was short. It was a short fucking email, Jake. Sometimes you get them and they're like fucking like seven pages and shit and they want you to read it on the episode. Here's my theory about Captain America and uh, the next Avengers thing. And it's like seven fucking pages and it's like, how the fuck, can you give me the Cliff Notes version? Cause I can't read <laughs> this whole fucking thing, dude, based on a theory that popped up in your head. Do you think this will happen in Captain America 4? No, absolutely not. I get those sometimes, man. Sometimes just thinking like, sure. So maybe it might happen, man. I don't know what to tell you, dude. <laughs> yeah, sure. Crossbones and fucking Steve Rogers are going to touch fucking nuts. In the next yeah, Captain they're going to they're gonna fucking dock in the next movie, bro. <laughs> uh, have you heard about this new thing people are doing with pickles, Jake? <laughs> it has nothing to do with sex. I swear. <laughs> I swear. I swear. That ain't new. <laughs> no. <laughs> They're taking, I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm gonna try, I might try this, man. I love dill pickles. People are taking, uh, dry ranch seasoning, putting it in a pack, in, in a jar of pickles. They're shaking it, letting it sit for 24 hours, and they say it's fucking amazing. No, I've not heard of that. Mm. Is that something you might try? I don't really like ranch very much. Okay. Any ranch fans? Zero. I'm a blue cheese kid myself. I wouldn't do the blue cheese and the pickles. 
Michelle swears by popcorn and pickles. Yeah, I know people that do that. Yeah. I do hot sauce and pickles. Uh, hot sauce and popcorn. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. I'd try yeah. that. Yeah, I used to take hot sauce to the movie theater and pour it on my theater popcorn. That isn't a bad idea, actually. It's good. It's actually really good. All right. All right. Yeah, tell me, what's going on over at Scene at Vader's right now? What are you guys doing? So, obviously, we've been keeping up with the weekly podcast, but a lot of it has been working on doing the YouTube as well, to kind of do, like, a lot of weekly stuff. So, just on my end, we've been doing the reality guys, so we cover weekly reality TV. So, anything from, like, The Circle to The Bachelor to, you know, you insert the challenge is big. You know, a lot of people are into the challenge, so we cover that kind of stuff. Um, And then another big one's been the What Just Happened series. We've been doing, like, weekly episode reactions so depending on the series so we did servant on apple tv plus that was really big for us helped us grow the channel a lot um right now we're doing handmaid's tale i did invincible so uh, we also have a few other got people that are starting to jump in our own like community and friends um and they're working on shows themselves so um it's been like i said man it's been fun i've been learning editing and video and all on the fly didn't have any experience before i started the podcasting stuff so it's it's been a like i said a fun experience learning how to do it i'm i'm guys, loving uh, oh sorry oh no go ahead jake are you guys covering uh, top chef portland i haven't got to that and now it, the, there's so many reality shows and like i said there's myself uh my friends kevin and brian also have really been helping out a lot and they've co-hosted most of the episodes with me um like i said mainly it's been bachelor it's been like i said uh the challenge the circle was big like i said the, the bachelorette's coming back so things like that now we've we've messed with the idea of doing some single topic episodes so like you said you just mentioned like top chef or some people have told us different like said iterations of housewives or insert whatever even some old ones you know like flavor of love or you know (laughs) uh, i love new york and stuff like that so we're always like experimenting with like things we'd love to do i mean we love i've loved reality tv since i was a kid you know grew up with like all those mtv and vh1 shows and that was just like that was my young childhood trash TV, and it's carried over to adulthood. Jake, I, a lot of people will tell you that the real world was the first reality TV show. Yeah, it's not. I would say there was one on Fox that was very short-lived. I can't remember the name of it. But even before that on Fox, I would kind of consider Cops maybe the first. Yeah, yeah that's fair. I, I could see that. But, uh, yeah, there was a short-lived, and it only went for a season on Fox. I don't even know the name of it. But they just had random people and just, like, showing their lives. And it was like – I don't think people were ready for it, man. I don't think people – I remember, like, this guy had, like, all these, like, marks on his back. And they were like, what are those? And he's like, yeah, you know, my girlfriend was, like, giving me hickeys all over my back. So, he had like, his whole back was full of hickeys and shit. And I was like, this is on Fox, like, in the late 80s. I'm like, I don't think people are ready for this. No, no. Ahead of its time. Yeah, way ahead of its time. All right, guys. Let's jump into uh, Good Pop. Oh, I was going to say Scene Invaders. I listened. I've been listening. And uh, I love all the Apple content you guys bring up because that's a lot of the stuff that I watch is the Apple content. I'm halfway through Servant Season 2. So I still think it's 10 episodes. I think I still have five left. Yeah, it's awesome. And like you said, it's it's more so the Apple content. Like you said, everything on Apple has been great. We push everything Apple TV. Um, and Servant, like I said, has, we have a soft spot for it because that was like the first one that Danny and I had 
did those what just happens for and we got a it was our first like real community of commenters and theories and it was like i said it was a lot yeah. of fun so we have a soft spot for servant yeah yeah i've been loving everything to do in mosquito coast has been really good so let's jump into uh good pop bad pop it's time for more leftover reviews with good pop bad pop Good Pop, Bad Pop is where you talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. I Like, I, I everybody knows this... Um, I've been going to the theater every week on Fridays doing the Fast Fridays where they're playing the Fast and Furious movies in the theater every week. And uh, if you go to – I think it's Fast Fridays uh, – I think it's like fastfridaysomething.com. You can get tickets. You can get a code and you get the tickets for free. And uh, I've been seeing these movies for free uh, at the Marcus Theater. And uh, last night went and saw Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. I saw this when it first came out. And this is like the movie – where I kind of like hopped off the franchise and uh, <laughs> I'd never saw it in the theater before though. Uh, this one has Sean Boswell always feels like an outsider, but he defines himself through his victories as a street racer. His hobby makes him unpopular with the authorities. So he goes to live with his father in Japan once there and even more alienated. He learns about an exciting, but dangerous new style of sport. The stakes are high when Sean takes on the local champion and falls for the man's girlfriend. And it stars, <laughs> stars uh, Lucas Black. He was the little kid from uh, Sling Blade. He's older. He was a, all grown up. He's a boy. Now he's he a ate man. All them taters and got all grown up. Yeah, French fried taters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is the, this is the first. Uh, this is the first Fast and Furious directed by Justin Lin. Has he done most of them? Uh, at this point, yes. I think he's done over half of them. Okay. Uh, I found it interesting. I didn't bring this up last week, but I found it interesting that John Singleton directed the second one. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big get for the franchise. God damn. Yeah. Like this yeah. Is- John Singleton was the reason why um, Tyrese became a part of the franchise because Tyrese and John, and John Singleton were, you know, they worked together before. So he kind yeah. of brought him into that. I was just like, holy shit, this is the guy that did Boys in the Hood, and he's doing a fucking yeah. Fast and Furious movie, man. It's fucking crazy. Um, yeah, man, I actually enjoyed this one quite a bit. I liked it quite a bit. Um, you know, you don't have anybody from the original cast unless you count the cameo at the end. But, um, you know. Time I, has done this movie a lot of favors. It has. It has. And it, Lucas Black, though, he, it felt like he was trying to fill the shoes of Paul Walker. And it's like, and it, and <laughs> yeah. it, and it felt like, like when when Bo and Luke Duke went away and they, their fucking dope, dopey cousins <laughs> came brothers, in, their cousins, yeah. yeah, came into the show, <laughs> and then like and then Lucas Black has that fucking Jim Carrey Dumb and Dumber haircut and he looks so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I didn't, dude. I forgot Lil Bow Wow's in this movie. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> he Lil Bow Wow is is in one of my <laughs> he's in one of my favorite comedies. <laughs> Um, if you, have you ever seen Lotto Ticket? No. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie so much, Justin. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I can say if it's a guilty pleasure. I just unabashedly love that movie. It's so much fun. <laughs> 
it's about this kid that wins a lottery ticket and he's like trying to hold on to it, Jake. He doesn't want anybody in the neighborhood to steal it, man. It's a, it's a fun comedy, dude. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, Vin Diesel shows up at the, at the end of this one in a cameo. And I was just like, holy shit. Dude, so now, uh, next week is like the, this is like when, um, what happened was they wanted Vin Diesel to come back and they offered him more money and everything. He's like, he basically said no, unless I can get more creative control. And then this is like, this is that moment where he gets all the, the creative control and where they've turned this into like this huge franchise now. Yeah. I yeah. think the next one is the worst one. I've, I've heard you say that before. Really? Yes. I've heard you say that. I'll be interested. To watch this one. I, I'm looking forward to it because it, you got Paul Walker and Vin Diesel back in this one. And I, I've been waiting for this. I don't I think it's like bad. Don't, don't, don't yeah. mistake me saying it's the worst one, meaning it's a bad movie, but I, I, it mm-hmm. really is the weakest of, of all eight to me. Okay. I, I, I think, I think number four is the one with the least identity. It's just kind of like, it's very forgettable. Okay. Yeah. yeah, this will be the first Fast and Furious movie that I've never seen. The other three, I, the other three, I've seen them before, but I just had never, I haven't seen them since they first came out. So yeah. it's been years, but I, I really enjoy. I'll give Fast and Furious Tokyo, Tokyo Drift. I'll give it a, a, a very high tasted. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, there was two ladies in the theater that were fighting with each other. Oh yeah, over what? Not physically fighting, but like kind of yelling at each other. And so, like, because, like, one lady had her phone out, and the lady behind her goes, excuse me, could you turn off your phone? Could you turn off your phone? And and then she's like, I got a, I got an important message, and I have to check it. And then, like, it got silent for a while, and then all of a sudden she's like, you don't have to talk to me like I was a kid. And I was just like, holy shit, man. Like, I'm not even paying attention to the movie at this point. I'm just, like, waiting for this Jerry Springer shit to go down. <laughs> Were they wearing masks? It was Fast and Furious over there. Um, I don't know. I, I, I was wearing a mask. I don't know if they were because they might have been eating popcorn and shit. I have no clue. So, yeah, man, um, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Tokyo Drift, but it does introduce one of my favorite characters, Han. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like yeah. Han. I like Han. So I think it's, you know, I know what's going on in F9. I've seen like the spoilers. You know what I mean? So, I mean. Did, did he? Did so? Is this like the first time he's coming back since that movie? No, no. no. Oh fuck. Okay. Oh shit. Well, fuck. <laughs> what the fuck? He's like fucking Kenny. This guy fucking dies all the time, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> What's really crazy is you'll find out that the movies are actually not in chronological order. Well, I know that this one was supposed to be set in the future. This mm-hmm. Tokyo Drift one was. Yes. What year does it take place in? Mm, not sure. Ooh. It's supposed to be after Tokyo Drift comes after number six, I think, in the franchise chronologically. Okay. You somehow just have to ignore the fact that all the cars are like 2005 models and stuff. And the phones. (laughs) Oh, yeah, dude. I was getting a kick out of the fucking flip phones. I was like, holy shit, all these people using flip phones in the future. I didn't know the future was like you're using your grandmother's phone. So cool. (laughs) But, oh, and I loved how like he fucking goes to school over there and he doesn't speak Japanese. And he never fucking goes to school, it felt like. Like, what the fuck was he learning? (laughs) He was learning how to drift. (laughs) Dude, that drifting shit is cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been doing that in Mario Kart for years. <laughs> <laughs> when I first got my Camaro years ago, 
um, I don't have the Camaro anymore, anybody, but when I first got my Camaro years ago and I got it washed, man, I fucking, <laughs> the tires were still wet and I fucking left the, left the car, uh, car wash and I pulled out onto the road and my car fucking drifted and I was like, holy shit, it felt amazing. I was like, so every time I fucking get my car washed, I drift out of the fucking car wash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing to watch, but man, it, can get dangerous there's so many videos online of those things just getting out of control and just wiping people out yeah that fucking parking garage where they're like the guy's taking that turn up the parking garage and was just oh, that awesome. holy shit man i was just like oh my god that is incredible jake that was my retro review i fucking challenged you last week to watch the raid the first movie, The Raid Redemption, and I think you went above and beyond. You watched the first two. You watched both Raid movies, excuse me. I did. I did. I didn't watch them both back to back. I watched one on Wednesday and the other one on Thursday. All right. What'd you think? So, yeah. Are you ready for Taste at Theater? You motherfucker. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I had to say it. I had to say it. The, I thought the first Raid was a near perfect movie. Like on the number scale, I would give it a 10. I It was just fucking incredible i i love movies that take place in one setting like that and that was really amazing it just gave me so much anxiety and tension and excitement like they're going down the hall what's going to be next around the corner what's going to be behind this door i was just on the edge of my seat the whole movie and then on top of that just some of the best like fight scenes in any movie like this i've ever seen like between the gun stuff and the knife stuff i was even more impressed by the knife stuff than i was like some of the gun theatrics oh my gosh and i i thought the sound editing was beyond belief in this movie there's a scene where a guy gets like shot in the ear you know what scene i'm talking about yeah and the movie just totally like buzzes like you and the audience have been shot in the ear too and it goes on for like a good two and a half three minutes where all you can hear is what this character hears which is basically nothing but this like loud piercing buzzing and it just really like brought i've never felt like so in a movie as much as i did during raid one like it was almost like a fucking theme park ride like just the way it made me feel mm-hmm. like just it gave me an adrenaline rush watching this movie. Yeah. I, yeah. I you've hyped on this movie so much, but I honestly, it was better than I expected. That's awesome. Like I did <laughs> not expect to have this much fun watching the movie. Uh, um, I did not feel that way about raid two though. Whoa. I thought Ra- okay. I thought raid two. And I don't know what the consensus is. Yeah. If most people think raid one, is amazing and raid two is pretty good yeah that's kind of where i i look at them as a collective personally it's it's hard to release i because i love that i love them both so it's i kind of just look at them sometimes as one one film yeah and i didn't dislike raid two um if the first one's a tupperware and a 10 on the one to 10 scale this one was like an eight and a high taste it for me okay It, it was it was very very good but it just it did not like just give me that visceral feeling as an audience member that the first one did almost uh, ever and i found that a little bit disappointing come on it, let me ask you about i got to ask you about a few scenes in that fucking movie and you got, i can't believe that okay the fucking the the car the car the fighting in the cars 
Oh, that was my favorite scene of the whole movie. Okay. I, uh, I love a good car chase sequence. Yeah. And it was just shot so amazing. Just like you've seen a million people get hit by the car door when they're going that fast, but you've never seen it and had it like just give you that much impact as it did right. in this movie. I, I thought that was one of the best scenes of the movie. I thought the last half an hour of the Raid 2 was the best part of the movie. Uh, it spends way too much time breathing compared to Raid 1. Like Raid 1 starts and it never stops. Raid 2 is a lot of story. It's a lot of story, yeah. Yeah, and the story's not bad. No. But it's just like the pauses just kind of give you moments to relax, and it just doesn't have you on the edge of your seat. What would you think about Baseball Bat Dude and Hammer Girl? (laughs) Baseball Bat Dude and Hammer Girl were hilarious. Baseball Bat Dude cracked me up how he always asked to have have his ball back. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was pretty fucking funny. Man, that – I've never seen anyone get shot in the head so so gruesome as in the end of Raid 2. Yeah. Like, the camera doesn't pull away at all. It's like a point-blank shotgun <laughs> to the dome. Right. <laughs> what, the camera what? never cuts. I okay. was like, oh, my God. And what what about a marvel the, of makeup. What about Eco Uways and dude in the kitchen sizing each other up, man, just inching closer and closer, dude? Oh, yeah. That, that was great. I was waiting for that fight, and it, it definitely delivered. That's in my top ten of all-time martial arts fights ever, man. That fucking – just the way that whole scene plays out, man. Those two just feeling each other out, like slowly inching towards each other. It is so fucking good. Yeah, I, I love it. I love how, like, you can obviously see that the characters are getting injured, and when there's moments where they're not fighting, they're definitely, like – weak and limping but when they have to fight it's like that adrenaline hits and you just yeah. have to fight through the pain yeah and it, it's very believable i i could see how some people would be like that's bullshit just a second ago he was like hobbling down the hallway but then the next moment he's you know doing all these crazy choreographed moves but i really found it to be really realistic and honestly i thought one of the things i really liked about both movies is the fights are obviously choreographed, but they don't, it doesn't feel like an exposition. Like, you know, it, it really does feel like these people are fighting to the death. Mm-hmm. And that the stakes are real. Yeah. It doesn't feel like, look at these eight cool stunts we can do. Yeah. It really just feels like gruesome fucking fights. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's one thing I really liked about this movie. I, I, there's not too many, I can't even think of another movie where it's like, yeah, you know, Matrix and John Wick and like, it's really cool visuals, but it always feels like a, a performance for the camera, you know, a choreographed, really neat performance where this was really easy to fall into the fiction of the story because the fights just felt so life or death and real. Yeah. Yeah. Gareth Evans is a great director, dude. I, I always wonder, like, why these guys, like, is, is, was J.J. Abrams a fan of the raid and that's why he had these guys show up as Kanja Club in, in, in The Force Awakens? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, so what's the 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 boss's son's name? Is it Eco? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. He is such a fucking heel. I thought yes. he was the biggest heel of both movies. I, I just fucking hated this character. I yeah. cannot wait for this character to get his comeuppance. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you watched these, man. I'm, are you gl- are you happy that you that you watched these? Yeah, they were easy watches. I'm very happy I watched them. I, I was so excited to see the second one, though. And I, I feel like if I watched it again, I mm-hmm. would I would like it more than I liked yeah. it the first time. Yeah, yeah. It's just watching it back to back after the first one. It was just I don't know. I was like, oh damn, that makes sense. A little bit disappointed. I, I see. I saw the Raid Two uh, in the theater, and this is like you know probably a year after the first one had come out that I'd seen it. You know, so 
Um, you know, I was hyped for it and it was in the theater and everything. So I, but I, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from it. I still think the raid two is a phenomenal fucking movie. Gotcha. But I'm not like incorrect. The first one is definitely the masterpiece and the second one's pretty damn good. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I feel like the first one, it was like they had a limited budget and for, it was like that first Deadpool movie, right? You know, and everything just worked. Um, uh, Tristan, uh, Billy, have you guys seen the raid films? Yeah, I've seen both. Yeah, I I love them. Yeah, like I kind of agree with you, Brian. I kind of see them now, like having seen them so many times, I do kind of like bunch them together. But um, the first half, like like Jake said, though, is definitely it never lets up, and the second half is a little bit more exposition, not exposition based. Not saying it's that's there's no action, but um, like I said, I I agree with you guys. They're they're easy, easy watches. Yeah, Tristan. They definitely do a lot more tricky, like camera work stuff in the second one that I really appreciated. There was one scene where you see someone grabbing a shotgun in the reflection of a piss puddle on the floor, and I thought that's art. That's art. Yeah, (laughs) it it was amazing. Like I I really liked that they went a little bit more out there when it came to the uh, the camera stuff in the second one. Yeah, yeah, Tristan. You haven't seen them? No, man, I haven't. Dude, get on this. Get on this. I don't know if it's like something that you'd want to watch with the fiance, but it no, might I would, just I would, I would, I would. Okay. All right, yeah. Check no, it she, out. No, she would love it. She would um, love it. But you know what's you know what's cool is that um I keep hearing the same thing about that first one over and over again, how amazing it is. So yeah, it's definitely something I'm gonna do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If any listeners out there, if you haven't seen the raid redemption or the raid two, get on these. They're fucking phenomenal. I I own the Blu-ray collection and uh, got them on digital as well. They're they're just phenomenal movies. Um, like this is like it was my first introduction to Indonesian martial arts, and I was just fucking blown away. I mean, it it took me back to like the first time I'd seen like uh, Tony Jaa in the uh, Ong Bak movies, like you know, and I hadn't seen such a prolific martial artist you know, like Tony Jaa in a long time. And then this Eco Huey's guy comes along and just fucking just now I'm a huge fan of him. So yeah, if you're into that shit, check it out. I want to follow up. We, we talked a little bit about this last week and we thought the toys looked kind of stupid. Uh, but now we got official photos, pictures from the upcoming He-Man animated series. Jake, what did you think about the photos? I thought they looked really cool. I, I thought they made me way more excited than the, the toys the toy photos. Yeah, I think it just looks way better animated than it did the toys. I'm super excited for it too. I thought it looked really good. Did you, Tristan? Did you see these? Tristan? No, I didn't see them. Oh, okay. I'll look them up. Billy, did you see the the new photos? Are those the ones that Kevin Smith tweeted out? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They were awesome. The the quality. I, I was really just taken back by just the quality of the of the animation and the images. So, I mean, I'm definitely, it was a little before my time and I've you know since then gone and watched. So I don't maybe have the hype as some people, maybe just even like a few years older than myself, but I, I mean, yeah. I'm definitely interested. I mean, it looks like they put a lot of love into it. So. Yeah. I, I, I grew up with the toys. I grew up with the cartoon cartoon doesn't hold up as an adult, but Oh, it's garbage. A lot of them don't, <laughs> and, but it was, it was, it was, you know, for its time when I was a child, it was amazing. And I also used to get the Jake, I'm sure you got them too the records that came with the books mm-hmm. and you could play them on your like little Fisher price record player. And then like, you know, you'd turn the page and then the story would go. And I, I love those too, man. So I was a big fan of he man. So I'm hoping that this series oh. is uh, going to live it up, live up to it. 
I'm looking now, man. It, it looks awesome. <laughs> it looks really it's good. Great. Yeah, yeah, the toys had um, me worried, Jake. No, the toys had me very sketched out. I was like, why are they doing mm-hmm. this? Yeah. Man, I, I, I don't remember the cartoon too well, but I had the action figures when I was really little. Yeah. I Skeletor, I had the, um, what was the green uh, tiger? Uh, um, Cringer. Cringer, yeah. And Battle Cat. Yeah, and Orco, Orcos? Was that the little... Orco is like the little wizard yeah. guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched it as an adult because people tell me it's terrible when you try to revisit. Yeah, they had them on Netflix for a while and I started it and I was just like, oh my God, this is really bad. This is really bad. I have the little uh, Castle Grayskull set. Yeah, I had uh, Castle Grayskull. I, I had Castle yeah. Grayskull and Skull Mountain. I had Skull Mountain as well. And Skull Mountain had that that echo microphone jake oh i love the microphone <laughs> me too <laughs> i used to make the mouth would move with this like lever and i used to talk into the microphone yeah and the mouth move it was yeah. like you know ventriloquist that oh, i loved it i had the oh i had that one um vehicle that you put batteries in it had like the the motorized track underneath it and it would i they had would, that too yeah they would flip and you could oh man i used to love that my favorite you know, vehicle was the the one with the red like saw around it where Uh, you pushed it the saw would spin around i never had that one but i know what you're talking about yeah oh my god i love that thing i would just fucking mow down star wars figures with that thing left and right Mm. (laughs) so i had this uh principal when i was in elementary school and he would always give me the skeletor uh, action figure um like if i ever did anything good or like got a good grade or something my teacher would tell him and he would give me the skeletor and he would give me the same fucking action figure every single time because he thought i was a different kid Hey, check this out. Check this out, Jake. Last week we went over some of the voice actors for it and Tony Todd was on the list. What do you think maybe he's playing that one character, Stinger the Bee? Oh, that would make a lot of sense. You like, think? You could go back to his Candyman roots. Candyman, exactly. Do you, is was the character named Stinger? I think it was Stinger. I, I think that's right. It's it's whatever or. Yeah. <laughs> he man Stinger. Let me look it up. I saw Mark Hamill as Skeletor. That's great casting. Oh, his name was Buzz Off. Buzz oh, Off. Oh, I had, I had that fucker too. Yeah. Yeah, his name was Buzz Off. I wonder if Tony Todd's playing Buzz Off. That would be perfect. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about our first uh, movie that we all watched, uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead. This uh, is in uh, theaters and in HBO and on HBO Max. This is one of those movies that they're dual-dropping day of release. Still reeling from the loss of three lives, Hannah is a smoke jumper who's perched in a watchtower high above the Montana wilderness. She soon encounters Connor, a skittish boy who's bloodied, traumatized, and on the run in the remote forest. As Hannah tries to bring him to safety, she's unaware of the real dangers to follow. Two relentless killers hunting Connor and a fiery blaze consuming everything in its path. This one's directed by Taylor Sheridan. I love this director. He directed Hell or High Water, which was one of my favorite movies uh, that came out in 2016. Starred Chris Pine, Ben Foster, and uh, Taylor Sheridan is also behind the show Yellowstone on Paramount. And he wrote Sicario, another one of my favorite movies. Um, this comes from a screenplay by Michael Cortia, Charles Leavitt, and Taylor Sheridan himself. It's based on Cortia's novel of the same name. Stars Angelina Jolie, Finn Little, Nicholas Holt, 
Aiden Gillen, uh, he from Game of Thrones, John Littlefinger, Bur- Littlefinger, John Bernthal, uh, Medina Sanghor, Jake Weber, and Tyler Perry is in this movie. I thought it was nice to see Tyler Perry kind of like doing more roles like this now. I don't know if you guys saw <laughs> him. He was in one scene. He was in one scene, but he's he never did movies like this before. Uh, Gone Girl was the first one that he had ever done. And and I don't know if you remember this, but there was an article that came out and IndieWire covered it. And it came out a couple years ago. It was titled Tyler Perry Didn't Know what David Fincher's Films or What Gone Girl Was When He Signed Up for the Movie. And he hmm. he was quoted as saying, I probably would have walked away from it if I had known who David Fincher was and his body of work, or if I'd known the book was so popular, I would have said no. Uh, and my agent knew that. He didn't tell me until after I signed on. So, hmm. like, I think, like, he just kind of, like, didn't know what he was getting into. And everybody loved him in Gone Girl. And he I was think very good in Gone he Girl. was fantastic in Gone Girl. And I think like that was kind of like a turning point for him and like him rethinking like what kind of movies he can do in his career. And I mean, even though he's in this very limited, I was just I was still kind of shocked to see him come back and do something like this. And because I, I want to see him do more of this stuff. Like, I think I think he's got potential as an actor to really be go- a really good character actor going forward. Kind of like, you know, you've got some guys out there that are just really good character actors. And um, I, I think he's he's an, he's a guy that can do it. So I was happy to see Tyler Perry kind of like doing something a little bit more serious here other than like doing all the Medea films. <laughs> Uh, I saw this one in the theater. I'm going to talk about my thoughts on this one in a moment, but I want to hear from you guys. I'll start off with you, Billy. What would you think about uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead? So I was actually really excited. When you see the cast, you're like, holy crap, there's a, a lot of pretty heavy hitters in here, You know, obviously with the director as well. Um, I didn't completely hate it. I, I didn't love it. I, I would be like a, like a low taste it for me. Um, some of this stuff is just so ridiculous. Just like the confluence of like how this person gets, you know, first the son. I don't know how that kid survived this movie. I mean, that kid went through everything and really didn't have too many scratches on him. Billy, um, have you seen Home Alone? No, I've seen Home Alone, but this is this is like a forest <laughs> fire to the T, uh, a car crash, a couple of assassins. Uh, you know, I mean, this was a little bit more than a couple of dumb crooks trying to sneak into your suburban house all right i i, I don't think you're giving the wet bandits enough credit but hey move on <laughs> i don't know if the wet bandits would have made it in the forest fire right. um overall like i said i, I liked it I, I liked it enough i you know it i wasn't it wasn't any kind of a like hate watch i did the one scene that i like i said i did write is that tyler perry in my notes and then i did also put um john bernthal seems like he always has to die in a lot of his stuff he never really seems to make it out and spoilers, also, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Also, Angelina Jolie, um, the thirst trap scene. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? What was the thirst trap scene? Where she like wait at some point in the movie where she, it's just her and the kid, and she uh, just has to take yeah, her shirt off awkward. to check her cut with the young kid there. That was the <laughs> that scene. I saw. I actually laughed out loud at that scene. But um, like I said, low taste it, and sorry for the the one spoiler. John Berthold <laughs> dies, everybody. So 
He comes back, though. It's not that big of a spoiler. <laughs> he comes back on a stretcher dead. <laughs> <laughs> Tristan, what did you think about those who wish John Bernthal dead? <laughs> Uh, it's funny that uh, Billy mentioned that because every time I watch any John Bernthal movie, um, I always just ask myself, is he going to die in this one? Like, seriously, that's what I always ask myself. Is he the new Sean and- Bean? <laughs> literally what I wrote right. down. It's literally what I wrote down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Taylor Sheridan. Um, you know, Hello High Water, Wind yeah. River. Um, yeah. But I have to say that, like, I want to say this is probably the weakest of the trilogy. Um, I did like it. But yeah, I just feel that he, this was not his best day in the office. You know, I think it was something that was serviceable as a movie that you would watch on HBO. But like, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say this is anywhere near the level of Hell or High Water or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, it took me a moment to buy, um, Angelina Jolie as like a smoke jumper in the woods. But, you know, she's like a really good actress, you know, aside from her looks and all that. So, you know, eventually it did kind of start falling into place. Um, but there's this part where she's submerged in water and she's in the middle of this, uh, like raging forest fire and she just comes out of it with her hair all perfect and makeup still on and everything <laughs> just kind of <laughs> took me out a little bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, but overall, you know, it was enjoyable. You know, we never really got to understand what this whole secret was that Littlefinger and Nicholas Holt was, you know, chasing the boy for it. it was kind of vague as to what that was all about, but I guess it was just the thing that was driving the story and pushing yeah. the relationship between the boy and uh, Angelina. But um, yeah, overall, I did like it. You know, the Tyler Perry cameo was kind of out of place, but yeah, he was good in that one scene. And you kind of wish <laughs> yeah. that he was there a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Um, he just basically shows up and says, you better kill the boy and gets in a car and leaves. There's going to be an article in about uh, a year. That's like, if I would have known Taylor Sheridan's work and what this was about, I wouldn't have done this movie. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Um, the story overall, I mean, it wasn't, it didn't like break the mold or anything like that, but you know, I did have a great cast. Um, Taylor Sheridan, he's a great director. The score of cinematography was on point, but yeah, it's just a, you know, it's a good movie. I would just say it's like a middle of the road tasted for me. Middle of the road tasted. Jake, what'd you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mostly hated this. This, this was a toss it for me. Um, oh gosh. I, I think Angelina Jolie is a great actor, but I think Tristan really hit the nail on the head. It's just ridiculous. Like it, she's just, no matter what happens, like she just looks so beautiful. Like can't we get some makeup or some production <laughs> or like some costume work or something to make it actually seem realistic that, she's this person and these things are happening to her it just really took me out of the fucking movie um there's one part i really laughed at where they like zoom in to show she's got a little bit of dirt on her fingernails and that's like the extent of like (laughs) any makeup like showing like she's this rugged tough like fire lady with ptsd what's wrong Um, with looking fabulous in a movie jake there's nothing wrong with looking fabulous in a movie but there's a time and a place for it and i i just don't think the fabulous and what she's doing like it's not like she's going to like a festival or like a pageant or something like she's in the middle of these things that are happening it's just i don't know it just really took me out of the fiction and i I thought the fiction itself just wasn't that good in the first place um i don't need everything explained to me and everything spelled out to me but I, i thought it would have been a lot more interesting if we knew a little bit more about the motives of what was happening um i think nicholas holt and 
um, Aiden Gillen are both great actors, but they were just terrible villains. They were like one note villains that really you never really got any motivations for them other than Tyler Perry told them they had to. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't enough for me. It, it was never exciting. It was never suspenseful. Um, you saw everything happening before it happened. So on that level, it was pretty boring. Um, my favorite character was, um, probably Medina Singhorn, um, Punisher's wife. Yeah. I, I thought oh, yeah. she was by far the best character and the most believable actor. Actually, I thought her and the kid were the two best actors in the entire movie. Yeah, I agree um, with that. But yeah, I thought this was mostly awful. Okay. I <laughs> I like this more than everybody on the podcast. I <laughs> and I think it comes down to me liking I think I was really endeared to the kid. To the kid. At the beginning of the movie, Taylor Sheridan gives us like this really small scene with the kid that really connected me with him. It made me feel like like there's a scene where he you know, his his dad is you know, knows that, uh, that they're being hunted, um, that they're going to be hunted and try to, they're going to, you know, some people are killed and the dad knows that he's next on the hit list. So him and his son go on the run and there's a scene where they pulled over to the side of the road and the kid sees a horse and he starts petting the horse. And like, that is so me. Like when I was a kid, like I would want to like with animals, I love animals. And the kid is just like enamored with this horse and petting the horse. And like, even as the kid walks away, he turns around and looks at the horse. And I was like, Oh my God, that is so me when I was a kid. I was so like that with kid, like with animals. And I, I loved spending time with animals. And so I kind of like really connected with the kid in that moment. So like everything going forward in this movie, I'm rooting for this kid. I'm loving this kid. Cause I had connected with him on that, on that personal level. Um, and I like the chemistry that he had with Angelina, Angelina Jolie and like the, the way she's like, you know, trying to help him. And he says, fuck you. And I'm laughing as this little child said, fuck you to this adult. And um, and I loved the scene with John Bernthal's wife. She was a fucking badass in this movie. And she's pregnant and she's fighting off like these two villains who you guys think are one note. But I think for his, for this movie, I thought that they they, they did their job. And, um, I thought one of the characters' deaths in this movie was, was very ironic. Um, and if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But, um, I, I'll give it a high taste. I actually enjoyed this quite a bit. Uh, I did see it in the theater on the big screen. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but, um, I just thought it was a, you know, I just thought it was a fun kind of like, you know, survival movie. And, uh, it worked for me. I don't know why, but it did. That was yeah. for you? Oh boy! <laughs> Fuck you! Fuck, <laughs> Fuck all of you! I'm trying to tell this story about how I connected with this kid, and I hear somebody snicker. Fuck you! Well, I mean, we don't want to talk about like the end there, but like she kind of left the kid out to dry. We don't. How, she, what is she gonna fucking do? What, are the, what is she gonna What is she gonna fucking do? Oh yeah, I'll take you in. Fuck she off. She doesn't reassure him at all, though, Bry. She's like, I, I, what is she gonna do? Like, she fucking know, saved his fucking life. What else do you want her to do? What else you wanted to do? Fucking adopt him? She's going to go to the Yellowstone foster system now. I want to see that series, what happens to him in the Montana foster system. You didn't even fucking like the movie at all, and you're upset that Angelina Jolie didn't fucking take this kid in at the end of it? No, I think she would have just lied to him like a good parent would have and just said everything was going to be okay. All right, whatever. (laughs) 
Whatever, guys. She said she'd be, no matter what happened, she'd be there every She meant in that moment. She didn't mean his entire fucking life, like sending him off to college, Jake. Oh, I, I felt like they had that bond. Oh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> See, Jake agrees with me. He didn't realize he did, but now he agrees. See, now I'm being, I'm being shamed because I enjoyed something. I enjoyed something you guys didn't, and now I'm getting shamed for it. You guys should be yeah, ashamed of yourself. Right. You should be ashamed of yourselves. I enjoyed it, man. I, I just didn't love it. There you go. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't say. I, I didn't say it's the next best thing in the world. I didn't. I did enjoy myself. All right. God, you guys are fucking on the attack this episode. <laughs> Seriously, I feel like a fucking wounded animal trying to fucking fend you guys off. I feel no. I feel like the, like the fucking vultures are cir- circling. Because I enjoyed this fucking movie. You guys are taking, like, you're pecking at me, and I'm not even dead yet. Oh, dude. I think this is a movie that you should have enjoyed. I, I liked it. Um, did you give it a Tupperware? No, I gave it a high-tasted. I don't, I don't want to be mocked thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Tupperware. <laughs> yeah, I know shit. I backed off of that. <laughs> I just want to see your notes scribbling out the Tupperware. <laughs> All right. He read the room. Yeah, no shit. Uh, next thing I want to talk about is Spiral. Who got a chance to see Spiral? I did. Okay. Yeah, this is a theatrical release. Working in the Shadow. This is Spiral Saw. So this is the uh, ninth installment in the Saw film series. Uh, it's working in the shadow of his father, Detective Ezekiel Zeke Banks, and his rookie partner. Take charge of an investigation into grisly murders that are eerily reminiscent of the city's gruesome past. Unwittingly entrapped in a deepening mystery, Zeke finds himself at the center of the killer's morbid game. It's directed by Darren Lynn Boozman, his fourth film of the series and written by Josh Stolberg and Peter Goldfinger. The film stars Chris Rock, Max Minghella, Marisol Nichols, and Samuel L. Jackson. And, uh, yeah, uh, original creators of the series, James Wan and Lee Winnell serve as executive producers alongside Chris Rock in this one. So I'm just going to start off by saying, um, I watched the first three Saw movies and then I kind of dropped off after that. So this is my first like venture back into the Saw franchise. Um, I love the first one. The second one's okay. And then I just did not like the third one. And it, these movies just became... You know, just torture, 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 and I just could not watch them at the, uh, anymore. I was like, okay, I get it. How many different <laughs> brutal ways can we kill people? Um, but I was like, you know, this one's got Chris Rock. It's got Samuel Jackson. I'm going to give this one a shot. So um, I kind of figured this one. Let's not spoil this one, Billy. All right? I feel you. I feel you. All right. All right. John Bernthal's not in it, so we know he's <laughs> – Yes, we're safe. We're sa- hopefully we're safe. <laughs> Um, I'm not upset. It's, but, uh, yeah, I, I kind of guessed like the big thing pretty early on in the movie. And, uh, you know, I, I, I guessed the big twist very early in the, in the movie. And, uh, um, I don't think that really affected my rating overall. I think that like, I really think that Chris Rock carries this movie. Like without Chris Rock in here, like at the beginning, he's, he's very funny and, and, um, you know, when he's talking with his new partner that he takes on, trying to figure out like who's killing, doing these murders and everything. Um, I love some of the exchanges that they have. 
Um, but overall, I just, I, I, it was not a great movie. Um, I'll give it a solid taste it. I'll give it a solid taste. I want to hear what you have to say, Billy. So I actually, funny enough, I'm actually a pretty big fan of the Saw franchise. A lot of that comes out of like sentimentality. The first, when the first Saw movie came back way back when, I actually, it was a really cool movie experience. I saw it up in a, um, my father had had a cabin up in the PA mountains and there was a lot of little small mountain towns there. So the theater was this really rinky dink kind of scary theater and, Saw Saw as like a really young teenager and I always kind of just had a sentimentality towards it and I liked it. It was, you know, this is, you know, even pre, you know, I could try to compare it in quality, but talk about like MCU and world building things. Saw was really unique that every year it did keep building on the mythology and I know you said you stopped with three, but especially when you hit like three, four and five, there are a lot of intertwining moments and simultaneous things happening within those movies and you know the quality does start to go down throughout the franchise but i genuinely enjoyed the series for this i mean like i I agree with you it's just like as far as just a movie in general you just want to go as a horror movie it's just like a taste it if you're going to compare it in my opinion to other saw movies i think it's almost a toss it um again i'm not going in there with any crazy expectations and stuff but they're yeah, you know, without spoiling anything again, I didn't. I, I didn't think the games and the torture stuff was as of big importance to the plot, like it was in those early movies where there was kind of simultaneous things where there was the game going on and the police storyline. And in this movie, it's really just kind of one storyline together, and I kind of missed that old structure. Um, but again, if if you're not going into crazy expectations like you said it, it's fine chris rock's funny it yeah feels yeah. like a chris rock movie honestly it does I, I i feel like this one like this one in particular just felt like it was a mashup of like a scream movie meets torture porn like who's going to be the new jigsaw like you know like who are, every time you watch a new scream movie you're like okay who's ghost face in this one you know. yeah, I agree. I agree. And and that's the thing that they they kind of wrote themselves into a corner. You know, this isn't a spoiler. After Saw 3, oh, yeah. there's no more. You know, Jigsaw is, is, you know, he's killed. John Kramer, the character, is killed off. And they start to kind of bastardize his mission. The whole idea of his traps were that their people could actually get themselves out in a reasonable manner. And you kind of see in this movie, you could technically probably get out of some of these traps. But they don't. They definitely didn't make it very easy on them. And like I said, there it's you can't have the Saw movies really without Jigsaw. I mean, you can try as much as you want, but this isn't a Friday the Thirteenth or a Halloween where you can just keep resurrecting the villain. The villain was really that unique story of that character, and once you right. killed him off, you're kind of on borrowed time. Yeah, yeah. I kept wondering how they kept that franchise going because I, I I I remembered that you know he died, and I was like, how. In the world, are they going to have this keep going? Um, did you get the trailer for the final purge before this one? Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> oh my god, I'm, I, dude! Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to that movie. It's like the Forever Purge, right? Yeah, it's called the Forever Purge. So, like, the purge is over, but like, there's this, there's different groups that are still like, "Fuck it, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna keep going." <laughs> yeah, it's it's like Party that scene. Of, it's like that scene in Wolf of Wall Street where Caprio's like, "I'm not going anywhere," you know. We're purging everywhere. I mean, honestly, I do respect that in a, a series where that is like a logical question, where people are like, "Yeah, well, like, why would they stop?" 
so I do like that they finally have are addressing that issue. Like, well, maybe some people won't stop. Yeah, and I, I'm really. It, it's a cool hook to get people to go back to see something that they may say, "Hey, we've seen before." Yeah, it's a, it's the final. They said that this is the final one, and I, it may be for a while, <laughs> yeah. and the, until they reboot <laughs> it, right? So, is the series still going on on USA? I don't think so. I, I think it always was intended to be like a little bit of a maxi series. I could be wrong about that. I thought it went at least two seasons. I think it did go two seasons, but I, I think it did have a proper ending. Okay. So. Oh yeah, uh, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing articles here. USA has canceled the scripted series, The Purge. Uh, yeah, yeah, it got canceled. Yeah. I did crack up at the title of Spiral, how it's, um, it's so pretentious. It's Spiral from the Book of Saw. Like, it's a fucking torture porn horror series. Like, there's a book? Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I th- just okay. call it Spiral. Show the Spiral. Everyone knows the connection from the Book of Saw is, is pretty it's like the It's like the Darkhold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they think a little bit much of themselves with that title. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Now that I'm thinking about it, I was like, is Jake just being, you know, nitpicky? And then now I'm thinking about it. It is a little pretentious. (laughs) From the book of Saw. Get the fuck out. It's like Lord (laughs) of the Rings and shit. (laughs) Yeah, get the fuck out of here. The book of Saw makes it sound like it's a, a, a Bible book like the book of john the book of saw yeah <laughs> sleeping bag from the book of sleepaway camp what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh man hacks hacks that's what me and jake are when we podcast every week <laughs> oh most definitely <laughs> hacks tells the story of uh deborah vance a living comedy legend who finds her career in jeopardy because of her age Although she holds the record for Las Vegas shows and still packs the house every night, her boss wants to give Friday and Saturday nights to a younger act. Uh, Vance's agent sends Ava, an entitled 25-year-old, to help freshen up the material, and Vance begins mentoring her. It's uh, created by Paul W. Downs, Lucia Anilo, and Jen Statsky. This is on HBO Max. It's a, you know, 30-minute comedy that they've got on there. It stars Gene Smart Hannah Einbinder and Carl Clemens Hopkins. Also, Caitlin Olson from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia plays Gene Smart's daughter. And, uh, very, very limited time in this, uh, so far. But, uh, uh, Hannah Einbinder, she plays Ava, who is this character who wrote a distasteful tweet that has gotten her, um, it was like a joke tweet. She meant it as a joke, but people took it the wrong way, and it pretty much got her uh, canceled, blacklisted as a comedy writer. And um, I had to think of James Gunn when this was revealed in the show. Yeah, definitely. And um, this is—it's a comedy, and and uh, I want to know what you guys thought about Hacks on HBO Max. Two episodes dropped. Jake, I know you watched two episodes. What did you think of the of uh, Hacks with Gene Smart? I liked it quite a lot. It was a, I thought the second episode was better than the first episode. I think overall I'll give it a high taste it. I'm definitely going to continue watching this show. Um, yeah, I thought it was very charming and very funny. I, I thought Gene Smart was great in this role. Like it's just a perfect role for that actress. And yeah, I had a really fun time. I love the, the storyline. It felt like so modern, the whole like 
I'm blacklisted because I made a terrible joke. Like a lot of SNL writers have kind of had this happen to them as well. And it's like not so far fetched that you think it's ridiculous and that it couldn't happen. Like this completely plausibly feels like something that could happen to a young aspiring comedy writer. Like comedy is such a tough field these days. I thought that actress was very charming. Um, and like I said, I especially like the second episode when they take the uh, road trip and the antique store stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I thought this was a lot of fun, and I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. Yeah, I liked it quite a bit, too. I'll also give it a high taste that I feel like – not 100%, but I feel like the Gene Smart's character of um, of Vance is kind – of, Deborah Vance is kind of like – I feel like Roseanne should get royalties for that character or something a little bit. Like the jokes feel like they're very Roseanne bar. Is that just me or am I crazy? I can see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And she, you know, she had a high profile divorce as well. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I don't know. I think, I think the dynamic is really cool. You've got like this older comic and then like this younger writer. And what I like about this is like, you know, you think like, oh, the younger writer's gonna give her all this new material and it's gonna, she's gonna use it and it's gonna work and it's gonna make her career explode. That's not what's happening yet. Like, it's a slow burn. I don't even know if that is gonna happen. Like, I like how, like, they're still not getting along with one another. They're spending time together, more time together. They're still not getting along. She's still not using any of her jokes in her act. And, um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to see, it's almost like we're trying to see if, if, if Vance can maybe help her become a better writer and if, and if Ava can help Vance become a, a better, you know, stand up that's more, uh, kind of like topical and relatable in, in, you know, today with like a younger audience or something like that. So I'm kind of like, I, I hope it is a slow burn. I hope, I hope it takes a while for these two to kind of like click and connect and, and, um, I don't know. I, do you think this is going to go more than one season, Jake? Uh, I don't know. I hope not. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think the moment these two characters become best friends is the moment the series kind of dies a little bit. Um, I think that's, that is a little bit of the steam powering this engine here. It's, it's kind of, it's that moment, it's that moment where like Tony Maselli and, and, uh, Angela start dating. Yeah, and yeah, who's the boss? The it's yeah. when it's when Jim and Pam get married. It's it's just who cares anymore once once that moment happens. But I did love it when fucking Niles and Daphne got together. Man, that was a long time coming, bro, in Fraser. <laughs> and the hilarity kept ensuing with those two, man. I'm telling you, like you can't you can't stop the Niles and Daphne train, bro. No. <laughs> I hope that if this does go more than a season, yeah. then I hope they're not friends even by the end of the first season. Like maybe they have a little bit more respect for each other than they did in episode one, but friends and buddies, please no. I hope it ends with uh, backyard bare knuckle boxing and then one of them having to kill the other one. Yeah. I wouldn't be against that. Yeah. Uh, Gene Smart, she's all over HBO right now. She is all over HBO, man. She went from, man, she's been having a, like this huge resurgence, like with Legion. And then she was she in Watchmen? Yeah, she was in Watchmen. She's yeah. in Mayor of Easttown in a pretty high profile role, role too. What's that, what's that? What was that called? Mayor of Easttown. Oh, Mayor of Easttown. Yeah, I finished the second episode of that. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, she's yeah. the mom, right? Like the grandmother? Correct. Yeah, correct. I we I've watched all four episodes so far. Four, yeah, it, it's one of my favorites. I, I love it. 
Yeah. So good. Yeah, I'm going to start. I'm going to, I think I'm going to knock out the next two tomorrow. But yeah, I'm enjoying Mayor of Easttown. What'd you Did think? Did you see the SNL sketch? Not to, to no, 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 no. I know that it's out there. I haven't seen it yet. Is it good? They murdered my daughter in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Tristan, what'd you think of Hacks? Uh, you know what? Um, when I saw this on the list, you know, I didn't know anything about it and didn't think it was going to be something that I really enjoyed, but I really, like the first episode um i'm actually gonna probably tepore the first episode i didn't see the second one but mm-hmm. i really love the first episode i love the style of the show i loved um uh jane smart i thought she was fantastic in this role um i think it's one of those uh those entertainment industry shows that kind of pokes fun fun at itself and it's like um you know making people in la seem like the worst people on earth you know it gave me those kind of vibes and i really enjoy seeing that it um, has that backdoor uh, look at how Vegas performers live their lives. You know, they just make all this money and, and you know, they get all this glory, but they're just kind of living the same repeated thing over and over again in the middle of nowhere. You know, I think that's an interesting dynamic to explore. Um, the inner workings of comedy writing, I love seeing that, how they were kind of, she and uh, Ava were kind of playing off of each other. And that's, you know, typically how jokes are, are written you know you you come up with something and then you know another person builds upon it and it's a collaborative effort and you know i thought the two of them had some great chemistry i, I look forward to actually watching the rest of the series i don't know how long it's going to go mm-hmm. um it's it, it reminds me of that era of hbo that was like you know hung and all that stuff or you know it's like a great concept but it's it's only great for a moment you right know? yeah do you think this is kind of like they saw like what uh, Amazon was doing with uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and they were like, "Let's let's get on in some of this uh, female comedian action." Like, we got Gene Smart over here. Yeah, I mean, I could see that bringing in everyone's the so reactionary now. I mean, it's like I, I'm pretty sure like someone's like, "Hey, let's get HBO version of that." Yeah, 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 yeah. Billy, what'd you think about Hacks? I really enjoyed Hacks. I, I actually I thought it was exactly kind of what we needed. Is it's a nice like you said the the twenty nine to like thirty five minute episodes. I think is a perfect framing and perfect pacing for it. Um, I liked the agent character and his assistant. I think we have a lot of funny uh, assistants right now. Her now even Mythic Quest. Yeah, I think we have yeah. a lot that like it, it was a really funny character and. Um, like I said, overall, I, I I agree with you guys. I don't think it's a show that should go super long running. I could see it maybe like maybe two seasons. Maybe it's something like you guys said where their dynamic begins to improve. They think they've done something successful and something at the end of the season. She loses the gig. At, she loses her gig where she's performing and they have to kind of rebuild back up and they resent each other for something. You know, like you guys said that half that dynamic is the the mentoring of, you know, of the older character. And, and but I would like to see, I would love to see, like you said, a little bit more of her accepting her. I, I think that she does have a little bit more to learn as well. So overall, I think I'll continue to watch it. I think it's something that really anybody in the family can watch too as well. It didn't seem like any of it was really too outrageous. So it, it is definitely like a watch you could sit down with your family and enjoy. So I, I gave it a high taste. It. You're talking like a five-year-old kid? No, but you know, I, how many do you have? A lot of five-year-olds listening. I'm just saying. I mean, like you got, I got, I got people that have five-year-old kids listening. Yeah, yeah Ava did fuck her postmates. <laughs> no, 
I got Jake. Jake, what's your answer? Uh, Tiffany Maddish? Yes, you got it. Yes, uh, so if you kind of sort of made her a little angry, she would be Tiffany Maddish. All right, there's seven questions total. Jake gets the first one. I'm going to put a J next to that one. <laughs> All right. All right, number two. If you made her sort of happy. Uh, Jake. Bill. Jake. Jake. <laughs> it's Tiffany Gladish. <laughs> Tiffany Gladish. You got it, Jake. You got it. All right. Jake is ahead two to nothing. <laughs> I was trying to think how to buzz. <laughs> <laughs> you got to say your name. Say your name. Number three. She did something kind of wrong. Jake. Jake. Tristan. Jake, you three to nothing. Oh wow! I think I got a delay over here. I'm on the west. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. one more and I, one more and I win. Guys, they know that's true. They get harder. They get harder. Okay. And this one, it's going to get a little harder with this one. Number four. As a teenager, she kind of stuffed her bra. That was Tiffany Paddish. Yes, (laughs) Tiffany Paddish is the correct answer. (laughs) Tiffany Paddish, so that one goes to Bill. All right, number five. If you kind of ran over her with a Zamboni. (laughs) Jake. Jake. Tiffany Flatty. Yes. Jake, you win. You win. But we're going to find out who's going to win second place with the the final two questions. We're going to find out who takes it in second. All right. Uh, Number six. She's kind of being a jerk. Bill. Bill. Uh, Tiffany Maddish? No, no, it is not Tiffany Maddish. This is going to go to Tristan. Tristan gets a free guess here. She's kind of being a jerk. That's it. She's kind of being a jerk. Tiffany. <sighs> she's kind of being. She's kind of being uh, an asshole. Jake. <laughs> she's kind of being an asshole. Tiffany. <laughs> it's Tiffany Baddish. No, it is not Tiffany Baddish. Baddish. Okay, are you guys you, you guys want me to give you the answer? Yes. The answer is Tiffany Brattish. She's being a brat. Uh, okay. Tiffany mm. Brattish. Mm. All right. Okay, the final one. One of you guys, this is an easier one. One of you guys is going to get this one. So this is going to give me the All winner. Right. Uh well, no. No, it's it'll it, it'll either give me a winner or a tie. Uh, here we go. Are you guys ready for number seven? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. She was born as a conjoined twin with. Tristan. Go ahead. I didn't even finish oh, it, Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> Tristan. <laughs> I'm just hoping that, that you would finish it. No, no, he's got to you some time. <laughs> number seven. She was born as a conjoined twin with Josh Gad. <laughs> Tiffany Gaddish. Jake, you're it's not even your turn. You you left. Why did you do it? No, Jake, you ruined the game. 
<laughs> All right, we're we're done. Jesus Christ, Jake, you win. One second place. I want to be the ultimate winner. All right, yeah. See, can't, can't. I was waiting for Tiffany Radish. I was trying to. Well, like that would be like she's kind of a vegetable, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's uh, Tiffany Blankish. Thanks for playing, guys. <laughs> that was awesome. So, that was really cool. Yeah, I had a, I had fun with with the Zamboni one, Jake. I'm glad you got that one. Yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with more Good Pop, Bad Pop. All right, hey, welcome back. Welcome back to all the fun and shenanigans. What a, what a game show. Nobody else is playing Tiffany Blankish. No, I loved it. Yeah, because you won, and then you fucked it up for the, the two guys at the end. <laughs> Jake, Jake. <laughs> you just can't turn it off, man. He's just always on. <laughs> I know. I hate that about him. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I thought Can of you one played while Billy we Brankstall. You thought of one. We'll save it. We'll play it. We'll, we'll have you host the next one, then Jake. If you think it's so fucking easy. I thought of one, not seven. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> let's. let's we played Billy. Uh, Billy Blankstall. Ooh. What? <laughs> Billy Blankstall. Billy Crystal, Billy oh, Crystal. Oh, I got you. I got you. I was like, I don't even know who that is. Billy Blanks, like the Tybo guy? Well, he was the co-star in Here Today, so. No, we're not going to be playing that one, Tristan. <laughs> yeah, okay. not, not anytime soon. Maybe episode 5,000. 5, I'll never. <laughs> Let's talk about the woman in the window. Strapped on Netflix. This was actually supposed to be a theatrical release, and Netflix picked this one up. Agoraphobic Dr. Anna Fox witnesses something she shouldn't while keeping tabs on the Russell family, the seemingly picture-perfect clan that lives across the way. Agoraphobia, if you don't know what that is, it's having an extreme or irrational fear of entering open or crowded places, or of leaving one's home, or of being in places from which escape is difficult. So she's an agoraphobic. This one's directed by Joe Wright. Joe Wright also directed uh, 2011's Hannah, starring Saoirse Ronan. I love that movie. Hannah was fantastic. Now it's an Amazon series. Uh, it's written by uh, Tracy Letts. It's based on the 2018 novel of the same name by pseudonymous author A.J. Finn. This movie stars Amy Adams, quite the cast here, Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, Anthony Mackie, Fred Heckinger, Wyatt Russell, Brian Tyree Henry, Jennifer Jason Leigh, and Julianne Moore. And uh, this one dropped on Netflix. I want to get your thoughts on this one. Let's start off with you, Tristan. What did you think about The Woman in the Window? Um, you know what? It was... It was fine. You know, I thought it was um, decent. You know, it was a play on the whole Hitchcock rear window. I know Simpson did an episode of that as well, mm -hmm. you know, based on that same movie. Um, it wasn't as good as those. You know, I thought it was, you know, a, a fairly decent movie that I enjoyed. I liked the cast. The cast was amazing. Um, Gary Oldman just pops in and, and does his Gary Oldman, you know, and he's, he's great. <laughs> um, he went full Oldman, didn't he? He went full <laughs> Oldman, yeah. 
Um, I thought Wyatt Russell did a, another great job at showing that duality that he did play. Anthony, you know, Matt, both, like, ca- both Captain Americas in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he's really good at just being able to play that nice, unassuming, likable guy and then just turn into a complete dick, you know? So, like, yeah. you know, that's something that he's displaying more and more, it seems. Uh, I thought overall the movie was a little predictable. Um, but you know, I enjoyed it. I didn't like it. So I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't toss it. So, um, you know, I'm just going to give it like a middle of the road taste it for me. I'm going to piggyback. I'm going to give it a taste it as well. I feel like this movie would have been like, it felt like it was, it felt like a nineties movie. Yeah, I, a little see, bit. I could see that. Yeah, it, it felt like it felt very much like a '90s movie. Like if this would have made in the '90s, it wouldn't have been Amy Adams. It would have been Julia Roberts in the main role. You it know? felt like a stage play. Is it a play? I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I could see uh, Rebecca De Mornay being in this role too in the '90s. Oh you yeah, know? yeah. It's like how like those who wish me dead was kind of like a '90s movie, except like in the '90s, Angelina Jolie would have played Angelina Jolie. All right. Um, hey, you remember when you were talking about your personal story with Saw and I didn't snicker? How did no, that, I don't remember that. How did that feel? How did that feel? <laughs> how did that feel when you were telling a personal story and like nobody on the other end snickered? <laughs> did you did you feel did you feel did you feel that as you if you were being respected in that moment there, Billy? Hey, well, hey, we mean, can't offer <laughs> you that hearty laugh like Neil. <laughs> <laughs> who who was guilty of the snicker during the uh, horse story? That I, was that was not me. I think it was Billy. No. I swear I heard a snicker. I don't actually remember like snickering during the horse story. Honestly, I mean I like animals and stuff, so I mean I don't actually actively remember like laughing during that. There was there there was I'm, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pull back the tail of the tape then later. Maybe Tristan just moved. One of those Tristan ghost sounds. Oh man, I think like, like I thought like this had a great cast. I feel like Brian Tyree Harry, uh, Tyree Henry, like he's a great actor. I love him in Atlanta. I, you know, I love seeing this guy, but I feel like he's just taking on anything these days. He's like the new Samuel L. Jackson, <laughs> and he's just like, man, I'm you know, cast me as anything and anything. A little bit, a little bit, <laughs> right? He, he never, he never, he gets a lot of roles, but he doesn't get like a role that's of great significance in the movie. Yeah. It's like, like a, yeah. You've got the two guys from Atlanta and I feel like, yeah, Lakeith Stanfield and Brian Tyree Henry. And I feel like Lakeith Stanfield's getting all like the, the major like roles and by, Brian Tyree Henry's playing like, you know, detective. You know, like, <laughs> and uh, you have the psychotic uh, conspiracy theory uh, podcast host, and right? and yeah, in in in, in uh, Godzilla versus Kong, like that's I feel like I feel like Lakeith's fucking career has just like exploded, and I'm not saying and Brian Tyree and he was in he was in the new Child's Play movie too, so I feel like it was like the same role as this, yeah. <laughs> 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 I, oh man, I feel like, you know, and I love the guy. I think he's fantastic, man. I fucking, uh, but uh, I'll give this a taste. It man, I thought I thought the acting from Amy Adams and Gary Oldman was was really good. Um, and then I mean, you know, White Russell, I thought was fantastic. Uh, I don't know, it was pretty predictable. Like they give you like, like that close up of like that uh, that window on the roof, you know. That uh, glass window that's on her roof of her apartment building. It's like, 
Wow, I wonder what's going to happen mm. with that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so it's pretty predictable, but uh, overall, it was enjoyable. It was. I'll give it a taste. It. What did you think, uh, Billy? Um, I kind of in the same vein as you guys. I think it's a solid taste. It. Um, I did like the the Amy Adams character. It's always interesting. Like she's also a psychiatrist and having these issues. So that's always like an interesting dynamic to see how that plays out. And I, I did like some of like the cinematography. There are you know flashback sequences she's trying to kind of reconcile some memories throughout the movie and there are some cool scenes where they're in the present sense within this house but then they are you know maybe scenes from the past kind of literally inside the home itself so i thought there were just some really cool shots like you said gary oldman being in it it was a solid overall cast it wasn't trying to trick anybody or be super smart but I I definitely was on the upper echelon of things I think that I enjoyed this week. So, I mean, like I said, I think it's a solid taste. It Family-friendly movie. We have the whole family one. <laughs> Listen, I'm just trying to like, get these kids started young. You know what I mean? They were living in harsh reality, okay? And I'm just trying to get them started young, okay? <laughs> like, and if, I'm, if, I snicker, and if I snicker during a story, it's probably because I thought it was going somewhere else, and then it was very heartfelt. And I'm like, oh, no, okay. I'm laughing. Don't, I thought don't. it was going to be like oh, – don't don't even worry like i wasn't like actively how my brain works i'm like actively thinking back i'm like what did i did i laugh why would i I was not offended like it's just a joke guys it's just a joke it was a callback i'm not even offended guys don't even worry about it you did insult fucking you know six-year-old brian but whatever you know um i'm kidding (laughs) jake what did you think about i have a feeling jake i don't know man let me try to guess this one I think Jake, I think Jake enjoyed some of the performances of like Amy Adams he thought was good. Gary Oldman. I don't know. Maybe you might have thought Gary Oldman sucked in this one, Jake. Um, that should be the next game show. We guess what, we guess what Jake thinks. Um, yeah, get like 10 movies. (laughs) But the problem is Jake keeps guessing and, and nobody can, (laughs) nobody can win because Jake just, Jake just wants to win. You're rating. You can't tell us what they are. Um, yeah, Jake, what'd you think, man? I'm pretty much right there with you guys. It was a solid tasted for me. Um, and not only did I really enjoy Amy Adams' performance, but I thought, like, to compare it to, you know, the Angelina Jolie stuff, they did an incredible job making Amy Adams look so haggard and out of it. it she was almost yeah. hardly recognizable. Yeah. Like, she looks so fucking terrible. Like, this is almost like a <laughs> public service announcement to not do booze and pills at the same time. Because, man, that shit was not doing good work on Amy Adams' skin complexion <laughs> no. at all. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I thought this... I thought the ending really brought this up. This, this was kind of a low taste it for me. And then I thought the last half an hour was, was very exciting and a pretty good payoff. Um, yeah. And if, if like me, you've always wanted to see someone get hit in the face with a garden fork in a movie, you should definitely check this out on Netflix. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Oh my God. That, that was hardcore. That was insane, dude. Oh my God. I remember as a kid, it went through the cheek, bro. It went through the yeah. cheek. It's exactly how I imagined it. I remember thinking like, oh, this thing would be crazy as a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> well, the top, the top hook went like straight, like next to her eyeball, and they, she does, she just plays it off like nothing really happened. It's like, yeah, shrug. <laughs> shoot, you're dead. What do you mean? 
<laughs> I thought that was really awesome, though. And just another example of just how good I thought the theatrical makeup in this movie was, just above and beyond. You, you can tell it was a theatrical release with the amount of money they spent just on production, nice. costume design, and makeup just on the characters. Yeah, it's a good pickup for Netflix. And I think, like, if you have a Netflix subscription, this is a good one to watch. I mean, it's you know. being universally hated by most people. I'm actually surprised that um, all of us tasted it. Yeah, I think it's a solid taste. It. I, I didn't think it was horrible, and but it it didn't blow me away either. So it's a 29 percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. What what, what about for the audience? Uh, let me click. I Metacritic has it at 40. Audience has it at a 46. Wow. Wow. So I'm surprised, yeah, really. Universally yeah, me too. Hated. Me too. I thought it was a very good hitchcock yeah. Even the music was very Hitchcockian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Love, Death, and Robots Season 2 hit Netflix. And uh, Jake, we were huge fans of that first season. It's a collection of animated short stories. Sp- uh, spanning several genres, including science fiction, fantasy, horror, and comedy. Uh, world-class animation creators bring captivating stories to life in the form of a unique and visceral viewing experience. The animated anthology series includes tales that explore alternate histories, life of robots, and a post-apocalyptic city, and a plot for world domination by... Um, oh, that's for la- for the first season. But this new, new season... We've, I've, I've watched all the episodes in the first new season and each episode, it varies on length. It can be anywhere from like six minutes up to maybe, you know, 17 or something like that. But I've watched all but, uh, one episode. I have one episode left. There's eight episodes in, in season two. And I'm, I'm curious before we get into our ratings, I remember when they released season one, everyone would get a different playing order. So when you played the, this series, it didn't have like a proper episode one, two. Everybody got a different playing order. My playing order was the first episode, and I want to see if this lines up with you guys, if they did the same thing. I got like that VacuBot episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I got. Okay. Jake? I only had time to watch one episode of this. Oh, and it's the one that I told you. Okay. Okay. Um, the second episode i got was the whale episode yeah and then the third episode the last one that i got oh wait wait. uh was it called ice i can't remember the name of it 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 had the had it had them running through was that the second episode for you tristan yeah that was the second one okay it looks like they did it differently Uh, did you guys the third episode was it pop squad the yeah yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They did, um, they did them all in order this season. That's interesting. The first season, everybody got different playing orders. You never knew which episode was going to play. So I guess they did away with that. They kind of experimented with that playing order and now they have a set order for season two. That's interesting. Um, I, uh, I honestly, I think season one so far is better. It's superior, but there's still some great stories in this one. Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of the VacuBot one, to be quite honest with you. Um, but I did, I think as far as like my favorites, and I'll get into those here in a moment. I'll get into them more. I will say I loved All Through the House. Uh, I loved Snow in the Desert and then Life Hutch. Those were my three favorites that I've seen in this second season. But I want to know what you guys thought. Um, did anybody watch the full series? 
I saw. Yeah, I watched all of them. Okay, then I want to know what you guys thought. What did? Well, no, hold on. I want to know what you guys thought, but I want to know what Jake thought. I told you to watch all through the house, Jake. Yeah, I'm glad. I I, I only had time to watch one, so I'm glad you kind of handpicked one for me. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. I cannot wait to just binge this series. Um, I haven't finished it, but just or you know watched any of them, but that one. But just looking at it on Netflix, I was a little initially disappointed by the amount of episodes it's almost like half of the episodes of the first season it was such a long wait to see more of these i was kind of hoping for just as much as the last season how many were in last season i feel like there's a good right now it's um actually 18 and there was only eight this year yeah wow that's fucked up yeah and so like i mean that has no bearing on the content and how good the episodes are but i just had initial sadness just seeing wow i'm I'm gonna be able to watch this in like an hour and yeah that's it and then who knows if we're gonna get any more at all because it was kind of a surprise we were gonna get a second season in the first place of this. right so uh, that was a little bit disappointing but i i did love all through the house it was most definitely a tupperware <laughs> I, I thought it was just ingenious <laughs> yeah. um Oh my gosh. And just real subtle things made me laugh. Like when that second gift came out and just the way it kind of plopped into his hands, like I was just <laughs> cracking up at that. And, um, my only disappointment is, is I, I much like the character, I would like to know what happens <laughs> when the kids are bad. They fucking get eaten, bro. <laughs> <laughs> look at that. Look at what that thing was built for, man. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's great. It was like it was like Geiger meets Santa Claus. It's crazy. <laughs> it was, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Um Billy, what did you think about uh Love, Death and Robots season two? So I totally tupperware this. I, I loved it. I actually have never seen uh volume one I'm seeing here, it's referred to on Netflix, so I'm definitely gonna give that a watch. Oh, you've got days. to. It's so good. Yeah, um, this was a really pleasant surprise for me. I love these shorts. I, I actually, I, did, I thought Vacubot was really funny. I just thought it was really cheeky. All of the scenarios that were the Vacubots trying to convince the owner to sacrifice his pet. <laughs> that shit was ridiculous, and it kept pushing and pushing. He's got the cutest little dog, and he won't do it like any of us wouldn't. But it was just so funny. Um. So I, I did really enjoy that one. Uh, as far as my other favorites, I thought Pop Squad was awesome. I would love to see something longer. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't. It, really? the epi- it looked like it, it, beautiful CGI. It looked like uh, the world that they were in. It looked like Blade Runner meets Sky Captain in the world of tomorrow. And it's a world set where you like basically they figured out immortality. You can live forever, but people can't breed. You can't have children. And if you have kids, you got to live on the outskirts of town and you're like living, you know, very, uh, poor. And if you, if they find out that you have kids, like they've got this squad that comes out and they, they kill children. And I could not, it like brought me to tears. Like Mm -hmm. I fucking, that was a hard watch for me, Billy. That was a hard, yeah. like, I, I'm sure you think it's family friendly and have the kids watch too. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but man, it was a hard watch for me. It was really hard. I couldn't root for anybody except for like the mother and her child. And I just had a really hard time with watching that one. Like, I understand what they were doing, but it was, and I don't have kids, but it's still really hard, um, to watch that one. Anytime I see like a child cry, like fucking it, like it, it, it really affects me. So, like, I I had a hard time with that episode, Billy. 
No, I, I mean, I can definitely see that. Um, I, I agree with you guys. All Through the House was awesome. It was very clever. Um, uh, Snow in the Desert, that was the bounty hunter-centered one. That I one was really cool. I fucking loved that one. Oh, my yeah. God. That one was yeah, really same. cool. So I, I just overall, you know, I could run through. I, I, I had something that I liked about each episode. Uh, I'm the same with you. I, 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 the, I would, I'm curious what you guys thought, or at least what you um, – who did get to see? What did you think of the giant one? The 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 drowned giant one. That one I thought was kind of interesting at the end. That's the one I haven't seen. Tristan, what did you think um, of that one? When you um, it was it was different. Um, it was um a little disturbing at the end when it started being dismembered. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like overall, like it was. It was like a realist, a realism to it, which is kind of weird. Like it almost felt like you're watching this weird mythical creature that, that washed up on the shore and how a documentary would actually portray it. It was, it was a little creepy. What'd you think about, uh, what was it called? Life Hutch with Michael B. Jordan. You know what? I really liked that one too. Um, I'm, fascinated how this works is it okay so it's is it like um like a mocap suit that they're wearing and and they have the dots in their face it's all what's going on here all of these are i think life hutch was that i think that that what it had to have been but all these are the facial expressions and everything that was michael b jordan 100 percent. 100 percent. yeah like it was but all these it's an anthology and it's all by different creators so it, yeah. they, it's, it's, you know, and each style of animation is different. Like, um, like Life Hutch looked more like the, you know, snow in the desert one, but then yeah. you had like the whale one, which looked like completely different from everything else. Um, the tall grass looked like, you know, like the haunted mansion or, or like a, or a polar, ex- not a polar express. That's yeah, way too like, old. um, yeah, Polar Express I think is pretty pretty close to that tall yeah. They're like they look like dolls almost, like Pinocchio. Like stop motion, dolls. right? A little bit. Like the, like the computer animated stop motion thing. Yeah, it looked a little bit like that. So yeah. Speaking of tall grass, if you don't want tall grass in your crotch area, head over to <laughs> manscape.com and use the code PCL twenty for twenty percent off plus free shipping on the Manscaped 4.0. So. Spoiler alert, the drowned giant that you're going to see, Brian, can use a Manscaped. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. Hey, but I enjoyed it, though. I think my favorite one was Snow in the Desert as well. If I could stretch any of these out to be longer or be like a, a short miniseries or something, it would be that one. Yeah, Snow in the, um, I would say Snow in the Desert and then Life Hutch. I would like to see more of that shit because, like, yeah. When we got the flashbacks of Michael B. Jordan in like the, the ship that he's flying, um, kind of like, you know, like they're, they're like basically like in X-Wings. They're like, they're, they're like, you know, rebel pilots in like these X-Wings and shit out in space. I kept thinking yeah. to myself, man, I want, I want more of this shit, man. It just, it doesn't have to all be fucking Star Wars with like these space battles and shit, man. I, I want more of this shit. That shit looked beautiful out there. I was like, man, I want more of this. Yeah, the the animation was fabulous um, in in all of them, in my opinion. And um, in Snow in the Desert, when he um, goes into that cantina, did you start hearing the Mos Eisley? (laughs) No, but that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yeah, 
that guy kept reminding me of um who was playing him. I thought it was like Stephen Lang or something. It reminded me of Stephen Lang quite a bit. I don't know who was playing the voice. When yeah. I was dude, yeah. when I was watching um uh Snow in the Desert, I kept thinking to myself, man, this is how Hollywood should do the next Terminator movie. Basically make it so far in the future in the Terminator series that you don't even know you're watching a Terminator movie until the very end, like with Prometheus. Mm. That would be cool. That's cool. No, I like that idea. You know, cause like, 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 yeah, fuck, there is no fucking, you know, savior. There is no John Connor. Like, this is just what fucking happens in the future. Robots and people becoming robots and like post-apocalyptic. This is just the fucking future. There's no fucking savior. This is just the future. And then like we find out at the end of the movie, like somebody uncovers like one of the old, like, you know, T, you know, T800 fucking, you know, skulls or something like that. And you're just like, holy shit, I've been watching a Terminator movie this whole time. Wow. Mind blown. That's, that's smart. Let let it stand on its own merits, and then, like you said, if it does actually succeed, or right. like you said, what they discover, maybe they discover that there was like a time travel attempt in the past, and there's things like you could naturally lead back into the elements that people love, but like maybe, like you said, if you had it stand on its own throughout the entire film, then yeah, that that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I I, I yeah, really I was, I was. Oh, go ahead. I was just so amazed at how good the animation was, and like um. Snow in the Desert and, and Life Hutch, and it, it makes you just wonder, um, you know, how it can just trick you into thinking that you're watching something live action, yeah. but, like, there's such crappy CGI sometimes infused in live action movies, and it's, like, it's almost just an inconsistency there. Like, I, I feel that the technology on this thing is really good. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you, I, I would love to see that interspliced in movies. Yeah, I mean... Um... How far away are we from like, you know, cause they, they tried it in the, that, the new Will Smith movie where they, where they created Will, a younger Will Smith and it was like 100% CGI created. They tried it there, uh, but yeah. like how far away are we from them, from them doing this and us being 100% convinced that we're watching someone? Well, the thing, real? the thing that always throws me off is the facial expressions. It's like, you know, like with video games, it's like they get it down, but like there's just subtleties in the facial expressions that isn't very lifelike. Right. But that Michael B. Jordan one, it was, I mean, that was his face. Like, yeah, that was, that was him acting like a hundred percent. And somehow they're able to translate that into the CGI character. Dude, I loved the, I loved Life Hutch. I love, like, it was like, oh my God, he treated that thing like a fucking cat. And I'm not going to spoil it, but my God, I love. I loved that. <laughs> yeah. I thought that that. So I'm gonna give this. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like this is a hard one because it's a, an anthology. There's Tupperwares in this, and then there's High Tasteds. Um, I wouldn't say that there's anything in here that I did not uh, enjoy at all uh, from you know the seven episodes that I've seen. But I do think that the first season was superior. But you know, uh, it was the first season. And we got a lot more episodes, and it was Jake. It was so new at that time. Like we'd never seen like an anthology series like this before. And uh, I mean, uh, David Fincher's an executive producer on this, I believe. Yeah, correct. What was there more? Like I said, I, I know you didn't love the vacuum bot one, but I did enjoy. I liked it, but I didn't. It. I didn't love it. Yeah. Was there more? In the first season, was there more like comedy based ones? Because I feel like that might have been like, and then, I oh guess yeah, the one was sort of comedy based. But there's definitely there's a lot there's a there, I can think of a couple comedy ones in the first one. There's this one that takes place on a farm that is fucking phenomenal. Like it, 
it's uh, ten times better than what you saw here with the Vacubot episode. Okay, so, cool. Yeah, I, I think you will. And then there's the uh, there's a, uh, a, a a super intelligent yogurt one where super <laughs> intelligent yogurt has a plot for world domination. So that's a funny one in the first season that's really good. But uh, yeah, I man, you got to watch that first season, Billy. I think you'd really dig it, dude. No, I definitely will. I, I probably honestly, I'll probably watch it tonight. So, all right, that was Love, Death, and the Robots. We broke up. This is on video on demand, and it's in theaters. Uh, Lori and Doug, a longtime couple who break up just days before Lori's sister's uh, sister Bia's uh, wedding to Jason, in order to not disrupt the fun, the couple decides to pretend they're still together until the weekend is over. It's directed by Jeff Rosenberg. It stars Aya Cash from. You're the worst. Uh, she was also in The Boys. She had a little small part in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. And then William Jackson Harper from The Good Place. And I love Aya Cash. Um, so I was like, I got to watch this movie. Who got a chance to see this one? Billy, Tr- I, Jake, you didn't see it. But I know, Billy, uh, Tristan, did you get a chance to see We Broke Up? Yeah, I saw it. No, I did too. Okay. All right. So we, we, we saw it. What did you think about, I'm going to start off actually. Um, I'll give it a taste it. I feel like there was a lot of stuff that I had to wait on too long to, that I wanted to have kind of like revealed a little bit earlier. Cause like they're, they're together and they're having this great conversation. They have great, chemistry and banter and then he's caught up in the moment and asks her to marry him and she starts to vomit and then he breaks up with her and then they have to go they've been together for 10 years they have to go to this wedding together but like here's the thing it's like i i guess i just didn't really care that they broke up because i didn't know they didn't really get into like the whole conversation that happened after like the whole conversation of them really breaking up. We just, we didn't get to see that. Like I didn't really care that they broke up. And so, I mean, that stuff is explored later on in the, in the movie, but I don't know that this movie did a great job of like really connecting me with their relationship and like a relationship, like if like somebody that's been together for 10 years and like the, the relationship ends, like that's huge. And I just didn't feel that impact. I didn't feel that impact. I mean, that's a huge loss. Like, um, I didn't feel that impact until really the end of the movie. And I, I don't know if that was, I think that that's a disservice to the movie. I don't know if I'm making any sense with this, but, um, and some of the no. humor didn't work, but go, yeah, go ahead, Billy. No, I agree. It's like, it's like there were really good elements of a you know, traditional again, this is really just supposed to be a rom com at the end of the day, so it's not really trying to do too much calculus. But it's like you said, it's almost like the blocking of that stuff did the movie a disservice. There's not really like any outrageous. I'm thinking back into it, nothing where I'm like, oh, that performance was so terrible, or I hated that person. But like you said, you didn't. It, the the movie didn't really have you rooting for the couple. You're more like half through this movie, you're like. Why are they putting themselves through this? Right. You know, why, yeah. Like, why is this? Why is this whole premise existing? Like, and like you said, there is a a pretty decent conversation that does, like you said, give some exposition, but not 
not to, you know, you would love to have that almost before they go and, and you have some of these moments that would have added some weight to things that right. were just nothing but levity. But, uh, you know, I, I like I said, I, I think it's a I'd say a, a low tasted as well. It, it wasn't a hate thing, but like you said, it's a shame because you think that it could have actually been a lot more than it was. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I love Aya Cash, but I just I just don't think that this was the best executed movie and then even like that at the very end where i think it should have just ended with like the main couple and like what they were going through and then it has to end with like the married couple and like the whole like you know oven joke and i was like this is that's stupid i don't care about those characters at all why i don't give a fuck we don't need to follow up with them like they shouldn't have but anyway um what'd you think tristan um, I watched this, you know, some days ago earlier in the week, um, and I was drinking and playing them on my phone the whole time. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wrote one note and it was just, I liked both leads. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> wow. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, so yeah, the two, the two stars of it I thought were great, but, um, yeah, I just thought like the movie itself was, it was almost like they were just trying to force something that just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and um, overall, it was it was a movie that I didn't think was terrible, but it didn't hold my attention. I kept wondering and, you know, playing on my phone. And and yeah, I mean, it just seemed like it's it's a movie that, you know, it's serviceable as just a standard rom-com, if you could even call it that. So a low taste it for me. Yeah. There, I mean, there's not there's the whole like they're at the wedding and, and, and he meets this other girl and they start to like, you know make out and all this stuff and then there's really no follow-up with like that at all yeah that was just weird that was like yeah yeah i didn't get why that was even there it just seemed like i was thinking when i was watching this i was like okay is this like a covid movie because it just seems like things are out of place you know like they didn't like they're trying to go somewhere with something and didn't have enough you know i don't know i don't know uh freaking covid test to finish yeah. the shooting or something or whatever like it if seemed, they would have just like explained something was missing if they would have just explained like that one character like she just like that's what she does she goes to weddings and she tries to like just you know hook up with a random guy or something like that would have made more sense but there was like no follow-up at all and, and i'm just i'm just gonna be like you know just blunt here and just say that she was like way too hot to be doing that to him like i mean like, i don't think that would just ever happen to that guy <laughs> right sorry. have you ever watched the show king of queens i yeah. mean the, kevin james is married to a woman that's entirely out of his league exactly yeah. well but how you just said that like we got a little bit more backstory we found that she's just going around crashing weddings and it's kind of just like your terminator idea we could have found that hey we were just watching a wedding crashers movie this whole time exactly love it. yeah something give me something um <laughs> final thing that i want to talk about this is something that i watched on my own it was a blu-ray that i saw out at the store and i was like holy shit I just looked at the cover. I'm like, yeah, this is like right up your alley, Brian. It's got this dude on the front and he's got a sword and it's called the swordsman. And, um, this place, it takes place, uh, speaking of swords, I unsheathed mine with manscape, head over to manscape.com and use the code PCL 20 for 20% off plus free shipping. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah, so much hair, it was like a sheath. Huh? It was a sheath around my penis, Jake. <laughs> and trust me, that's nothing to snicker about. Nothing to, there's <laughs> nothing to snicker about. During the chaotic period of Ming-Qing dynasty transition after failing to protect and preventing the downfall of Guang Hagang, Taiul, the best swordsman in Jason, lives in seclusion with his daughter Taok in the mountains. As Taiul's eyesight begins to fail due to an old injury, Taok seeks to find a treatment for him. When she is captured and taken away by slave trader Garutai, Taiul is forced to raise his sword again in order to save her. And, um, it's directed by Choi Jae-hoon. It stars Jang Hayak as the main swordsman character. Um, the villain in this one, the, uh, the slave trader is played by Joe Taslim, who is our sub-zero in Mortal Kombat. He was also in The Raid, and he was in The Night Comes for Us um, on Netflix. But, um, yeah, man, this is a fucking, like, this movie starts with, like, this flashback of the swordsman. He's younger, and he's battling a more seasoned swordsman. They get into a clash with swords, and the sword breaks, and shards of the sword go into his eyes. And his eyes have been declining and failing on him. And he's going blind. He's got uh, this girl, uh, his daughter, that he's been taking care of. And she's going to find him these herbs that, that'll, you know, take care of his eyesight. And uh, and uh, that's basically he gets mixed up with um, um, this uh, Ming-Qing dynasty transition going on. And, and these slave traders end up capturing the girl. And he has to fight to get the girl back. And... Um, the story at the, I'd say like the first two acts, I'm more impressed with like the sword choreography. I'm not impressed with the sword, with the story. And I really wasn't impressed with the story until maybe the third act. But uh, I'll give this a high tasted overall. Um, the swordsman, it, it, the sword choreography in this is fucking incredible. You're going to see some sword fighting in this that you've never seen in other movies like the way this guy moves the way that this guy handles a sword is just absolutely incredible there's not like a lot of like martial arts going on in this there's a little bit but not a lot it's mostly this guy using a sword and it's cool to watch like the guy who's got so much fucking skill that even though he's fucking going blind he's still kicking ass man um and it feels like sometimes he's like the underdog and then other times it's like other people are just way outmatched by this guy but man this guy can fucking handle a sword this guy can move um jake you know these kind of movies are like right up my alley so i'm a little biased man but i give the high taste it yeah, that's always fun when you just kind of find that, you know, bargain bin with the cool name or cool cover and give it a shot. Like, yeah. I, I haven't done anything like that in a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do it all the time, man. I do it all the time. I'll see a movie or, you know, I'll see a movie and I'm like, I know nothing about it. It's just like that cover grabs me. Kind of like going to the comic book store, Jake, and buying just like buying a comic book just because of the cover. We used to do that all the time. We do it. Do you remember going to Blockbuster and just walking down the aisle and seeing a cover and being like, I got to watch that movie just because of the cover? Because they used to put a lot of effort into the poster art back in the day. Yeah, it's just such a different beast these days. And, and I guess probably the reason that I haven't done that lately is because I'm mostly a digital media guy and you just don't like run into that kind of, it's not like I'm on iTunes and I'm like, Oh, look at this for yeah. five bucks with the cool cover. I was literally in the store walking around looking at the new releases and, uh, saw this and I was like, you know what? We're buying the swordsman today. We're buying this one. 
we're buying this one. So I'm happy I did. It's a high taste it. And, uh, you can get it on VOD. So if you have like, uh, you know, if you have your Roku or whatever you're using Apple TV, you can get on Fandango now. You can get on Redbox or whatever. Um, and iTunes and, uh, you can rent this one. It's called The Swordsman. And, uh, yeah, definitely check it out, man. Joe Taslam's a fucking badass and he's a great villain in this. So, and this is based, inspired by true events. Who was Joe Taslow in the Raid movies? Oh, God. What was his character's name? I have to look it up, Jake. He was, I'm sorry. I think he was only in the first Raid movie. Raid Redemption. Who did he play? Uh, Jaka? Mm, okay. So, yeah. Oh, fucking, um, Yayan Ruyan. He was in the first Raid movie. He played Mad Dog, but in the second movie, he played a completely different character. Remember? I wondered if that was the same actor. In the second movie, he was the guy that like loved his son, that wanted to see his son, and had the locket, right? Uh, he was like, yeah, the older guy, much older guy that they were fucking yeah. up outside the bar or whatever. Nico tried to get him killed to kind of start the gang war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was like. Oh my god! I yep. is this the same guy? I I didn't even want to ask though because I didn't want to sound like you know. <laughs> is this the same person? No, they fucking they had him like they had him in they had him in ma- they had him in like a bunch of makeup and shit. He looked completely different in the second movie. Um, but he yeah, he was recognizable though. Like yeah. it, it did it did make me think this looks like the same guy that was like one of the two head honcho like right hand man people in the yep. first one. Yeah, it's a, it's the same actor. It's the same actor. Like and it, that's the guy who has a prominent role in Force Awakens as well. Yes, exactly. Dude, I, like when I watched when I watched The Raid 2, I fucking was like, "Oh my god, how did they bring that guy back? He died in the first one." And I had to like I had to get on like IMDb and see that it's a completely different character. Cuz like The Raid and The Raid 2 take place like moments after the first one ends. I'm like, "How is this guy fucking like 20 years older? What is going on? And how, why is he alive?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Gallagher Gallagher's brother situation. Oh, uh, we talked about <laughs> we talked about that off air, Jake. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, we had a whole discussion about Gallagher's brother. Gallagher's got a twin. The guy with the mallet that hits the fruit, he's got a brother. He's a twin. And his brother was going out on the road pretending to be Gallagher and fucking like, you know, getting a bunch of money and and getting like notoriety and all this fame and shit. And people thought it was Gallagher and it was actually his brother. And so Gallagher had to sue his own brother. That shit was nuts. Yeah, they should do a fucking documentary on that. I told you, dark side of the ring. Dark yeah. side, yeah, dark side of the mallet is what you called it. I like that. Oh man! All right, let's see here. Let's. You guys ready to jump into the pop culture leftovers news? Yeah. Yes, sir. Let's do it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right, we're recording this on Saturday. This is going to get uploaded on Sunday, and by Sunday night. We're going to get our first look at the Snake Eyes movie starring Henry Golding from uh, Crazy Rich Asians. And uh, so we're going to get our first look at the uh, the trailer. They dropped the poster today, guys. Did you guys see the poster? I did. Yeah, I saw it. This is yep. Snake. Yeah, this is Snake Eyes. This is the character from the G.I. Joe uh, you know, franchise. And uh, we got the poster. We're going to get the trailer tomorrow, man. I, Jake. This is going to be huge, man. If it, it, like, it, I think this trailer is going to really give us kind of like a feel of like 
you know, what this movie's gonna be like. It, I wonder if Henry Golding's doing all like the 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 stunts and shit for this. Yeah, wake me up when Shipwreck gets his own movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I'm just kidding. I, I, we all loved Snake Eyes as a kid. Like uh, the comic books really made him even yeah. more legendary than the fucking cartoon did, even though he was already cool from the cartoon. Um, yeah, I, I hope this is really cool. I, I, I hope they have really good fight scenes, and I hope they make him just a fucking super badass. Is he going to wear the helmet the whole time? Because on the poster, nope. he's not, no. man. Nope. On the no. poster, he's not. And then, like, is he going to talk? Yes. Then I think something's going to happen at the end that forces him not to speak after that. It'll be like an origin story. I guess that, that yeah. makes sense. That's what they're booking it as. Do we need an origin story for Snake Eyes? Uh, not necessarily. Um, I, I think it wouldn't hurt, though. I think it would make it more accessible to people other than the G.I. Joe stands. Man, it's gonna. don't you think it's going to piss off G.I. Joe fans to have uh, Snake Eyes running around without the helmet? Snake Eyes... Yanking it up well, and shit. Busted well, I think, um, yeah, I think they're going to give you the payoff at the end. I think it's going to be an origin where at the end, I don't know, maybe something happens to his face and something happens to his voice box. And it's like, okay, now we're the snake eyes that everyone knows. Is somebody playing Storm Shadow in this? I hope so. It's hard to have one without the other. I'm looking it up. Billy, what do you think about what do you think about this news? You 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 give a fuck about or is GI Joe like off your radar because you're a little younger? Yeah, if you're talking right now, you're on mute, bro. Is anybody here? No, I'm, no, sorry. I'm, I'm here. here. I'm here. No, I'm here. Sorry, yeah. it was being. I clicked it like three times. It was being weird. <laughs> um, so it's it is it kind of like what you were like alluding to. It's a little bit applicable, kind of like we were talking about with like He Man and things like that kind of stuff earlier. It, I, I got to like check it out later on in life, so I don't have it like oh I grew up with this and this was you know something that I'm intrinsically attached to. Um, I mean, I'm interested in it, though. I mean, I would love for a I, I know how important of a franchise it is to a lot of people. And I would love for it to get its proper love. And I, it's it's something like I kind of compared them for myself, say, like Star Trek. I, I'm a huge Star Wars guy, novels, games, etc. Not as met much of the Star Trek stuff. So I try to follow kind of what the more hardcore fan base goes with and. I would love for, like, just like I said with Star Trek people to get something that they would be satisfied with. I'd love for G.I. Joe fans to get something in a franchise and a universe that they could be satisfied with. So I hope that this maybe is a good first start. So this trailer, like you said, maybe will give us a flavor of yeah. how much effort they're actually putting into it. So, Well, I mean, I don't know, Jake. I, it, 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 I'll be honest with you. It's leaving a bad taste in my mouth just to see the goddamn poster with this fucking helmet off. He's holding his helmet like he's fucking getting ready to get on a motorcycle. Yeah, it is a bit of a bummer that that's the first image that we see. God damn it. Jake, fucking Carl Urban has a beautiful face. I would say just as beautiful as Henry Golding. And Carl Urban said, you know what? I'm going to wear a fucking helmet the entire time during Dread. I'm not going to show off this beautiful fucking face of mine. All you're going to get to see is this beautiful, this chiseled chin of mine. 
You're never going to see, see my Carl full Urban face. saw how that did for Sylvester Stallone the first yeah. time around. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Maybe this will be the lead off for the next Snake Eyes movie 15 years down the line. I don't know, man. I, you know, and people might be thinking that I'm nitpicky and shit, but man, that's part of the character. It's like he, the character doesn't fucking talk and the character fucking wears a helmet the entire time. Yeah, maybe it's a dumb fucking idea to have an origin story about that character and then also to make him talk during this movie and then fucking have him take his helmet off. Like, well, as soon as they cast um, Henry Golding, I knew that it was going to be a departure from the traditional version. Yeah. Because you got to show that a pretty face. hot actor right now and it's like. I mean, if you really are just going to be true to Snake Eyes, you just get a really good, you know, um, martial artist or someone who's trained, you know, yeah, um, to just wear a freaking uh, helmet and, and fight. Right. Listen to this cast, man. They got fucking uh, Hen- yeah, Henry Golding's playing Snake Eyes. Storm Shadow is in the movie, Jake. It's played by Andrew Koji. Uh, Andrew Koji. I guess he's a British actor, martial artist, and stunt man. Uh, best known for his lead role in, uh, of Assam in Cinemax's Warrior series. Um, they've got Samara Weaving playing Scarlet. They've got, uh, Ursula Corbero playing Baroness. So Baron, they got Baroness in this movie. Eco Uwe's, Eco Uwe's from the raid, Jake, is playing hard master. And guys, if you want to keep your hard master clean shaven, <laughs> go to manscape.com, use the code PCL20 at checkout for 20% off shipping, uh, 20% off your order and then free shipping. Uh, and they've got Peter Mensa from 300. He was in Spartacus. He was in Tears of the Sun. Hidalgo. He's playing Blind Master. Yeah, got, Manscaped works on your Peter too. It works. On, it does work on your Peter as well, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jake, I like how you tied it back into this week's sponsor. Thank you, sir. That's why I have you here. Thank you. I, I'm good for something. <laughs> oh my gosh! I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> I guess, dude, I'll wait for the fucking trailer, but that, I'll be honest with you, man. Uh, that poster pissed me off. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie, man. I don't, I don't, like, uh, you know, and I'm not even as a die, I wanna know what, like, you know, like, uh, Ryan Drost thinks from Star Joe's and, like, you know, I wanna I've know. I've never what, seen Ryan Drost hate anything. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He's a lover. Not he's a, a he's a very positive dude, but he, he is. And I'm not even saying it as a slight. Right? Yeah. He, he seems to find the good in. Anything. Yeah. 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 I I just I want to know what like other like GI Joe fans think about this. You know, like a, it looks like yeah, like an origin story for Snake Eyes. I don't know, man. I don't know. Does that cartoon hold up? No. No. The movie's still good. <laughs> the movie's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's ridiculous. I mean the animated one. The, the, the yes, the animated movie okay, is okay. ridiculous too. The, the, like the the animated movie's pretty fucking ridiculous as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wait, uh, let me ask you this because this is the second one that we said doesn't hold. Does what would you say if anything does hold up? Like say eighties, early nineties. No, no, not even Transformers. The animated series holds up. <laughs> like, Speed Racer holds up. Uh, oh, I love Speed Racer. Yeah, I love anything Hanna Barbera. Yeah, that stuff holds up really well. Like yeah. Herculoids is still cool, and Thunder. Uh, I was watching so uh, yeah Johnny Quest the other day. Yeah, actually, no, no, no. You know what? Johnny Quest actually had a lot of racist shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
but story wise, and yeah, yeah story wise. Yeah, like just yeah. entertainment value. Yeah, yeah. yeah. come on, Jake. Us. Racism aside. Yeah. I mean, it's old shit, so you always have to kind of put that aside. It's true. It's yeah. true. It's like it's like your it's like your grandpa made a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> I think the old like Looney Tunes cartoons still hold up. They're still fucking hilarious. Batman the animated series. Yeah, that's yeah. not even old. That's nineties. That's ninety two. Yeah. That's ninety two. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Yeah, X Men animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's nineties as well. But it, yeah, it I, yeah, I, I, yeah. No, definitely. Like the eighties stuff, it's funny. Like, but it, it's well, the eighties stuff is all like, like, like let's make, let's make a fucking, uh, you know, toy line, toy line <laughs> turn into, and and that's what they did. They just, they just made cartoons about toys they they felt like oh we got a toy line we got to make a cartoon and you know i think like that's what that's what the gi joe um the gi joe comic books you know like they kind of like lucked into a great writer with larry hama you oh, know yeah writing yeah. those he really he really took it under his under his own and just went yeah. crazy with that shit yeah i think like thundercats doesn't hold up 100% but there are some really great thundercats episodes though like like the the episodes where um you know uh, uh lino has to do the trials remember that jake it went on for like a week and he had to fucking fight against each thundercat yeah, I think the stories hold up better than the animation. That's the really de- when you go back and watch a He-Man or a Transformers or a Thundercats. That's the really depressing part. Is like they, it's just so shoddy on the animation. Like shit will be different colors, yes. from scene to fucking yeah. scene, and yeah. like shifting shapes, and, and and it's that that really is disappointing. Like you just don't see that kind of shit in modern cartoons, even by the nineties. You're not seeing like fucking shape shifting, color shifting, yeah, like bullshit animation. Yeah, you'll see some like you'll see like uh, you know some of the, like you know the Decepticons flying and like their colors will change and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what am I watching here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, just like take some fucking pride in this shit, and it, it just they cared more about selling the toys than they did about like really nitpicking the fucking like animation from one scene to the next that's true but man if they didn't care about selling those fucking toys we wouldn't have got one of the most like memorable life-changing life-altering moments of our childhood when 1986's transformers the movie came out and they killed off optimus prime to introduce a new toy called rodimus prime i mean like true, true that but yeah. the movie the movie was a, a league ahead. Like, oh, yeah. When it yes. came to the movie, they were like, okay, now we're going to give a shit about the animation. They cared about the animation. They cared about the casting. Dude, the casting on that was just incredible. You know, of course, you kept Peter Cullen in there. But, like, they brought in Leonard Nimoy as the voice of Galvatron. Um, they fucking uh, had uh, Robert Stack as Ultra Magnus. Rekgar was Eric Idle. Um, Cup was Lionel Stander. I mean, Orson Welles was Unicron, his final performance. The guy's on his fucking deathbed recording, you know, lines for the, this giant planet-eating robot, man. like, Did you say Leonard Nimoy already? Leonard Nimoy is Galvatron, yeah. 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 Uh, 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 Judd Nelson as Hot Rod slash Rodimus Prime. So yeah, fuck. Oh, the the, the micro machines dude was fucking blur. <laughs> the yeah, fast, that was hilarious. That was perfect casting. As a kid, that was probably my favorite casting. Yeah, I love that. 
Oh my god. Man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Nobody does Megatron like Frank Welker though. That guy. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Alright. Yeah, so. Where can we watch all this shit? Is there a, a streaming service for vintage cartoons like that? Dude, you could watch the old Transformers ones. I think they they had those on like <sighs> one of those free services like Tubi or or um even like the Roku channel. Let me check. Cause I'm on Hulu. Transformers. Yeah, yeah, Transformers. Yeah, like, it's on Tubi. Tubi. It's on Tubi. Yeah. Uh, you can watch Thundercats all... and He Man are on Hulu. There you go. Thundercats and He Man. Oh, is it Thundercats? Is it is it the 2011 series or is it the original series? They have both. There you go. That, dude, the fucking 2011 series that ran for two seasons is so good. Oh, yeah. He Man had a really cool, like, rebirth too at one point, I thought. I didn't and watch You know what was either. total crap? Um, they just released it on Disney Plus, but the fucking Ewoks cartoon from the eighties. <laughs> oh, that was garbage. I, the droids one was garbage too. Yeah, yeah. But the the movie with Wilford Brimley is amazing. No, it's, fucking, it's fucking it's hilariously bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh man, I gotta, I gotta watch, watch that original fucking hand drawn Clone Wars cartoon now that it's on Disney Plus. Though Tristan, if you haven't seen that, that's like so one of my good. favorite Star Wars things ever. So good. That, that came before um, the movie release, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not even okay. canon anymore, but it's the first appearance of General Grievous, yeah. and just every second of it is fucking amazing. If you like Primal, if you like, you know, all that kind of stuff, it, you have to see it. It's very little dialogue, nothing but fucking kinetic action. It's fucking mind blowing. It's from the same guy that did the the, the samurai. What was it? Samurai Jack. Samurai Jack. Primal. Yeah. Jake, it's so cool. I, I mean, I vividly remember that. I was, I think it was like 12 or 13 because I believe, wasn't that between episodes two and three? And then at least mm-hmm. how they've like set it up here on Disney Plus. I talked about it a few episodes ago in Scene Invaders. I was so excited when I saw that pop up because I've, I remember over the years even talking to people like, yeah, Clone Wars is great. I love the series, but do you remember the, the shorts? And a lot of people do not remember it. And I love how it's basically two 70 minute episodes. It is just such an awesome, like you said, just star. Star Wars visual pop at, at all moments. The entire thing is so cool. There's no filler, no chat. It just moves. And it, 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 I, like I said, I agree. If anyone hasn't seen that, I, I double Jake's opinion on that. Totally check it out. Yeah, it's so one of my favorite Star being, Wars things ever. So by it not being canon, does it do something in it that contradicts everything? No. No, they just erased everything. It, it it was made by when Disney bought, it was one of the things that it's basically like Hair to the Empire or the Timothy Zahn book. All the Dark or, Horse oh, comics. Okay. Yeah, all yeah. the Dark Horse comics. It's like legend lore. Um it doesn't really do anything. Like you can pretend it's canon and it really doesn't contradict anything. I don't know why they had yeah. to be mean to it. I think the reason they were mean to it is because they started their own CGI version with the same yeah, name. Right. And they wanted to avoid confusion, but it's mm-hmm. fucking timeless. Like it, it holds up to this day. A hundred years from now, it'll still fucking hold up. It, oh, I'm like, so glad it's preserved and you can watch it. There's two episodes that popped to mind, and all these episodes, mind you, were like seven minutes long. These things were in between when on Cartoon Network when a, a show would end and before another one would start. And they have, like I said, the General Grievous introduction is really cool. He takes on like multiple Jedi, and they also then show. 
uh, you know, obviously in episode three, Palpatine, you know, he fakes his own kidnapping and that's the beginning of the movie. They actually show Grievous go into Coruscant and show how they do the fake kidnapping. Like, and it's really cool shit. Like, I really wish, like Jake said, they left some of it as canon because it would really fit in with everything. Oh, the scene I always think about is when there's like two groups of speeder bikes and they just like fucking charge joust each other. Oh my god, you're right. Oh, so oh cool. fuck. That, that cartoon is so fucking good. Jake has been trying to get me to watch this for years. I really should. Oh, watch it, Brian. You'll yeah. love it. You will not regret it. I'm Would you guys you. watch a show about a teenage Palpatine called Palpatine? Yes. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sucker for Star Wars. No matter how many times they burn me, I can't look away. So it's like him going to high school. It's like that slash like Dawson's Creek and shit. Pal, Pal tween. Yeah. I, I think Palpatine should still be all like wrinkly and haggard. It's like he has some problem. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. Benjamin Button. It's like, yeah, I was going to say it's like Benjamin Button. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, the vice versa dance, and he's waiting for a girl to ask him out, but none of them are still. She's like, yeah, if I've got my own grandpa, I don't want to go with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's young Sheldon, but Palpatine. Young Palpatine. Will you go to the prom with me? <laughs> the power. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Palpatine, the college years. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That's fucking great. Uh, news from Dark Horizons. Uh, this article came out yesterday, but, uh, today marks the theatrical release. Shifting, you are shifting like a motherfucker over there, Tristan. Oh, my bad. <laughs> you are, you are living, you are living up to the name Shifting Tristan on this one up, this episode, dude. <laughs> today no you're fine today marks the theatrical release of Zack snyder's army of the dead a netflix movie doing something not done before by any of their movies it's getting a wide theatrical release here's the thing guys it's only it's got a short run it's going to be in the theaters for a week i looked i was like man maybe i'll go see this in the theaters jake the nearest theater that's playing it to us is in O'Fallon. So it's like near St. Louis. I was like, I'm not driving a hundred miles to see a Zack Snyder Army of the Dead movie that's two and a half hours. No, if it was like one of these things where you wouldn't be able to see it for like six months unless you did that, then maybe. But when you can just wait a week and watch it on Netflix. Yeah, I'll just wait and watch it on Netflix. I'm not going to drive down to St. Louis. I did do that for Bumblebee when they showed that shit three weeks early. I drove down to O'Fallon to watch it. I don't blame you. I, I'm very excited for this movie. Really, one of the only Zack Snyder things I've liked is his zombie fare. So I'm hoping it's more of that. Well, they, this is what they're saying in this article. They said it's only a short run. The film is just one week of exclusive play in cinemas, primarily Cinemark cinemas, but before it also hits the Netflix service worldwide on May 21st. During a virtual panel at the Moffat Nathanson Media and Communications Summit this week, um, Jake, we didn't get an invite to the virtual panel at the Moffat Nathanson Media and Communication Summit. It's a little burned yeah. by that. Yeah, I'm not happy. Yeah. Cinemark CEO Mark Zarati says they tested select theatrical releases of earlier films of theirs like Christmas Chronicles. Army marks the next stage in that experiment. Quote, we came back to the table and said, what else can we do? And Army of the Dead came up. It was a little bit short in our time frame of getting it done. And I think as we go forward, 
will have more time. Army is one of the most commercially friendly Netflix films to get a theatrical run of any kind, should it fare as well as they hope. Zerati indicates that this will serve as the start of a potential wave of Netflix films at the box office. Quote, we're going to see how does it do in that week. How it how does it do the week that it goes into Netflix? We're going to learn a lot. We believe there will be several more theatrical releases. I got to think to myself that that's like no duh. You guys are doing Knives Out 2 and Knives Out 3. Like you Jake, that has to be a theatrical release, right? But what do they do, Jake, with that? What do you do with Knives Out? They spent so much money getting Knives Out. What was it like? Four hundred and fifty million. It was crazy. Yeah, it was. A, it was a lot of fucking money, but it was over four hundred million. But like, Jake, how long? How long do you have Knives Out two in theaters before you do the Netflix release? There is it. Are we just gonna get it for a week? Are we just going to, or is it going to be two weeks? Is it going to be three weeks? Well, if there's any indication as how they did the, um, Scorsese film, it came out, um, in theaters for about a month before it came on Netflix. Yeah. It only played at one theater near me and it was literally the weekend before it dropped on Netflix. Hmm. But. No, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, there was the Idris Elba movie that came out in theaters too, but it was at the same time that it was on Netflix, I believe. I don't think it came out early. I could be wrong there. And then Roma also was released in theaters as well. But like, this is a one week window before it releases on Netflix. I gotta, you guys got, I gotta think that wouldn't Knives Out 2 have a longer window? I mean, you would think I, it, it's such a big movie and such a big sequel. But who's going to like, if you know, if Netflix is like, okay. And like, I don't understand like how they think that this is going to be such a huge hit in theaters, army of the dead, when right now we're still going through COVID and it's literally, you just have to wait a week before it drops on Netflix and then you can just watch it at home, which a lot of people are accustomed to now, you know, because of the pandemic. I don't know. I don't think that they're going to be happy with the performance in the theater. And even if, I don't, who knows if they're going to be honest with it. They're not even honest with like their most watched bullshit that comes out. Like, like somebody could watch a movie on Netflix for five minutes and they'll, they'll count it as a viewing. So I think it's three or four minutes, actually. Yeah, yeah, it, it's ridiculous. They count it as a viewing after just a few minutes. And a lot of them just start because you hover over that movie. Yeah, that's true. Have you guys, have you guys, have you guys done the, uh, the, when you first log in where it says play something? Have you guys done that yet? No, I haven't tried it. I tried it. I haven't either. What it, it play for? Shadow and Bone. It went to the first episode of Shadow and Bone. Mm-hmm. You're like, fuck you. Fuck you, Netflix. Yeah, I, I immediately left Shadow and Bone and watched. Speaking of, if you want to shave up your bone, go to manscaped.com. <laughs> Use the code PCL20 at checkout. Get 20% off Manscaped 4.0 and free shipping. Right. You know what? Um, 
real quick on the Knives Out thing, it, it's a little bit frustrating that Knives Out 2 and 3 will, like, only be on Netflix and not available as, like, physical media or, like, to purchase digitally through other platforms. It might be like, physical media. You can buy Netflix physical media. Very little of it, right? Daredevil. Like, couple of the there's, Marvel series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do have it, though. It's not like you can buy you know, bird box or like any, like stranger things on DVD. Or... Yeah. You can buy stranger things on DVD. Oh, okay. I'm pretty I, I, sure I you I can don't pay attention to physical media like that. Well, you're making like an interesting point though, Jay too. Kind of what I was thinking is it, it, it's like the thought process that Brian was saying. It's it. People are going to hear, Oh wow. Netflix bought this really the sequels to this awesome movie, this awesome franchise. Can't wait to watch it on Netflix. And then people are going to see eventually when they start doing the marketing, Oh, in theaters, and they're going to go, oh, wait, thought it was a Netflix thing. And then, like they said, they're going to Google it and see that, oh, it's out on Netflix in three weeks. And they're like, oh, all right, well, I'm going to wait for it to come out on Netflix as a Netflix movie. So it is interesting that, like, Netflix is buying it but then not utilizing it as a, a platform exclusive. They're just still releasing them and, like you said, then doing probably physical media releases. So it is very interesting. People – I think the – People are going to like, – general audiences are going to ha- have to do a little bit of uh, retraining of the brain, not realizing that Netflix is going to foray into the physical theaters. It'll be, it'll be crazy to see how it does and if that affects its box office numbers, just having that mentality that yeah, I can see it in three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like – there's a part of me though, you know, like I think you're going to have like diehard like theater goers like myself that are going to be like, man, I, I really would like to see this, you know, on the big screen. Uh, the first one was such a fun theatrical theatrical experience. Yeah, too. like it yeah. really was a great full it was. movie. Yeah, yeah, you can buy Stranger Things the complete seasons one through three on DVD for forty four ninety nine on Amazon, Jake. Mm, how much for just season one? I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Jake. <laughs> Jake, you still never watched season three? No, it's actually on my list. I, I, I saw the season four trailer, and I'm like, I don't want to be such a curmudgeon. I, I do want to be able to keep up with it. It's such a big pop culture phenomenon. But, yeah, it's probably in the next month or so I'm going to bite the bullet gonna, and watch Stranger It's going to take three. season four coming out for you to watch season three. Correct. <laughs> season three was fun. I love I season three. three. Yeah. I love three. I heard it was a return to form, even with people that are kind of in my camp where season two really just kind of fell flat. I- I've heard that even they liked season three quite a lot. Flattish. Flattish. <laughs> Flat- Tiffany Flattish. Tiffany Flattish. Um, <laughs> Knives Out. Speaking of Knives Out 2, the casting has been crazy over the past few days. Insane. Uh, and so they did cool. this with the first one. We kept just getting flurries of casting announcements for the first one, you know, and I think it's just going to continue to be like this over the next few weeks. But, uh, you know, we got, we got the Dave Batista, then we got Edward Norton, then we got Janelle Monet, and now, most recently, we've got, uh, WandaVision star Catherine Hahn is set to join this cast man this is uh i mean jake i mean you were kind of like eh, can netflix get the star power i think this is this is this answering your question if they can get the star power or not are, or are you thinking to yourself well 
right now they're still getting like Catherine Hahn still kind of like she's hot off of WandaVision up and comer. Jonelle Monet, she's done Annabellum. She's done, you know, hidden, uh, hidden figures. She's done some smaller things. Edward Norton's very established. Dave Batista still kind of like, you know, finding his, uh, bearings and like what he's doing. Do, or do you think like this, these first few announcements are kind of like on par with like what we got in, in, in the first I movie? I think it's on par. I don't necessarily think it has to be like all giant A-listers. Just a nice, fun, eclectic, group of actors that you wouldn't necessarily think of seen together in the same movie oh my god we got don johnson in knives out you know yeah yeah it's crazy i love janelle monet too yeah yeah me too yeah dirty computer is one of the best albums of last decade are you oh yeah are you guys as far as these casting announcements um are you guys excited for this uh, for this next movie do you think that that we can get do you think that Ryan Johnson with, you know, with these announcements and I don't know, I don't know who he plans on getting as far as like going forward. I mean, a lot of people. I was really hoping for Adam Driver. We're all hoping for Adam Driver yeah. because, you know, they've worked together. We've all been hoping for Adam Driver. Um, is that a possibility? Is he, or, you know, I mean, we're still getting Knives Out 3. He might, they might be saving him for later. Do you think there'll be any carryover people? Do you think all three movies will have different cast? Uh, besides, besides, of course. Um, oh fuck, I'm blank. Daniel Craig. Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig is Benoit Blanc. I think the only guy that could probably come back, possibly, but it, it would would be Lakeith. But he was still just like the local police guy, right? Wow. So I mean, this that, is gonna that makes sense. So I mean, maybe he gets you know they move him to a different city or something like that i don't know when, when the fuck do i get to see the new bond movie it comes out this year oh for real yeah. finally yeah oh my god yeah i mean oh that was god. the first movie that got postponed oh it's pissing me off just let me watch it i'll fucking that watch it on like fucking crackle yeah both those movies have really yeah. uh, quiet place 2 is another one. Oh, you know the quiet place 2 comes out at the end of this month Mm-hmm. Yeah, May twenty eighth, yeah. I believe. It's really fascinating all the stuff about um, those two haggling for more money because of the limited theatrical release. If you've read any of that drama, yeah, that is that is that yeah. is very interesting. Hmm. So, Krasinski and Blunt and stuff about basically how their deals were based off of the theatrical take, but now they spl- they heft the exclusive release in the theaters, so now they're upset about that their potential earning windows have been yeah. shrunk. No, they should be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they basically thought, okay, we'll take a pay cut because we're going to get a percentage. And now it's, you know, they're not going to get a, a big percentage anymore. Same thing happened with uh, wonder woman, but I think yeah, WB that they worked something out with them. Yeah. They paid, they paid uh, Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot a million dollars. Because mm-hmm. yeah, based off the movie doing a billion, they said, "Well, this movie would have done like a billion dollars if it had gone to the theaters in normal times." So that's what we'll pay you based off of. I mean, you know, like keep your stars happy. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you know, if you had these incentive deals put into place, it's not their fault that this fucking pandemic happened. And keep your stars happy, man. That's my. Yeah, I, I agree. That's, that's my opinion. Um Oh, uh, real quick, I just want to cover this. I thought this is really cool news. I love Bong Joon-ho. Um, I was a big fan of Snowpiercer. I loved Parasite. Uh, he announced that his next, 
Oh, he's got a couple movies coming out, but he will direct a Korean animated film about humans and deep sea creatures. Okay. Yeah, man. There are a lot of water animation. I mean, that, I'm always intrigued. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, man. Anything that this guy fucking does, dude, I'm fucking there for. I am there for. Like, how much do you think Netflix is going to go for this one? You think Netflix is going to be like, man, let's fucking let's drop some money on this? It seems right up the rally. Well, they already bought the one movie he did. What was that movie he did with? But the the fucking like the the little the hippo animal that they were trying to make food and shit. Do you remember them what I'm talking about? Was it Okja? Yeah. Okja. Okja. That's what it was called. Yeah, yeah. I think Netflix might go for this one. I never watched that movie. I was afraid of how sad it would get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched it. I liked it. Um, let's see here. Yeah, let's move into Marvel news. Fuck it. Didn't have a lot of news this week, did we? No. Whatever. It's <laughs> kind of a shitty news week for me. Did I did I miss some really good news? Am I am, no, I, am no. I am I am I falling asleep at the wheel, Jake? No, not at all. I don't think you missed anything big. <laughs> we didn't really. Uh, Catherine Hall's going to be in Knives Out too. That's yeah, exciting. That's great, that's great casting. It's exciting, isn't it? What do you think? I like the, I like bought like the title for Knives Out too. I like what Boss Logic came out with Knives In, and it's in I N N. It's a it's a, it takes place at an inn. I like that. It's okay. Now, fuck you. Fuck you. I have a hot take on Boss Logic. Oh, I, I fine, fine. I like his little posters and shit. They're fun. I think he's garbage. You're garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I've never heard this before. This is nice. What's <laughs> logic? He just like I don't know. All his shit kind of looks the same, and it doesn't seem like it takes much talent, and there's not much imagination to it. But he's like everyone like kneels before him. I don't get it. See what I love about pop culture leftovers is that it's so long that two hours ago I was the negative person and was shitting on everything, and now we've turned and Jake hates everything, so everything's working out great. Oh, I haven't forgotten about you, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll get back to you, Billy! (laughs) I'm not done with you. started on Alex Ross, yeesh. Don't uh, stop it. There, you and fucking Alex Ross. Yeah, it all looks like fucking motionless wax statues. I, I don't fucking get it. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna, get, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking, I'm messaging Joe Vitale right now. Oh, he knows my opinion, <laughs> Alex Ross. Trust me, I've heard it. Uh, oh man, Marvel news. Let's jump into some Marvel news. I haven't forgotten about you, Billy. (laughs) Marvel News. All right, Marvel News. News from comicbook.com. James Gunn. Uh, this is an article they had James Gunn on making Marvel return for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4. 
James Gunn is saying, quote, never say never to more Marvel after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. The third volume of the blockbuster Marvel Studios series is expected to be the last with the current team. Star-Lord, Drax, Nebula, Mantis, Kraglin, Groot, Rocket Raccoon, and a time-traveling Gamora as part of Gunn's original plans for a trilogy. Volume 3 will conclude a story started with 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy as the filmmaker reaffirmed when asked about returning for a potential Volume 4. A fan asked him on Twitter, would you do a fourth Guardians movie if you got the chance? James Gunn responded on Twitter, never say never, but I see Volume 3 as the end of the Guardians story I started telling back with Volume 1. But it was last April, Gunn stated he has no plans for a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4. I want to know your thoughts on this. Uh, I'm actually going to start with Tristan. Jake, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this. But Tristan, what do you think, man? Uh, James Gunn, what would it take for this guy to come back and work with Marvel Studios again, uh, Marvel Studios again, post Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Um, it's going to take Disney to become Warner Brothers, pretty much. <laughs> I think he really enjoyed the fact that he worked for a studio that gave, you know, all the freedom in the world to him. You know, um, he said it was the best experience he's ever had working on a film. And he went out of his way to, to make that clear. I think he was signaling to Disney, you know, that that Warner Brothers just treated him much better. And you have to be a little salty about the way they embarrassed him like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Billy, I want to know. <laughs> that was fucking good, Tristan. Oh, my God. That was fucking good. Billy, thoughts on this, man? No, I, I actually am kind of of the similar opinion. It Obviously, you have to consider the history here with James Gunn and how he was unceremoniously let go and it seems obviously a lot of that seems that it was politically motivated. Um, it also, you have to kind of see the state of affairs right now with Disney, uh, obviously with Bob Chappick taking over and that transition with, um, Iger leaving from what you see. And if you follow any of the kind of like industry insider stuff, the business stuff, it seems from at least what people are, the people I trust that I follow, it seems that they're leading more towards the, Disney structure being more like the distributors and more bureaucracy led as opposed to being creative first. I mean, Bob Iger, you know, when he took over, he brought Alan Horn in. Alan Horn was a respected movie producer involved in the business. When Chappick, all the, the hires that apparently he's making right now are a lot more business oriented and more focused, like I said, on like the distribution side. So, like Tristan was saying, he had such a great experience on Suicide Squad that he literally took John Cena as making an original show for HBO Max. So there would have to be something – he'd have to be given almost this level of freedom. No one's going to give given like the Feige level of freedom, but this level of assurance that he's going to be left alone that I don't really even think that they can give him. So what, what I wanted to kind of like ask you guys based off of this was, you know, he's been very adamant about this being the end of these Guardian stories, but – do you believe that like none of those characters would be involved in the MCU going forward? We're not going to see Star Lord or Gamora or any of them. Uh, we'll in see. The future? We'll see some and of them. them. We'll see yeah. some of them, but we're not going to see the team as it is now. Um, even in the comics, the team changes. Like one of the most recent iterations of the Guardians of the Galaxy, Venom was part of the team. 
So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that they could do uh, in the MCU going forward. We're going to talk about Drax and Batista statements here in a moment. But, um, and in James Gunn's defense, he's been saying this type of shit since before he got fired. Like, he's been yeah. saying that if he did a movie four, it would be a drastically different team. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So this isn't really, like, new information as far as, I mean, you know, what would happen. So I, I believe what he says when he says this is the last iteration of this team, because that's always been the plan. It's not just, it didn't just become the plan because he's coming back to do one last movie. Yeah. And if you look at Marvel, too, I mean, they're working things out in trilogies. You know, it's basically Thor who's the only one that's getting the fourth film. And I think he's only getting the fourth film because he kind of had like a, a rebirth. <laughs> yeah. sense, you know? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's, it's like, he has like a renewed popularity. So I mean, I Thor's think... only had two movies. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the last right. one and the one coming out. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, I think in general, I think they're just going to stop them at trilogies and then maybe just shake things up. And I basically had the same like joke as as Tristan, just a little bit of a different setup. I was going to say it's going to take Disney to buy Warner Brothers for James Gunn to come back. So yeah, I don't think it's happening. We we've had this discussion before, and um, I know Rebecca thinks that there is a possible chance of it, but I, I just see no way in hell that James Gunn wants anything to do with this after he he wants to come finish his thing that he started because he, he very much loves it still. But after that, it's I'm gone. Did you guys see like uh the article of like he's doing the Peacemaker series with John Cena? Oh yeah. And he was teasing to fans. He says, You have no idea what's coming. Like he's just uh, get uh, he's getting he's just getting fans feverish about this shit. Yeah, he says <laughs> uh so Steve Agee uh says, Happy Friday, just finished a great week. Steve Agee who's working on um uh, who worked on um on uh Suicide Squad movie. I think, did he, did Steve Agee do the, did he do the body work for King Shark? Or am I crazy here? Like the, the mo, the mo, the mocap for Steve, for, for. I'm trying to look it up. Yeah. I'm going to say you're crazy. (laughs) Well, Steve Agee's involved in the Suicide Squad. I just thought that he wasn't doing a voice. I thought he was doing the mocap for. Yeah, it says Steve Agee. For, he's, he's doing the mocap for King Shark? Yeah, so he said he was the onset motion capture performance. Yeah, fuck you, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, Steve Agee tweeted, Happy Friday, just finished a great week working with James Gunn and the Peacemaker team. Some awesome, uh, Some awesomeness was made. And then James Gunn responded to this, and he says, people have no idea what's coming, hashtag peacemaker. And it's just like, oh, my God, dude. If James Gunn is, like, super, like, fucking, like, hyped for this, like, you have no idea what's coming. It's like he knows he's got a fucking hit on his hands. He knows he's got a fucking hit on his hands with the Suicide Squad. He fucking knows people are going to love Peacemaker. He fucking knows that this Peacemaker show is going to be incredible. I think – I honestly think, like, this – I. Yeah, Jake, Tristan, Billy, I think like this is, I hope that James Gunn kind of like sticks with Warner Brothers and sticks with making movies with them. Cause I would love to see him, um, 
I mean, we need some really good fucking movies coming out of Warner Brothers. We do. I was going to say the same thing. Warner Brothers needs him way more than fucking Disney. Yeah, yeah. I, I they need like this. I think this is going to be a big shot in the arm for them. I mean, this is this is going to be good. This is going to be. I'm really looking. Warner forward Brothers to this. gave him permission to kill uh, Harley Quinn if he wanted to. Yeah, I mean, that's how I much buy that shit. They, they told just him. Said that they told the him he could have Superman I, if he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> All Batmans, every Batman. Jake, they'd put, they just put Harley in a Lazarus pit and bring her back, dude. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, it's fucking comic books. They'll figure out a way. Yeah, or they would just say it was a different Earth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, IGN had an article titled "Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 Will Probably Be the End of Drax." Dave Batista says, goes on to say, "Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is due out on May 5th, 2023." But Batista says he's unlikely to appear as Drax in any other form beyond that, including a spinoff movie. Quote, there were talks for a while about a Drax and Mantis film, Batista said, referencing the comedic relationship between the overly blunt Drax and the naive Mantis played by Plum, uh, Plum Clementif. It was really because it was James Gunn's idea. He really wanted to do a Drax and Mantis film. He laid it out to me. I thought it was such a brilliant idea, but I haven't heard any follow-up from the studio. I don't think they're very interested, or it doesn't fit into the way they have things mapped out. But other than that, no. I mean, as far as my obligations, I've got Guardians 3, and that's probably going to be the end of Drax. Also, he tweeted... Drax isn't going anywhere. He just won't be played by this dude. By the time G3 comes out, I'll be 54 years old, for God's sake. I'm expecting everything to start sagging any second now. Um, Joe Blow asked him if there's room for a TV series, and Batista told Joe Blow, quote, not a chance in hell. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Joe Blow. Not a chance. <laughs> Not I think ch- his relationship with Disney is sagging after he was <laughs> shit talking them. <laughs> oh, James Gunn. He was the first guy to speak up and He's fucking a ride or die. He's a ride or die. Ride or yeah, die. He he, yeah, he is. First motherfucker to fucking speak up and and call out Disney on their bullshit. And so, yeah, he's the last guy to come back and uh, do any more movies for Disney. Um, and I think the only reason. He didn't uh, have a role in the Suicide Squad. I don't know if you guys read this or not, but uh, he he wanted to uh, he wanted to do the Army of the Dead movie with Netflix. He want, I and I think it's because yeah. he wants to have a relationship with Netflix. And I, I mean, they're going to give him a media role. So and you know, honestly, he wants to, he's, there's been lots of articles this week about how he wants to make movies too, and he's trying to wind down his acting career in general. Because hmm. he he would like to get behind the camera and make projects. Interesting. I, man, yeah, I'd have to see a Dave Batista directed movie before I could fucking, you know. I think like no, I'm I, I'm not clamoring for it, but I'm no, also I know. not saying it's going to be garbage. No, Batista Batista's just an ultimate ride or die. Like you said, now he he's got James Gunn. He's ride or dying with. He's going with Snyder now. He's going to go with these guys that, like you said, whether he's acting or wants to help produce or just do something behind the scenes. He's a professional ride or die, and he's it's smart. I mean, he really is. He's using some of his professional wrestling and his heel and faction moves right now, and he's making sure that he gets himself lined up and takes care of himself, which I, I think is smart. And like I said, I think Dave Batista is a good guy overall. He's so. a n- super awesome dude. Like Jake, I I wrote like 
um, a review for one of his movies and I gave it a fresh rating and I, you know, I sent it to Rotten Tomatoes and posted it. I sent it to Dave Batista. Dave Batista retweeted that article that I wrote. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. Is it Stuber? Stuber. Yeah. I love Stuber. Yeah. Stuber was fun. Stuber's funny. I love Stuber. And so, you know, um, Dave Batista, like, you know, and that that movie was kind of getting ripped up by some of the critics, and I I think they're wrong. I think it was a very funny movie, and um, so yeah, I, I was, it really reminded me of a '90s type of comedy. Oh man, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. Um, James Gunn responded to Dave Bautista's comments on not returning, and he says, "There's no Drax for me without you, buddy." You are the MCU's Drax the Destroyer, and as far as I am concerned, could never be replaced. And you have the right to do whatever you want with your acting choices. I love those Well, two. I hope he actually destroys something in, in the third one, because he hasn't been much of a destroyer. What? Well, that wasn't that like the, kind of the gist of the article. He's like, he really hasn't been able to show that part of the character. So, like, it, 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 I don't know. I kind of like this take. I mean, every mm. take doesn't have to be... Like like super like nuts to the comics, but I kind of liked that this was a more comedic take. I mean, what do you guys think? I liked how he wasn't the first one a little better because it was the balance between the the comedy and and the action. I think in the second one, it was just mainly him just making quips. Yeah, I could see that. There was definitely the threat of violence in the first one that was kind of absent from the second one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, when do we get to see the Destroyer? Yeah, that's kind of a slight against his buddy James Gunn when he's saying stuff like that. A little bit. Yeah, why didn't you fucking write me as a Destroyer, James? <laughs> yeah, why'd you make me a fucking pussy? Why'd you make me a fucking <laughs> pussy? <laughs> that's, why, that's why I don't want to be in your Suicide Squad movie. Because you're going to fucking, I'm going to be in there for five minutes, you're going to blow my head off. Yeah, yeah, you're going to give me some badass name that I'm never going to fulfill. Right. I asked, I asked you to give me more of the Destroyer, you put me in a goddamn Christmas special, James. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait for the Christmas special. That's going to be, that's going to be something special, I think. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, last Marvel story I got here, and take this with a grain of salt, because it's it's someone claiming to be working on the set of Spider-Man No Way Home. And this is from Reddit. Oh. This is from Reddit user TJ1985, and the, he starts off. He or she starts off with saying, "I'm working on Spider-Man: No Way Home." And yes, Andrew and Toby are returning, despite denials. First of all, yes, this is a new throwaway account. In case you were wondering, I'm a part of one of the various VFX companies working on No Way Home. We're all working incredibly hard. Many of us still at home. I just wanted to make this post to say, yes, enough is enough. Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are in Spider-Man No Way Home. The reason I'm posting about it is simply because all this denying very badly on the actor's sides is hard to watch when the fan base aren't idiots and know very well they're returning. I can tell you for a fact from me, a random person, sure, but I've been working nonstop on a huge sequence for the past two months. I've been doing nothing but compositing all three Spider-Men in the same shots together alongside Electro in a fight sequence atop a certain statue. 
I don't know story beats. I'm not that kind of guy in this process. I just basically get muted video files and I'm told by the leads what my assignment is. This, hold on. First off, I'm going to stop right there. There's a little bit more here. I'm going to stop right here. That is 100% true to what some of these VFX, uh, you know, people that are involved in VFX and, and things like that. That is 100% true as to like what they get. They might just get muted shots, m- muted video files, and mm-hmm. they see what's going on, but they're not hearing everything. That is, that sounds legit. That's why I'm, I'm that's why I, I, I'm saying take this with a huge grain of salt because this is just a random Reddit user, but it's got a lot of traction on MCU leaks. And so I did want to read this. I don't know if it's 100% true, but a lot of the stuff that this person is saying is lining up with how they do things in the business. Um, article goes on to say, but I just want to confirm that, yes, no matter how much they deny it, until the trailer drops or the movie releases, the original two Spideys are back in the upcoming Spider-Man flick. As to the amount of screen time they have, it seems substantial. Given the sheer size of the stuff me and my team have been working on with all three of them united, I'm honestly extremely excited to see it all finished myself as a fan, and I'm sure all of the big fans out there, especially those who grew up on the classic Spidey films, will love this one based on the fact of these two actors' return, uh, two actors' returns alone. Stay healthy, everyone. I'm out for now. And that was a Reddit post. <laughs> oh, I, Jake, I know, I know. Dude, I would rather post something like this than from something from We Got This Covered. Like, I know this is from a MCU leaks, Reddit, subreddit, but man, sometimes you gotta go to those threads, and dude, there have been times. And Jake, if you go back and you listen to our uh, Avengers Endgame spoiler episode, a lot of the stuff that happened in the actual movie Avengers Endgame that we spoiled on that episode came from Reddit, man. And this could be, this could be legit, man. I don't see any way around this. Dude, they have to be showing up in this movie, and maybe this person doesn't work for Sony or whatever. Even that aside, I still think that these two actors are showing up in this fucking movie. I 100% agree. I've never wavered on this. I they're going to be fucking in it. It's just all signs point to yes. I I won't believe they're not in it until they're officially not in it, but I'm like 99.6% sure they're going to be in the movie. Yeah. Now, Billy, I know yeah. on Scene Invaders, you are a big proponent of, like, you don't look up spoilers and blah, 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 blah. Jake, me and Jake, we look up spoilers all day long. <laughs> That's – we love to do that. And honestly, I'm going to go – I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to throw this out there. I don't think that rumored leaks ruin a movie at all. I think going into the movie, we still don't know what's going to happen. And I think it adds to the experience of finding out what's real, what's not real. And my mind is still, my mind was still blown when fucking Captain America picked up Mjolnir. My mind, it doesn't matter how many fucking times I read it on Reddit. My mind was still blown when fucking Chris Evans fucking summoned Mjolnir. And the whole fucking theater erupted in Endgame. It didn't matter that I had already heard that this happened. It didn't matter that I heard that fucking Hulk had his arm fucked up and all this shit, man. Jake, we 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 had a 
bunch of fucking like rumors that we read during that uh, Endgame spoiler episode, and some of them didn't happen. Some of them did happen. But Jake, did it affect your viewing experience at all? No, not at all. Not at all. Billy, I know that you don't look into these spoilers, and I'm not like this is not a slight on you, even though you were shitty to me earlier in the episode. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. This is. <laughs> But man, like, like, okay, what? Okay, let, I'll, let me just get your thoughts on this. As somebody who's like not looking into like the spoilers of Spider-Man: No Way Home, what are your thoughts? Like, are you in the camp of like, yeah, of course, like we fucking these guys are going to be showing up in this movie, or do you think that like this is not this is something that's not going to be happening? It's a swerve. No, 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 no. So. So just like to kind of like clarify my stance in general, I mean, we've seen things, anything that's reported on a real like a Hollywood reporter variety, things like that. I don't consider that spoilers or inside information. And we've seen a lot of that speculation and that kind of stuff on the official trade. So more so what I what we kind of talk about, like on Scene Invaders and more even specifically when we talk about like the YouTube shows, we do a couple of series where it's basically instant reactions and we want to react to what we just see. And even just outside of like the MCU, if you really want to look up anything for a lot of shows, you can get a lot of behind the scenes production spoilers, things like that. So my my stance more so goes based off of now. And it's it's interesting because it's shifted since I've gotten into the, the content creation world is depending upon how I intend on covering that or intend upon reacting or having like the audience or my friends hear my reactions. That's kind of where I. I base my my, my um, stance on spoilers. I mean, as far as comic book movies and things like that, a lot of this stuff, there are basic frameworks that we know of and a lot of these storylines. So none of these things are super spoilers. Nothing has really happened in the MCU. It's just like even like The Walking Dead. I, I, I really enjoy The Walking Dead, and but I've read the comic book series all the way through. I, I really enjoy Invincible, but I'm past – the the show at in the points of the comic so again my thing really just comes i think now based off of where my perspective is on how i want to cover it i don't think i I agree with you i you can tell me i grew up in a house where my dad was the classic you'd be like 10 minutes into seeing a movie for the first time that he really wants to show you and he tells you where it's going and how this guy's gonna die later and stuff so i've learned at a young age to not let that ruin my experience but again it really just comes based off of my like perspective on how i want to like cover stuff my dad did my dad does the same thing to me he still does it to this fucking day and he did it with sports too like i would be working i would record like a basketball game i'd come home (laughs) nobody spoiled the basketball game and my dad fucking calls me i pick up the phone because it's your parents you like what's going on like is you know are they are they okay and my dad's like ah so what'd you think about that bulls game Man, I can't believe it. And then it's like, oh, fuck. You just ruined the Bulls-Knicks game. <laughs> I've been waiting all day for the Bulls-Knicks game. I recorded this thing. And now I know that the Bulls win in fucking overtime. God damn it, Dad. <laughs> I I get that. And I'm not saying that you're, like, opposed to, like, the spoilers and stuff. But, I mean, there are people that – and I, I – Everybody does it differently. I'm not, I'm not here to dictate like this is how sh- everyone should watch movies. There's people that don't watch any trailers or they'll watch the first trailer and they're done after that. I tried it for one movie. I watched the first trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home and then I said, you know what? I'm going to avoid all the rest of the trailers and see if this affects my viewing of this movie. Jake, it didn't. 
it didn't affect it at all. I remember that actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm done with that, man. And, and honestly, like if, if I can find out spoilers for the next star Wars movie or spoilers for the next Avengers movie or spoilers for black widow, I want to read them. I don't know if they're hundred percent true. So going into the movie, it's not going to ruin my experience. I'm still hyped for these fucking movies. And I think honestly, Jake, sometimes it's enhanced my viewing of these movies, knowing kind of like what's going to happen. I don't know. And I, I, Jake, I think you're on the same page with me when it comes to that. Oh kind yeah. Of yeah. I, we, we've had this discussion a lot. I agree a hundred percent. It's kind of, once you get past some of that stuff, you can kind of focus on all this other stuff. So it yeah. just like makes the experience even that much more like just awe inspiring, you know, you can just take, take in a little bit more of like the sounds and the effects and the music and the cinematography right. when you're not just so laser focused on plot points yeah. the first time you watch it. Yeah. So question, um, wonder woman 84, you guys knew that, story beat for beat right before yeah. seeing it yeah 100 yeah. percent. yeah so like when it was going the direction that you knew it was going was that like disappointing like oh shit this is actually going to happen here's the thing tristan like they had different um audiences watch this the first showing that they had people were like ah, i don't like this then they showed it again and audiences said they enjoyed it and then they showed it a third time and audience is they they didn't like it so it was like i didn't know what to expect i know reading the spoilers that i read that were out there i didn't like it i i didn't like it yeah. it sounded ridiculous and then when i watched the movie it wasn't as good as we all hoped that a sequel would be um but um it it, it didn't enhance an already bad script sadly yeah. so <laughs> If that makes I any think sense. like the most recent example of that, like we were discussing, and, it, and it's more, it's not as much so like the actual spoilers. And like you said, you're, you don't have your experiences are ruined if you, you think something's going to happen and it doesn't. I think the the most like recent example we were kind of laughing about on Scene Invaders was it was the Mephisto stuff. And you know, we've all memed the hell out of it, but during WandaVision, <laughs> we all know that we were, it's not that like we, we knew, but it was very heavily reported by a lot of outlets. Like that's where we're going, that's where we're going. And I think it's, it's the idea of like some people, their experience is affected by expectation. You know, not all of us are, but some people are. And I think we've seen that in a lot of problems, but that was the most recent one to get it. I think it's more fun than anything, but it it can affect some people's viewing. You know, you said you can't dictate how certain people will see, but some people do get super upset when they are, they're told, you know what? We do trust these spoilers. Fine. We don't love that we're spoiled, but like, can't wait to see this. And then it's almost like the double whammy when they don't see things that they're expecting. That's a great, that's a, honestly, that's, that's a perfect example. Yeah. Of where it kind of, and I'll be honest, it did kind of bite me, man. Cause like, that's where I was. I thought that's where they were going a hundred percent Mephisto. Cause they teased so many different things and Remember it, the pops that we saw? Like yeah, pops with Mephisto. And yeah, they had uh, Speed and Wicked and yeah. all that. Yeah, people just making shit just to throw people off. Right, a hundred percent. They were doing that, and <laughs> wow. you know, I mean, yeah, it, it it threw me off, and it did affect. It didn't affect like the overall kind of experience that I had with it, but it did affect like how I view how these creators will put in. Um, Easter eggs and all these things and then kind of like pull the rug out from under you. Cause they can say that they never had those intentions at all, but that's a hundred percent bullshit. Yeah. It's a hundred percent bullshit. 
with like some of the Easter eggs that they were throwing into these episodes. And, and I feel like the intent was to kind of like get, you know, comic book fans riled up and thinking that there is a, a bigger kind of like villain. Um, and there was, I mean, you know, we find out that it was Agatha all along, but, um, <laughs> It was, it was never Mephisto. And they, it's not like it was just Jake. It's not like it was just PCL that was fooled. Um, oh I, no. I started listening the last two or three weeks that WandaVision was out. I was like, what are other, I, I, am I crazy? I, I, am I the only one thinking that this is legit Mephisto? And I'm still holding on to this. I, am I crazy? So I started listening to, uh, Joanna Robinson's podcast that she did, um, about WandaVision. Joanna Robinson, writer for Variety, very highly educated and, uh, you know, uh, very good when it comes to podcasting. Dude, down to like the last week, she's still preaching Mephisto. And so I'm like, oh my God, so I'm not crazy. There are other people out there that are, that are still in the same Mephisto camp. And so I think, you know, um, but over, I still did love WandaVision, but it, dude, it did kind of like, I was a little upset when it wasn't Mephisto, but a little bit of a deflated, de- deflated balloon effect. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, but you know, I still, overall, I still, man, I still look back fondly on WandaVision, WandaVision. I, I oh, loved, yeah. uh, the, my second rewatch was even better than the first because like going back and watching like old scenes where you're like, now mm-hmm. you know what's going on and you see like some of the people within the town of Westville and like the way that they're acting and stuff like that. It all kind of makes sense. So it is, you know, I think Jack Schaefer did a amazing job with the show and, and Matt Shackman did a, a great job with the show overall and yeah. like, there's a lot of care and uh, uh, attention to detail especially like when they were doing those episodes you know with the old sitcoms and shit like that I think that you know there's a lot of care and a lot of time and effort put into like the authenticity of like how that all looked and you got to appreciate that, man. It's such a departure from like what we get in Falcon Winter Soldier, but Falcon Winter Soldier was so good too. I can't wait for fucking Loki. June guys, June, we're, we're a month away. Less than a month. Less than a month. Yeah, man. I'm pumped to know we're getting what if in August now too. I I'm very excited for that. Oh my God. Um, the, uh, I wonder when they're going to place the Chadwick Boseman black Panther episode. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that's, if they led with that. Yeah, that I, think that's like gonna, I think that is the first episode. If I, I think I heard that. Is somewhere. it? Is it? What if Black Panther was Star Lord? Is that what it is? That is yeah, what it what is. If, what if uh, Yondu uh, took T'Challa as a child? Yeah, yeah. Do, do do you think that they will like with these Marvel shows at least for now? Will they keep them on that Wednesday? Like the Loki show will be, where it be like, oh, if there's not a Star Wars show, then it'll be Friday. But if there's already a Star or vice versa, if there's already a Marvel show that's airing on Friday and a new Star Wars is going to air, will they move those to Wednesdays? Yeah. Do you think they'll kind of make Marvel a Wednesday day and Star Wars a Friday day, or what? I think they're just testing it out. Yeah, I, I yeah. think they're just testing the waters to see if it changes download numbers to have it on a Wednesday day as opposed to a friday i like it yeah, i like I also, it i also thought because the movies are coming into play now i think they want to reserve thursday and friday nights for those movies to be like the big thing um because there's going to be some overlap on some of them that's a great point you, yeah. you know you staying home and watching a marvel show when you're supposed to be out watching shang chi you're right, right. I, I was thinking to my i was thinking like oh yeah well you know like netflix drops a lot of new stuff on friday all their new stuff typically comes out on friday like 
Um, you know, they'll have stuff come out during the week, but like the big stuff comes out on Friday and HBO Max is Thursday. But what you're saying as far as like the movie releases, that makes perfect sense to keep it away from the Thursday and Friday releases. That way people are, they're getting, yeah, can like, you imagine it's like, like there's an episode dropping on the same night that Black Widow comes out or something. It's like, what yeah. do you do in that situation? Yeah, 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 absolutely. They'll well, never know. be able to perfectly plan them all around, especially, say, a year or two from now when Star Wars and the MCU are both in full swing and they both have you know multiple series and movies a year. They're going to have to interlap. I mean, I, I'd be very impressed if they were able to sparse it out where they had gap weeks and things. But <laughs> Check this out, dude. Check this out. Jake. In July, we're halfway through 2021, right? Mm-hmm. We st- we got four movies, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's been so long since we had any. Hold on, but but in six months we get four. But we're, it's not even like remember that year like we had like Captain Marvel in March. You know, we had another movie coming out a few months later, and then, it, dude, this is like this is not even that. This is this is like. This is four movies in the span of like five, six months. This is, this is, this is, we're getting, we're, we're getting fucking July, early July, Black Widow, early September, uh, Shang-Chi. Yes, I know it's Shang-Chi, but I've been saying Shang-Chi for 30 years. I'm sorry. And until the movie comes out, I'll probably continue to say Shang-Chi. Once the movie comes out and everybody's calling him Shang-Chi, I'll flip over to Shang-Chi like everybody else. But for 30 years, Jake, I've been calling him Shang-Chi and it's, it's just kind of like, like there was that time where it was like, is it Thanos or Thanos? And we didn't know. Yeah, same. It's going to be a hard transition. Eventually, I'll make it, but it ain't happening today. Yeah. And then Eternals, man. Eternals. And then in December, like, and then in December, we're getting fucking, uh, No Way Home. This is, this is, this is, this is insane. Well, also, too, I mean, depending on how we're seeing how this relationship goes, but we had that we had the trailer this week for uh, Venom, too, and that's this fall as well. So depending on how they're going to cross over the spider characters, I mean, you have five. I mean, that's that's outrageous. Oh, my God. And fuck it. When's Morbius come out? When does Morbius come out? They pushed Morbius back again. Well, it was, but I think they January nineteenth, January nineteenth of twenty twenty two for Morbius. Yeah, they pushed that the same time they pushed uh, Uncharted. That that was like in the same announcement. Mm. You guys are talking about these movies, like what four or five movies coming out for Marvel? Four and four, right? Yeah, and we're still getting. Uh, two, no, three series, three series. We've right? got Hawkeye. We've got Hawkeye. Yeah. Hawkeye, Miss Marvel, Marvel, and Loki all this year, at least. And then, like, that's gonna, when does Moon Knight and She Hulk come out? That's all next, next year. year. But, but yeah, that second half, that fourth quarter is going to be stacked. Moon Knight comes out sometime in 2022. They don't have a, an official release date. Uh, she Hulk. Uh, release date is going to be sometime in 2022, not an official. Um, they say that the show will commence, re- filming for the show will commence in March 2021, so it's already started, and that suggests a 2022 release date for She-Hulk. Tatiana Maslany. They, they tried to deny, they tried to deny Tatiana Maslany, Jake. And yeah, like, we never bought that. <laughs> we never bought that shit either. 
No, yeah. Well, what else just, can they say when they're asked? You know, it's, they have to. They've they signed say? NDAs. They have to. And, and Andrew Garfield, even if he's on a podcast talking with these guys, he has to fucking play it off. Not a uh, lie. Unless you're Mark Ruffalo or Tom Holland or Alfred Molina, who's so old he don't give a shit anymore. You gotta say <laughs> you gotta say that you're not involved in this shit. Alfred Molina is just like fuck it, yeah, man. He's like, remember that remember that scene in Spider Man Two where I'm drowning? That's where the, they pull me out of the water. Somebody, somebody pulls me out of the water. It's so I totally funny. survived. I survived. It's so funny you just said that. It's in my head when he like was kind of like talking about it, not worrying about it. In my head, I'm like, they're gonna revive him out of the water. But he knows that at the end of this movie, he's drowning in the water again. He's pissed off. He's like, you brought me back to drown me again. I don't give a shit. I'm telling you, I'm back in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Do me like that. I'll do you like this. (laughs) Mm. I cannot wait for Spider-Man. No way home. Oh, my God. I can't. Jake. Do you think it's going to be overload having all this? Do you think we're going to get fatigued? (sighs) I mean, it depends on if the stuff's good or not. I don't think we'll be fatigued. If the material's good. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 mean I, I can't see it being bad. I think they're just too careful. I was watching this amazing interview with uh, Malcolm Spellman on uh, Batman and Batman with Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah. And, and they were talking to him about the Falcon and Winter Soldier. And one line that he says in there is he says, he said, I got in there and I, I, I witnessed the Marvel machine and how it works. And he said, and you guys, this is not luck. Like, this is not a fluke. Like, they know what they're doing. Yeah. They know how to make these good. There's a mar- – well, there's a formula. It's a Marvel formula. And it doesn't matter yeah. – it doesn't matter who they get in there now. It's like you're not set up to fail. It's – you're set up to succeed. Well he, well, he also explained that, you know, in general, a movie will get one exec from the studio that's assigned to, like, the writer's room to make sure everything is going – properly mm-hmm. um they give two execs to uh the writer's room to make sure that everything is going properly but there are also execs that are creatives too that are like big comic book fans and and know the material inside and out and could write the damn thing themselves that's but like the difference. they're doing things every they're doing everything different and they're going against the grain of like the way hollywood has done shows they don't have a showrunner they have what's called a head writer um the showrunner if you want to get serious like who is the showrunner on all of these it's kevin feige it's not it's it's not matt shackman um you know for wandavision it's he's head writer or you know jack schaefer it's 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 not malcolm spellman they, they're the they're the head writer they're not the showrunner the showrunner is kevin feige and that's that's different that's different than the way hollywood is doing it anywhere else and so you know they're the most successful movie studio of, in history. I they mean, are pound, just pound for pound. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. Yeah, that's not a short on 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 Spellman either. I mean that's the same insert with James Gunn insert with the Russo brothers. Now saying they had a lot more, you know, probably control of their characters, but at the end of the day, it ends with Foggy. So yeah, yeah. None of them could do anything that he didn't want them to do or say, "Hey, look, I want you to figure out the best way to get here." 
And well, that's what he let this. Well, you got to understand, like where Feige came from, it was like his voice was not heard for years. Like this yeah. guy was working with, you know, Brian Singer on the X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, you know, when 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 he's telling Brian Singer, ah, maybe we should do this. And Brian Singer's like, no, no, we shouldn't do that. He's taking note of like what's working, what's not working. And he's a fan of all this shit. And so finally, when he gets a chance to fucking like do things the way he wants to do things, like he gets it and he plans this shit fucking years in advance. Like we talked last week, Jake, about that Redditor, um, that posted that, uh, somebody from some outlet says like, you know, Feige has like the next fucking like 20 movies lined up. That we don't even – he's got 20 projects oh, yeah. lined up that we don't even know about, that they haven't even you announced. Should, you should see uh, during the uh, WandaVision press junket how his eyes just kept rolling in the back of his head when people would ask him about X-Men and Wolverine because he's like, <laughs> I got like 50 fucking characters coming before that. You know? Yeah. Mean, he knows when that's all going to fall into place. Jake, we were – No, I'm saying like, Jake, we were one of the only podcasts that were saying like, as soon as like Disney acquired, uh, the, you know, the Fox universe, me and you were literally, I don't know. I can't talk for every podcast, but me and you were the only podcast that were saying like, we were saying Feige's going to finish the phase four that he had planned. He's not going to jump into the X-Men universe right now. We're going to have to wait on that. And we, we we were saying like we we would be surprised if we saw any of those characters show up yeah. in phase 4 and we kind of stuck to our guns have on to that. to jump into that. Oh, like, for sure. And that not not only do we think that would happen. I mean, honestly, that's what we preferred to happen. Or I know for sure it's what I preferred to happen. Oh, me too. I really thought it would all benefit from a pause. I didn't think that we would, I didn't, I, I never thought that like, you know, I, I we are going to see these things. We are going to see, trust me guys, we're going to see Wolverine's claws again. We're going to see Storm. We're going to see Colossus. We're going to see all these characters, Nightcrawler. We're going to see them all. Maybe a good Cyclops. <laughs> me, okay. Don't get, don't knock James Marsden, sir. <laughs> no, it's not knocking no, him, but they didn't give him a lot. I, to say, I, I get it. Written I know. Yeah. I get it. I 100% get that, man. Cause like Cyclops in the comics can be a lot better. I like that. I like that conflicted Cyclops, Jake, man. I don't like the Boy Scout, man. I like, and I know people are going to disagree with me here. I like a conflicted Cyclops. No, I agree with you. That's when he's the most interesting by far. And I think we'll see that because one of the biggest storylines in the comics in the last decade was the Avengers versus X-Men yes. storyline. And they're yeah. obviously going to do some form of that in the movies. And that, that pretty much involves Cyclops being a villain. Do you think that AVX could be an Avengers flagship film? Yes. Do, okay, hold on. Definitely. Do you think that it could be the flagship flagship film? Do you think that they could do – do you think that that's what it would lead up to, Jake? Do you think that possibly Kevin Feige is going to give us maybe another Avengers movie, an X-Men movie, and then like that leads up to an AVX? I, I think that's very possible. I, I see AVX as being the next end game, way more than any other storyline. Even with the Secret Wars, mm. like they're kind of alluding to, with like Rudy. I wouldn't be surprised if Secret Wars was a Disney Plus series at this point. Oh, uh, after. Not, huh. Yeah. Has to, I, I could see a lead up 
to Secret Wars on Disney Plus, but um, you would think that would just be a big event film. Well, but Battle World. And everybody thought. Yeah. We all thought Secret Invasion would be a movie as well. You're right. Yeah. Even in the yeah, comics, right. though, Secret Wars is kind of this closeted thing. It's like every everyone gets shut off from their current storylines and gets put into this other storyline. It's well, not so much a continuation. It did like things came out of it that were canon, but it was very much in its own little bubble. Don't you think you'd be able to expand on Secret Wars more in a series than you would be able to do it in a movie? Are you talking original Hickman, like original Secret Wars or Hickman? Original Secret Wars. Okay. Original Secret Wars. Okay. See, I think they might more go like the Hickman route, like the new, the new Secret Wars, more like that Battle World esque. But I would love. Yeah, I would love to see that, and I, I think like if you like the current X Men stuff, I would love to see the Avengers versus X Men stuff, and then have that spin off to the current stuff or like the Krakoa stuff. I think that would be really cool on screen to have the the mute like a mutant home nation stuff. I, I think that would be really wild. Yeah, I would love to see Krakoa on the big screen. That would be fucking awesome. When it comes to AVX, though, I don't think it'll have anything to do with the Phoenix. No, I think Phoenix I, I is do taboo. Want to- I do want them to do Phoenix proper, though, because it's been fucked up so many times now. But the thing is, like, with AVX, like, that's kind of like how AVX starts. Like, the Phoenix splits off into five different entities, and... They're hunting them down. It's who can get them first. Well, it's well, it splits off into five different entities, and then it goes into different X-Men. Like, Namor has one of them, and I'm trying to think of, like... So they all have, they're all like Phoenix Force powered, um, you know, super, uh, superhumans. Like it's Namor. I'm trying to think of who else got the power of the Phoenix. There's five of them and it splits off. And, um, I, I got, I got to read AVX again. Yeah, it's a it's a quick read. It's twelve yeah. issues, but it's a quick, fun read. Doesn't yeah. Cyclops get it? Because doesn't that end up killing him? Is, I, am I mixing that up? I think you're right. I think Cyclops. Uh, I'd have to look. Yeah, it up he that. had it in uh, Secret Wars. Yeah, it doesn't kill him in that series, but later on down the line, right? Mm, I think because it kills the, him the, in the, the series. Big, doesn't the big it? death that series is Professor X. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who dies yeah. for like the third time? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're getting into the weeds. We're getting into the weeds. Let's, uh, we need to read AVX again and come back and talk about that. <laughs> can we but, take a quick break? I, I could use a bathroom and a coffee. Honestly, yeah. Let's take a quick break and we're going to finish up with, uh, DC news. And I got one thing for Star Wars and that's it. All right. Hey, we are back. It is now time for DC news. Last night. Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. Hold on, before we get to DC News, I got, Jake, I got my first, uh, COVID vaccination on, uh, Tuesday. Oh, how'd it go? It went, it went really well. It went really well. And I was like, you know what? This guy that's administering the shot. I said, I'm going to give this guy a story. Everybody, everybody wants a story. Everybody wants a story. You know, you get home from work and stuff like that. You want a story to tell the family. You know what I mean? So I'm going to give this guy a story. I'm going to make his day. And so when he gave, when he gave me the shot, the vaccination shot, I, uh, I let out, <laughs> I let out a moan. I went, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
<laughs> and then I, I kind of clutched the table with my right hand. Uh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't do that. That's fucked up. <laughs> oh, boo. oh, you wanted it to be true? <laughs> I did. I, did. <laughs> I felt like I was making everybody uncomfortable. I was like, oh, man, I, I got to tell you guys that that didn't happen. <laughs> oh, I hit, I hit mute. I was laughing so hard. I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> no. Well, uh, I don't know if anyone's been listening to this whole episode, but I'm being very careful with my giggle placement now. So. Oh, oh, you got to bring that up, huh? <laughs> we, we literally just had a talk off air that, that that I was not offended by anything that you said. <laughs> you got giggle PTSD. I know, I know. I got the giggles. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm scared to even talk about anything personal now with you. Because you'll just fucking shit on it. Like, I'll talk, like, I start bringing up, like, the day I found out, like, my, my grandmother died or something. Over there, you're over there just fucking, like, you know, fucking chuckling. Yeah, I'd be like, God, get over it. Like, like, 10 minutes ago. How, she was, she was fucking 88, dude. Dude, she was old. I'm sure she was, I'm sure she was alright. Like, whatever. <laughs> you are a cold-hearted son of a bitch, Billy. You know, it's, you know, South, South Philadelphia is strong at raised. I, I'm, I'm very much like, you know, uh, my, my brother Joel Kenneman and Brothers by Blood. Just, oh, really like, God. Down by the streets, you know. You gotta bring up that fucking movie again. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't actually. I, I mentioned it to Jake and Tristan off air, but um, when during Spiral they were doing, they do those like transitional shots of the city, and obviously they never specified where they were. It always said Metro Police, but all of these shots they showed of like the city, uh, the like Metropolis was Center City, Philadelphia. So again, another pop culture appearance by me, where we have a a marginal quality movie set place in my hometown. It's great. What was the best? I'm, I'm curious, like, uh, because I was a, uh, like, what was the basketball fandom like in, uh, 2000 back when, uh, Iverson was fucking just, oh, like, man. So that's carrying tough. that team, dude. I mean, yes. I know they had a great team. They had a good team, but man, Iverson. Yeah, you, had, you had, like, Aaron McKee, George Lynch, um, Eric Snow. Eric Snow. Combo. Eric Snow. We yeah. traded Ratliff that season. Tony Kukoc. You know, the Bulls, you know, he was, he was on the 01 team. It was, I was, uh, jeez, so that was 2001, 2000. I, I was in sixth grade. It was, um, it was, it was cool. I can vividly remember that game one of that series, the only one that the Sixers won against the Lakers that yeah, year. Yeah. Uh, there was like a Phillies and another game going on the same time at home. So it was like a really active sports night. It was an awesome, awesome season. And obviously, yeah. I mean, depending on how people follow sports now, probably the best Sixers season since then so uh it's a big basketball town uh there's seven eight college basketball teams in Philadelphia itself there's a lot of inner city uh rivalries and stuff like that it's really cool so um that though the Tyron loose step like you know any guy I was just I about have, to mention that I have, <laughs> a, I, I have a t-shirt of the picture with him stepping over Tyron Lou and what's really cool about Tyron Lou obviously he went on to be a coach and things like that he's actually really cool about that moment he doesn't like hate on it yeah he, he's very embraces being part no, of that was that was a great moment for Tyron Lou because it put him at the the world stage for the first time um, when they had him guarding Iverson, because he was the only one that could guard him at that time. 
Yeah, very true. Yeah, and, I mean, it went well, on to work as, out for as far, them. as far as the Lakers were were concerned. Yeah, they couldn't guard him, and so they put Tyrone Lue on him. He was the only one that was quick enough. I met I met uh, Andre Iguodala's mom years ago. Oh, cool. She played. For, he played for the Sixers, didn't he? Yeah, Iguodala. So that was unfortunately for a Andre Iguodala. He was the next AI. Yeah, he was drafted. He was out of Arizona, like drafted like o two o three, basically right at the tail end of Iverson. Um, the thing too with Iverson though is he hangs around a lot now. I'll, I'll uh, tweet a picture out to you guys. I I had a I had season tickets with the Sixers and stuff for a while, even like during that process. And Iverson would come around a lot and take pictures with like season ticket holders and stuff. So I'll tweet you out a picture of me and Iverson. Fucking a, a man, nice. Yeah, he's a cool. He's deceptively taller though. We all say like he's so. Small, oh come on, man. He was like he was like wasn't he wasn't he six foot at least? He's like well they said he was like five eleven six foot, but I'm a solid over six foot like six six foot and a half inch six one and he's taller than me so like i was like surprised because of like how again you compare the nba players are saying he's small yeah. but like he's a bigger dude than people give him credit they lie about some of these players they said like uh they said they said rodman was six eight and i've heard he's six six <laughs> he's just got really long arms like longer arms, you know, like there's some players that had longer arms and that's why they were able to rebound so well. Like Elton Brand had super, you know, big hands, long arms. Same thing with like Robin. I heard Robin's six, six, not six, well, eight. El- yeah. Elton Brand, the current GM of the Sixers. Yeah. And, um, you want a real Tupperware, you want to talk about sports documentaries. They did one of those ESPN plus documentaries on Rodman. And you want to talk about the most honest documentary I've ever seen about a sports player. It has his family, co-player, you know, of uh, his uh, teammates, coaches, but oh, are really you talking about talk- the Iverson documentary? No, I'm talking about the Rodman one. Well, oh, the yeah, ones are great too. The Iverson um, one's great. It was on Netflix at one time. It's really fucking good. Yeah, there's a Rodman one on ESPN Plus that I saw recently. Yes. Oh, I haven't watched that one yet. Oh, I have man, to watch, watch that. It. 100% yeah. Tupperware. Anyone in? And it's very honest. Like he's very honest about himself. He, his kids are on it in there. It is – you're not going to leave that documentary and be like, yeah, Dennis Rodman's my dude. Like you'll still respect him as a player. I fucking love Dennis. I fucking yeah. love Dennis, what he did for Chicago. I think it's a fucking shame that they have not retired his jersey in oh, – that's criminal. Yeah, in the United cool. Center. Um, What's when, that about? When they did it, when they did it in uh, Detroit, I could tell – you could – I think – Every Chicago fan could tell that he would, he was, he loved the fact that they did it in Detroit, but he wants them to do it at the UC. Like he loved his time in Chicago. He loved Michael Jordan. He was, he was, Michael Jordan to him was like, he, he idolized Michael. I mean, then they talk about that in, in the last dance, but even especially in this Rodman one, that was besides Phil Jackson. I mean, he respected. Oh, he loved Phil. Phil would fucking Phil because Rodman was like notoriously late for practice. So Phil Jackson would pick up Dennis Rodman to take him to practice. <laughs> so great. He would pick him up to take him to practice, man. Um, I remember when he first joined the team, there was a time, I think it was during a uh, training camp, uh, a very brief training camp when they, but he would, uh, uh, him and Pippen, the, the two guys, Pippen and Jordan, the two guys that shot the most, they would have practices together where they would just shoot. And when Jordan would miss, he would know, you know, Jordan shot, he would get to know Pippen shot when they would miss. 
where that shot would go and he would be able to rebound it. Like this guy is. Yeah, that was his gift. He knew the trajectory of a miss yes, shot. Yes. Yes. Dennis Rodman, I think pound for pound and like inch for inch is the best rebounder the NBA has ever seen. I mean, people, I, you know, you could say, I mean, you could say Wilt Chamberlain, but man, Wilt Chamberlain was like seven foot and. I mean, you know, you're talking about a guy who is six seven, six eight at the most with Dennis Rodman. That guy was just, we're talking about basketball. I love basketball. Oh, so. Clearly. Oh, I love basketball too, man. Yeah. I mean, we could go, we could do a whole, I got a episode on just basketball stuff. Thank you me. for reminding me about that Dennis Rodman doc on ESPN plus. I got to watch that shit, man. So good, man. And it's like less than an hour, I think, or a little, it's, it's perfect length. It's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. DC news, suicide squad movie news from coming soon.net. James Gunn wrote King Shark with Sylvester Stallone in mind. When fans got their first look at James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, one of the things that immediately stood out was King Shark. In a recent interview with Den of Geek, Gunn spoke about the fan favorite and how he wrote the character with one actor and one actor only in mind. During the interview, Gunn said that he knew he wanted to use an animal for the film, and since King Shark was part of The Suicide Squad in the newer runs of comics, he chose him. When it comes to the character, he knew Sylvester Stallone was the perfect actor to portray him. Quote, strangely, as I've become more able to get whatever actor I want for roles in movies, I started taking risks and writing for actors that I don't know. So, for instance, I wrote Bloodsport for Idris Elba, having never met him, but being a big fan of his work in other places. And I knew Sly, and I know him pretty well. So I wrote the role of King Shark with his voice in mind. I've. I fucking love that they already have a relationship with, you know, Sylvester Stallone showing up in the Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I love that James Gunn just said, fuck it. I'm going to wrote, I'm going to write King Shark with Sylvester Stallone in mind. And boom, he gets Sylvester Stallone. Jake, we're getting Sylvester Stallone as King Shark, dude. Dude, dude, this is, <laughs> can you, <laughs> seriously, man, seriously, man. Uh, if you, dude, if you would have like, Go back and talk to like, you know, teenage versions of ourselves and tell, tell us that we're getting a fucking Suicide Squad movie and Sylvester Stallone's gonna be a fucking, you know what I mean? Like a, like, like a, a voice actor in one of these movies. This, this blows my mind. Yeah. I- it's crazy, like you said, that after one film, they have such a great working relationship where James Gunn can just say, Hey, do this role and he's like yes i'm in <laughs> yeah 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 and it, well and it's crazy to think that sylvester salone is going to be playing a shark <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love it i love it i love that um you know just that that, that they've got this relationship because like sylvester salone has so much going on right now he's like you know, God, the guy's in his seventies now and he's like, you know, he's, he's pumping out so much content right now. I feel like he wants to get it all out there before like he ends his career, before he retires himself. And, and, uh, it's just awesome that he found the time to, to do <laughs> this character of King Shark for this movie. I hope we get to see, I hope we get to see more. I, we, I haven't even seen Sylvester Stallone as King Shark and I know I'm going to love it. And I, I'm, I'm, I know instantly that I'm going to want more of it. And what do you think? What are the chances? Like, 
like Suicide Squad 2, we're, are we going to get Suicide Squad? Like, I know this is a kind of like a Suicide Squad 2, but I'm not even going to count the first one. So Suicide Squad 2, is James Gunn coming back and doing another film, working with these actors again? Like the remaining actors, Joel Kinnaman, maybe. You know, I, I don't know. I, like, is Joel Kinnaman going to die? I, don't, I, I thought he was great in the first one. I thought he was one of the redeeming, you know, um, things of, in the first movie. I loved... I loved him and I loved Jai Courtney and I even thought Will Smith was pretty damn good in the first one. And that was about it for me. But I mean, do we think well, that, Oh, go ahead. Warner brothers is always wait and see. So, you know, when it comes out and it does well, or let's just say it doesn't live up to expectations. Um, that's going to determine where they go from there. You know, they're very reactionary. I know it's going to be good, but you know, it's the numbers that it pulls in and the interest that it builds. That's going to determine what James Gun- James Gunn does for them next. Is it, are they going to be looking at subscriptions for HBO Max as uh, a, a deciding factor, Tristan? I don't know how they're going to measure everything this year. I know this is just a weird year, and they're not going to sit there and and measure box office dollars as if it's 2018, you know? I'm not even talking about Um, box office dollars. I'm talking about HBO Max subscriptions because this is going to drop day of, day of and theatrical release. It's going to drop day of. I mean, that's kind of how they've been doing it so far. I mean, every movie that's dropped, they compare it to, you know, how many subscriptions increased or something like that, which is not always a fair indicator because it's like, you know, a lot of people already have the subscription, so it's not going to jump up, you know, um, more just because the Suicide Squad comes out. I don't know what their math is and what their science is, but for streaming services, they have something that indicates success that they're measuring, whether it's social media hits and, and all that, min- you know, the mentions and all that stuff. I don't know what they're going by. Yeah. Yeah. Um Jake, what do you think? You think James Gunn is going to come back and do more Suicide Squad movies after this this first one? I think it's going to blow up, dude. I think it's going to be huge. Yeah, I think there's a really good chance he does. He obviously loves the franchise. He's already doing a spinoff for HBO Max series. So I, I think he's pretty invested in it, and I think there's a very good chance he comes back and does another one. Billy. I mean, I think it's kind of inevitable. I mean, we also know that there is a a pretty big AAA level game coming for the Suicide Squad. It's a Suicide Squad called Kill the Justice League. Would I, in a perfect world, I'd love for them to do this Suicide Squad movie, let James Gunn do something else within the DC universe for a few years, and then come back to it after there's been say five, six, seven more films, and there's some villains that were defeated in those movies, and they kind of have like a recycled roster to put back in. I think that would be kind of a cool idea, but I I think it's more realistic that we either see some more spinoff characters and maybe their own HBO Max series. It would be tough to think that only Peacemaker is the only one. He's also talked about being very interested, obviously, in the Harley Quinn character. So possibly people are kind of fan casting for a Harley Quinn uh, Poison Ivy movie. That's what like I was getting into. That, that's exactly the, the where I was taking this. Margot Robbie wants Poison Ivy to join Harley Quinn in the DCEU. This is from Den of Geek. And she was actually talking with another, uh, oh, she was talking with someone. Here we go. Uh, trust me, I chew their ear off about it all the time. She was, uh, yeah, she was talking to Den of Geek magazine 
I talk, they, I chew their ear off about it all the time, says Robbie, when asked if there has been any discussion of bringing poison ivy to the DCEU. They must be sick of hearing it, but I'm like, poison ivy, poison ivy, come on, let's do it. I'm very keen to see a Harley poison ivy relationship on screen. It'd be so fun. So I'll keep pestering them. Don't worry. Here's the thing. Okay. Uh, we know James Gunn has said like, who has been your favorite actor to work with so far? And he's talking about in all of movies when he was asked this question and this, this goes to, you know, even the guardians of the galaxy stuff. He said it was, he said it was Marco Robbie as poison. I as a uh, Harley Quinn. He loved working with her. I don't know if like in 2021, 2022, whatever, if they're going to give a poison Ivy Harley Quinn movie to James Gunn. I feel like they would want to go with a female director. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think I, he's going to have a role like they wanted him to have in a in a Marvel. You know how he was overseeing their cosmic universe. Yeah, they wanted they won't be, admit to that. They won't admit to that. Yeah. But that was one hundred percent. I think what was going to happen, Tristan. Yeah, but I think as far as just like the Peacemaker series, I doubt he's going to be directing every episode. He's probably just going to put everything in motion. And he might direct the first. He might direct the first. Yeah. The pilot or something. Yeah. 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 The first and the last, maybe I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see him, uh, maybe setting up a Harley Quinn movie and, and picking a director for it. I would love to see Margot Robbie endorse him as being the, the fucking director of it. If they work together so well and he loved working with her, I would love to see him take her on in a movie. That's just me, but I can't. I can't see Warner Brothers taking on a, a male director in a female-led DC movie. I can see them doing that with James Gunn, though, because I don't think anyone's going to really complain. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, someone will complain, but I don't. I yeah, agree with Tristan, it won't be like crazy blow black, blowback like it would be if you just hired whoever. Yeah, I would be reason to put James Gunn in that position. Put these two together, like, you know, during press junkets and stuff like that. And like, like, I want to see James Gunn with Margot Robbie and like their dynamic together. And then it would all, it would make sense why they would want to work together on another movie. I think that he, what's that? If, if the Suicide Squad movie shows the best, um, depiction of Harley Quinn that we've seen in live action. Yeah. Then people are going to want him to do the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to take a job away from a female director. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm just saying that sometimes you get, um, two people that just kind of like when they work together, they fucking get it. They fucking yeah. click. And from everything that I've read from James Gunn, like they ask him, like, like who's been his favorite actor to work with in all these movies, these comic book movies. This guy comes out and says Margot Robbie. And I think like that's kind of like him endorsing the fact that, yeah, he would like to work with her again. I would like to work with her again. Like I had such an enjoyable experience working with Margot Robbie on the Suicide Squad. And this is ta- this is over Chris Pratt. This is over, uh, you know, um, uh, anybody in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. This is over anybody else in the Suicide Squad movie. He's saying Margot Robbie. It sounds like he, man, it sounds like he really enjoyed working with her. He loved writing for that character. And 
yeah, man, if, if, if this fucking blows up, I just, and I'm not saying there's, I'm not, <laughs> I don't want this to sound like I'm like anti, like the, the Harley Quinn, the next Harley Quinn solo movie or Harley Quinn, uh, Poison Ivy movie. I don't want it to be a female director. All I'm saying is like, sometimes there's lightning in a bottle. And if these two work together and it's amazing for as many problems as there was in that last Kill Bill movie, Jake, with the stunt that went wrong, Quentin Tarantino and Uma Thurman, when they were fucking working together without that fucking stunt that went haywire and that fucked her up, like that was an incredibly led female movie directed by a man at the end of the day. That's a great point. So, um, and I'm, it's kind of, it's, it's a weird thing because I, I do like the direction that Hollywood is going in where we're picking, we're picking female directors to direct female led characters. I like that direction, but I don't want them to take that stance if, we have two actors, two actors, just two individuals that really work together well on this one movie. I don't want them to be like, well, we can't have that again in a solo thing. I think they just need to get to a point where they're giving female directors an opportunity, regardless of if it's a female led series or our character, you know, where it's just a good mix and there are giving opportunities to female directors and then you're not going to see people uh, pushing female directors on female-led characters as well. Yeah. Um, well, wait, well why, why can't I get why can't I get a female directed? Why can't I get a female director directing the next Spider-Man movie? Right. And Carrie Scoglin, who did the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, she did a phenomenal job on that. Right. You know. Right. Um, right. So right. Like, it's like just it doesn't have to be female, 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 female. You know, I mean, just give female directors opportunities, and then. We're not going to sit there and, uh, you know, say that every lead has to be uh, in line with the director. Right. Yeah. So no. go ahead, Billy. No. I know. I agree. I mean, it's it, it, you guys are all been making like interesting arguments. I've been kind of like going back and forth. But at the end of the day, it's like one James Gunn shouldn't be precluded from doing this, that story, you know, just because it may be like a, you know, a female female relationship just because he's a man. And and vice versa, it, it shouldn't just by default have to be a female director and female produced because it is a female female led relationship. You know, it's it should be the right creator for the right job and whoever that the you know, you said like Margot Robbie, whoever the the actors and the people involved are the most comfortable with, that's what should dictate it, not based off what we think the, these certain gender assignments or roles should be. And I think that's like a dangerous and it's it, it, honestly, it's a little archaic in my opinion to have to have that thought process. Well, I mean, I if, think to an extent when it comes to like, when you're talking about race and stuff, sometimes, you know, like I would want to see Asian people behind Shang-Chi. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. 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 But you know, when we're talking about genders, I think, yeah, let's give females opportunities to do other stuff. Like I'm so fucking excited to see, what Chloe Zhao does with the uh, Eternals, yeah, um, because yeah. the rumblings behind the scenes um, is that it's it's going to be a top tier Marvel film. They're saying that it's just blowing shit out the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting that they shot so much of it on location too, when it's such a like extraterrestrial like property, you know. So, well, here's what a, is she going to be? Able- 
I, I, I think these directors, all these directors need help in certain areas. You know, you've got second unit directors, you've got stunt choreographers. I, I don't think that you get, I don't think that you get Civil War being as good as it was with just the Russo brothers. I mean, they got stunt guys involved in that movie that were like involved in like, uh, wasn't it like, like the stunt guys from like, like the John Wick films? Didn't they get some of those guys in there? Like they've got, they, they had like this whole, like, like all the stunt choreographers were like came from like these amazing stunt backgrounds. And I don't think, I don't think the Russos coming off of like their comedy background knew anything about that kind of shit. Like they needed like those guys to like yeah. help them. Yeah. They have people in that department to help with like these action shots and the action directing as well. So if you're a, you know, let's just say like even Chloe's out who, who has done a lot of indie films or small, uh, you know, uh, confined cultural uh, art pieces, you know, if she doesn't have a lot of experience directing a big action piece, you know, they have the right guidance around them to help them make that scene look up to par. You know, they have the right people in place. They got, yeah, for Civil War, they got Sam Hargrave. Sam Hargrave is like the stunt coordinator for like, a I'm looking at like Atomic Blonde. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, God, this guy's been involved in a ton of shit. Um. Uh, not of not all of it's great though. Uh, but he's a good he's a good stunt guy. He's a good stunt guy. Uh, he, he was involved in Atomic Blonde. He did um, Extraction. He's going to be in Extraction too. He did Birds of Prey stunts. Not everything he's done is great though. But yeah, they they. I mean, I don't know. I just think that. Uh, I don't want them to like not consider James Gunn for a Harley Quinn slash Poison Ivy movie or even like the the second Harley Quinn movie. I just I I do want him to be kind of like in the discussions, especially if we and, and this is oh, this is all fucking like I I guess this conversation is going to be like more prevalent and it make more sense after we've seen the movie because like. I really feel like we're going to get a great Harley Quinn in this movie and let's just keep that going, man. I think if those two work together, I don't think he should be out of the conversation. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. He's going to be Margot a mysterious new... I'm oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say Margot Robbie herself could say, hey, this is who I want to direct this movie and that yeah. would go a long way to like kind of satiating people too yeah and i'm not saying like this next movie has to be like a direct sequel to birds of prey harley quinn this could be like its own thing where it's harley quinn and poison ivy um you know and then yeah. if she comes back and does like another kind of like i don't know are we going to get another like follow-up movie with the birds of prey i think at this point they need to figure out if they're just going to have a birds of prey movie and see if journey smollett and mary elizabeth winstead want to do their own thing you know, are they going to go ahead and do like their own thing? But um, I don't know. I don't think Birds of Prey got enough love, and I but I don't think it got enough attention that it may get that sequel route. I think, like you're saying, Brian, the idea of a Margot Robbie led 
Harley Quinn, whatever direction franchise. I, I think, I mean, I think you guys would agree with me. Tell me if you disagree, but I think if anyone, she is the safest bet to make it out of the suicide squad alive. So, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Peacemaker is not a hundred percent. I think like the series we're seeing is—is uh, is it going to be a prequel, Jake? I thought it—I thought it was a prequel. I thought it was too. Yeah, that's what I heard initially. I really want him. To, I don't know. I don't know. Like again, it's so crazy that we have these opinions, these characters we haven't seen yet. But I'd love to see this goofy guy like survive and interact with some other serious characters in the future. So, oh god, I think Sean Gunn. In um, the Suicide Squad is playing like that rat character, the weasel. Is it weasel? Weasel. Oh god, that have you seen him? He looks so goofy. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the polka dot man. <laughs> oh oh god, I love uh, Das Malkian. What's his first name? David Das Malkian. Yeah, David. Yeah. Oh god, I love that guy. I'm so happy. To see that guy, like, in this movie, working with James. I, like, everything I've heard about David Dasmalkian is, like, he's just, like, the nicest, sweetest guy. And, like, he can play such, like, evil characters in movies, you know? And, like, and it just goes against everything, like, what you hear about this guy in real life. Cause, like, I hear David Dasmalkian's, like, like, just such a good family man. He's got a family and he's just such a good guy. Oh my God. I'm looking at the weasel character. <laughs> I have you seen, like, have you seen that shot in the uh, Suicide Squad trailer where he's walking and his eyes are like, like, they're like those googly eyes. Oh my God. It's so weird looking. Sean Gunn is so fucking underrated for like the mocap work that he does on, even on Rocket Raccoon. And like, this guy is so underrated. He is so good. Yeah, he is. Is he doing the voice for Weasel too? I don't know if he's doing the voice. I, he should. He's got such a great voice for that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, do I have anything more? Oh yeah. We got one. Yeah. I don't know. You and McGray, Star Wars news. I'm not going to play that fucking bumper. It's stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He was, uh, Ewan McGregor was on Jimmy Kimmel Live talking about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And he did tease his new costume and appearance for the show, which sees him sporting longer hair and beard than when we last saw him in this screen universe. He says, it feels great. I have to say I'm having a really, really good time. The costume is probably slightly different than you might expect, but to go back into the role, shall we say, is great. It's all still there. It feels great. There are some great scripts and great people to work with. It's great. I'm having a good time. And I also found out that he won the Guinness Book of World Records for using the word great in three sentences. (laughs) (laughs) Truth. (laughs) Jesus. Jesus, Ewing. Ewing, we get it. It's great. God damn. Uh... Oh, yeah, McGregor is also very happy with the volume, the virtual sound stages used on The Mandalorian to help bring things to life with projected real-world environments captured in camera. Before, while shooting the prequels, <laughs> we did months of blue screen and green screen acting. Now, we've got this extraordinary technology where you work inside of a big screen and the backgrounds are on there 
it feels much more realistic. McGregor also confirmed he got to play a very special scene on May the 4th with someone very special in my life and added it wasn't anyone we've seen him on camera with before. Wow. Oh, ooh, any guesses? I have none. Yeah, I'm, I read this and I, I was thinking, I, I have no idea. Mm. Someone special in his life or Obi-Wan's life? Uh, to play a very special scene on May 4th with someone very special in my life and added mm. it wasn't anyone we've seen him on camera with before. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what episode that takes place in. I wonder who that is. I mean, to be fair, guys, do you think if he had really just shot nothing that day or anything crappy? Like, I shot a really inconsequential scene today. You know, it, it was kind of a <laughs> bullshit day on set, but, you know, may the fourth be with you. No, I, I actually I think what's interesting about a lot of his comments that you've seen recently is that um he obviously saw the negative reaction that the those prequel the prequel trilogy films at the time had garnered and now you know circle up to 2021 those films are a lot more positively looked at at least in in my opinion especially after the fucking rise of skywalker well especially yeah no especially and it's interesting to me because to me it's almost like i I wonder like how aware of that he is because a lot of his interviews seem like he's like i want to come and make up for it and a lot of people are like hey bud like we everyone loved you in the prequels man everyone loved obi-wan like you you weren't the problem that people had like and i i hope People are letting him know that now. (laughs) I hope this is – well, I hope it's redemption for Hayden Christensen. Like I'm not not a huge fan of him in those movies to be honest with you. But like at the same time, I don't want to see the guy fail. Yeah, it's not like he had much to work with as far as dialogue either. Like I think everyone knows the the problem with him wasn't entirely in his lap. Like how do you deliver those lines and people love you? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and and how does uh, Padme go from being so bad to winning an Oscar? You know, it was all George Lucas's dialogue. You know, I mean, it's it was just very poor writing. It yeah, a lot of logic jumps, a lot of things like why well, why aren't you questioning X, Y, and Z? And and again, it's a shame that you have to say this, but if you go into the Clone Wars and the things like that, you really get to see the best versions, and you you really get a lot of Anakin, you get a lot of Padme. But like I said, Anakin specifically in the Clone Wars is so fleshed out that it's like, God damn it, if you could have just given a if, again, I know it's not George Lucas doing the Clone Wars after it wasn't involved after like the first two seasons or so, but it would have been great to get more of that Anakin with Ahsoka and stuff like that. Then people would, who obviously haven't explored that would have not have the opinions. They or at least as negative as they would. Yeah. However they handle him in this series, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be proper. You know, they're not going to set him up to fail and uh, they're going to have a big redemption for him. I'm sure. Um, I went to star Wars celebration and like the 40th celebration a few years ago. In Florida, and he was welcomed like a rock star. Like, uh, I mean, wow. like you're saying, Billy, the sentiments behind those films has greatly changed over 20 years, um, including uh, Phantom Menace. You know, so yeah, I, I think it's going to be. Uh, I think he's going to be well received. What yeah, is he, he already has been well received. Just with the announcement of him returning. Yeah. It seems like I just yeah. want something to enhance the lore and the characters and something not to, I feel like, 
I feel like when we started off with, you know, the Force Awakens, it was something that enhanced everything that we had, uh, you know, come to know. And then by the time we got to the Rise of Skywalker, it all detracted from everything that we loved about the, you know, like the, you know, the first movie of Force Awakens. And I know that everybody was split on the second one. I loved The Last Jedi, but man, once we got to the Rise of Skywalker, there's, I, there's no excuses for that movie in my opinion. It is just. It, what I hate awful. about that trilogy is, is after Force Awakens, we all had so much joy and hope as to where that series could go. And to see it just all like kind of come to that conclusion is just so fucking depressing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I honestly had no problem with the, with the, with the promise that Ray was nobody. And then they had to do this whole yeah. Palpatine thing, and then, and well, then, they didn't even know if she was somebody while they were filming the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that's fucking bullshit. No, yeah. it's bullshit. No, it's how, bullshit. how are how are you writing in front of the cameras? Like that's just fucking stupid. What's wrong with the idea that they they ended the Last Jedi on, where saying that any of us could become Rey, could become the hero? That was a great <laughs> message, and then to go, no, 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 you have to be attached to one of the two most powerful people, or no one's going to care. And it's it, and like, why did it have to be a giant fleet and the whole thing? Why couldn't it be a more interpersonal story amongst? It, it's just well, it's just, and then why did have why did the Emperor have to come back at all? Why couldn't it just been a final battle with uh, with, with with Kylo Ren? There's yep. no reason. It's just bullshit. I mean, I tried to fucking and I'll, I'll you know you can go back and listen to the episodes. I tried to justify while Pop while Palpatine came back. I tried to, I tried to like agree with J.J. Abrams. Like, like, oh yeah, you needed to to bookend this with like the main villain from like you know the first movies. They had to end this with. The, no, I you know I was wrong. <laughs> I, I, I was wrong. JJ was wrong. The, you know, Palpatine should have not come back. It should have been. It should have been a more personal story between Ray and and Kylo and and uh, yeah, we still could have got the redemption at the end. I mean, there could have been so many other ways that 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 they could have gone about doing this movie. It. Oh god! Now we're just turning into shitting on that fucking. <laughs> fucking yeah, movie. I can't wait until the tell-all comes out. You know the documentaries and books that explain all the the shit that was going on behind the scenes here. Well, will that happen though? Because they're Disney owned. Will the mouse let anything like that get out? I guess we just have to read stuff that like the actors are saying and put it together ourselves. Honestly, because you know Daisy Ridley has come out recently and said stuff about you know things that. You know, the John Boyega, and, and, yeah, John, been very vocal. John Boyega has been super vocal and like they did nothing with him. Like he was such a huge part of the Force Awakens and then nothing happens with him. Um, you know, and then they totally, you know, like, you know, if you're going to introduce Rose Tico, do something with her. No, they just let her that poor actress get bur like buried off the internet and bullied because they didn't give her anything to do so it, you know they really did the service at so many levels to people i god damn it this obi-wan kenobi series better be fucking good that's all i gotta say because you're still working with leg like you're fucking working with legends characters this is the shit that i worry about jake this is i have no problem with them fucking bring introducing new characters i have no problem with stories like the mandalorian because like mostly the Mandalorian, we got new characters. 
A lot of the, I know they brought back Luke in the second season, Jake, and I loved it. I know that wasn't your dude. I fucking that is like that goes down as one of the top ten moments in Star Wars for me. <laughs> I screamed, man! I fucking loved it. I fucking loved it. And um, but uh, when you're when you're doing something like this, it's an Obi Wan Kenobi series. That's cool. But then on the flip side, when you announce that fucking Darth Vader is going to be coming back in this shit too, mm. that has me a little bit worried. Yeah, um, I get why you're worried too, because I think the reason why The Mandalorian is so successful and so well-loved is because it's not fucking with any canon. It's not really fucking with um, beloved characters yes. too much. Yes. You know, and it's playing in its own playground. Um, when you Dude, we've, we've, we have now. accepted Bill Burr and his Boston accent in The Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you see the comment he made. He was like, why is no one giving a C-3PO any shit? <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's not from fucking England. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like I think, um, when you start messing with the legacy characters, that's when it gets a little tricky. Yeah. Um, and I really yeah. hope that they pull it off because it's going to change how we see episode four. Dude, if fucking Obi-Wan and fucking Darth Vader have another battle together, Jake, dude. <laughs> it's kind, it's kind of ridiculous. I, I, I really don't want that to happen. I, but it's going to happen. <laughs> Because <laughs> well, it's last like time you saw me, I was you were the master, and I was the apprentice. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't felt this presence in a long time. Blah blah blah. Yeah, it's like what the <laughs> fu- what the fuck is a going on? I mean, four years ago. <laughs> but are they just gonna have scenes of these two like apart and reacting to different things? I mean, I, how are they? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand because I do think at the end of the day, you're gonna have to see these characters. Like together in the same scene, right? Am I crazy? Unless like Vader's tied to the story, like he's looking for Luke or some shit and Obi Wan's doing something else, but like, you know, the stories are somehow interwoven. I don't is, know. Is is Luke and Leia even on his radar? No, no, he does not know about Luke's existence until uh, Yeah, no until like the trilogy. But that's what I'm saying. Like they they can't they can't not have him on and have them not interact. So, or, what are they going to like get like see each other and give each other head nods? Like, no, the wig. Like that's. Oh, no, I agree with you. I don't want to see it. Like, if I had my choice of like things, but like at this point now, like we all have to just figure out that hopefully, like you said, there's got to be a reason why they're doing it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. All right, guys, that's the episode. I want to thank, I want to, Tristan, thank you. I love fucking having you on, dude. Hello? He's muted. Yeah, what the fuck? What are you, uh, I love having you on when you're, I love having you on when you're responsive. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I just had my, I had my phone muted, sorry. Yeah, enjoy being you just here. lost your nomination there, Tristan. God damn it. Hey, as long as I don't get a toss it as a guest, I'm good. Yeah, you all, you went down in the power rankings by two points. I'll, I'll take a low tasted. <laughs> Trist, Tristan's one of my favorite people to have on, Jake. I love having Tristan on, dude. Oh, no argument. No argument for me. I always feel like if I ask him on, it's like, is it too soon? 
Is it too soon? Because like he was just on like a month ago, and I felt like man, because I know Jay. Is, I, Dude, listen, not like listen, our get- or something like <laughs> what's fucking, up? You can ask. So not the president. You can ask me if you want me to be on. Here's the thing, but but doing a doing an episode. I know I do this every week because but I'm a, I'm a, Jake. You you do it every week. I'm a machine. We're machines though, Jake. Like we we do this every fucking week and we watch yeah, it's, all it's this shit. The schedule at this point, yeah, like, we know it's coming. We do it. But I know I'm I'm asking a lot of my guests when I fucking like. Oh, here's the list, and it's like seventy goddamn things. You know, <laughs> I know I know it's a lot, and I feel like I don't want to burn people out, man. And I love having you on. I never want to scare you away. And so I, I just, I'm just, I'm really thankful every time you come on the episode. I'm not, I, yeah, I'm blowing you a little bit. Yeah, you know what? I'm fucking, you know what? I'm, I'm pretending that you just fucking used your Manscaped 4.0. You fucking, 3.0. 3.0. You, you went, no, you, 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 you've upgraded to the 4.0. You went to manscaped.com. You fucking used the code PCL20 at checkout to save yourself 20% off the 4.0 and get free shipping. And I'm fucking blowing you right now. Yeah, I'm blowing you a little bit, but uh, I love having you on, man. I really appreciate you putting in. You put all of our guests, like I want our listeners to know, like when they fucking come on one of these shows, they come prepared and they fucking put a lot of hard work in. And Tristan, you're one of those, so thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you this, though. I always love it when you have uh, me, Jake, and, and another guest because it's a lot less pressure. <laughs> 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 Yeah, interesting. I can listen to the, just the three of them. Are, are you always hoping that the other guest is shittier than you? Be honest. Be no, honest. No, no, no. Here's, no, here's the thing. It's like, I feel like, oh shit, I gotta watch every fucking thing because right. if Jake was like busy that week and I don't fucking watch it, like then you're stuck talking about some shit by yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. So like if, if you didn't get to watch it, then like, you know, of course, like Billy, we had Billy on. Billy, Billy was able to watch it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. No, I get that. Yeah, it puts a lot more pressure on you. So, yeah. Billy, thank you for joining us, sir. Of course, brother. Where can people find you and what are you doing? So, like you've been graciously mentioned a few times, uh, you can find us at the Scene Invaders podcast. So, on anything Apple, Spotify, anything as far as podcasts. And then we also have the YouTube channel. So, that is also Scene Invaders uh, or Scene Invaders podcast. Uh, myself on social media, everything is Billy Blinks. So, it's usually Billy underscore Blinks. Um, and like I said, also Scene Invaders on everything. So, um, like I said, we love, I love coming on here. Love having Brian on. And like I said, definitely can't wait to come back my next time. I'm glad that, uh, we're able to have fun here and, and poke fun. And I'm not banned for making fun of Brian's, the <laughs> petting zoo visits. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's funny. Oh, oh my god! I'm gonna pass out. That is so funny. Um, yeah, we will be back next week. Jake, what are we doing next week? Oh, I think this we've got the Zack Snyder. Movie. Zack Snyder. We've got Army of the Dead coming up next week. I'm trying to think what else we've got. I've well, already two got Zack Snyder movies in one year. Best year ever. <laughs> Shut the you you. <laughs> 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 uh, oh, oh, Army of the Dead. We've also got, uh, Modoc 
Finally, we got the animated Modoc series coming oh, I'm out. Very excited for that. Very excited. Uh, Patton Oswalt as the voice of voice of Modoc, the Marvel character that's hitting Hulu on the 21st. So yeah, we've got a couple things to talk about next week. Uh, yeah, everybody check out Scene Invaders with Billy and, uh, guys, just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, go to manscaped.com. Use <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a shell. (laughs) Oh, boy, that one took me by surprise. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, hey, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. That original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and do the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, hate it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.